okay, we're getting caught up on the latest minus touch. So far, it's mostly about touch cannon. I don't understand how he just threatened all America. He said, we're going to all go to fucking hell. Why don't they, why don't they throw him right, in fucking prison? Where he belongs. Menace to society. Trump's attacks are failing, and here's the proof. Trump's attacks are failing. He may over and over again engage in stochastic terrorism. MAGA Republicans may try to make you feel defeated, to exhaust you, to engage in all of those tactics that we see time and time again through fascism, but don't let them. Let's be reinvigorated as we come out of this Labor Day holiday as we approach the remainder of 2023 and let's collectively make sure that we do everything that we can to push back and expose the hate, expose the lies, expose the MAGA corruption and the Midas Mighty. You are invaluable to that effort. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I have proof that Donald Trump's attacks are failing. I'm going to show you that proof right now, and I think there's no one better to break that down than Midas Touch host Fred Wellman. This is a brilliant recitation of the proof, evidence-based, that we are winning and Trump's attacks are failing. Come on, Fred. Take it away. Hi, guys. Fred Wellman with the Midas Touch Network, host of On Democracy with FD Wellman. Hey, look, I told you a couple weeks ago that we're winning, and we need to stay positive. And I know it's hard to see it sometimes, right? I mean, this week we had this horrible murder in Florida of three black shoppers. We're seeing more of this violence. We're seeing threats of civil war. The GOP is, and their propagandists are flooding the zone with BS, as they like to do. I mean, let's give you an example. They're literally trying to convince us, Americans, that a man with 91 felony charges and a mugshot, the first time in presidential, U.S. presidential history, is now more likely to be elected because of that. You and I know, with common sense, that's bullshit. I mean, look, this is a country where a guy fell out of the presidential race after he had a weird scream. <laughs> They're not going to elect a guy with 91 felony charges. But they want you to believe it. And the goal of our GOP opponents is to keep you convinced you're losing. So I'm going to give you two data points, two data points in this video that back up my, my assessment. Number one, of course, is the big announcement this week from President Biden that thanks to the Inflation Reduction Act, 10 drugs will now be negotiated with the pharmaceutical industry by the Medicare, the Office of Medicare and Medicaid, to reduce their prices for average Americans. Pharma hates it, but here we are. Those drugs are include, those drugs include drugs for cancer, diabetes, stroke, Crohn's disease, arthritis. Oops, what happened? Cancer, diabetes, stroke, Crohn's disease, arthritis. Some only used by 20,000 Americans, but costing them thousands of dollars a month. Some by millions of Americans. And now we'll start negotiating those prices thanks to a bill that not one single Republican voted for. It's estimated that when these price negotiations are finished, it'll save the United States government $98.5 billion 
over 10 years. That sounds like fiscal conservatism to me. By 2028, clinics that use these drugs will also see the price reductions, and average Americans will finally see a reduction in their costs. That's good governance. That's Wait, 10 what years? doing by passing these bills while the Republicans stand the sidelines. So don't you worry. Don't claim credit. Now, data point two. Yelp. You know, Yelp, your favorite place to leave reviews. Talk about the manager. Well, Yelp comes out with a business report periodically, and they just came out with their business report for the first half of 2023, and it's staggering. Yelp reports that new businesses, startups that have been registered on their site have gone up by 25% over the same time period last year, the first half of the year. Shockingly, that's an increase of 46% over 2019, before the pandemic. Businesses are starting rapidly across the country. The numbers are amazing. I actually printed it out because there's so many. Nearly 484,000 new businesses popped up on the platform in the last six months, led by hotels, travel, home services, auto, event services, local service. Within travel, RV rentals went up 84%. Walking tours, I just signed up for one of those myself, 15%. But here's where it really gets interesting. Geographically, it's everywhere led by California, Florida, Texas, New York, and Georgia. Notice that those are red and blue states. The economy is getting better. People are starting businesses across the country. Fascinating, too, it was led by East Coast states with the most significant percentage of new businesses. Rhode Island, 46%. West Virginia, 46% increase in new businesses. Delaware, 45%. Vermont, 38%. Yet the Biden economy that the Republicans like to complain about is helping everyone, red and blue states. But what's really significant that I found was a real increase in diverse businesses. They highlighted this quite a bit. LGBTQ-owned businesses, as self-reported, of course, are up 33% this year. Black-owned businesses, 28%. Latin, 28%. Asian-owned, uh, uh, even more, 19, or, excuse me, 13%. Women-owned business increased by 13%, all compared to last year. So there's an optimism, there's optimism. When people start businesses, it's for optimism, right? They believe there's opportunity. They believe they can succeed. And so you're seeing it. And it's bipartisan states, right? It is the red, it is the blue, it's going everywhere. It'll be fun to see the Republicans try to claim credit for all this, and they are. I've seen it in Missouri already, where Governor Parson, who's done nothing to help the economy, is claiming credit for the job growth here in the state. And we all know it's been the hard work of Democrats in Washington, D.C., in spite of the efforts to scuttle it by Republicans. But I know it's hard to believe that, right? Uh, my own family owns a small business in Fredericksburg, Virginia, and they've struggled. People are still holding on their money because they're being told we're failing. And, of course, there is real challenge, real challenges. Wages aren't going up fast enough. Inflation is still an issue. But you have to believe. Look, one of my favorite flocks, a famous philosopher, the, the probably greatest American philosopher in the modern era, guy named Ted Lasso. And Ted Lasso says it best. Believe. We have to believe. And the biggest thing that's going to hurt us in the future, in this next year before the election, is the belief that we're losing, the belief that the Republicans are winning, the belief that everything's failing. Optimism is, a, is a contagious. Uh, for all reasons I can't explain, I still have optimism. So you should too. Believe and we can beat these guys. Believe we can take our country back and lead it back in a direction and put the, the hate, the racism, the threats of civil war, all of the terrible things that are being threatened against our country by the far right, and put them in a dustbin of history where they belong, just like the rebels of old.
just like the you know, the Confederacy and the dustbin of Mr. Oracle lines. But, gotta believe. So I do. That's your good news to end the month on. Things are happening. So I hope you'll stick with us, stick with us, stay in the fight. Look, I say all of that with one caveat. We're not done yet. Right? We're not there yet. I'm not saying you should just rest on your laurels. I, I saw somebody comment on our last video about that. Oh, well, oh, you can't say this. We, we still have to fight. No, no, no. Look, I'm a soldier. I fought wars four times. I know there's a long fight ahead of us, okay? This is like 1864. You know, in 1864, Abraham Lincoln almost lost the election because the Union didn't believe we were winning. We were losing the war. They believed we were losing. We won the war less than a year later. April 1865, Richmond fell. Days later, Lee surrendered. Just seven months after the election of 1864. You have to believe. And it's going to be dark days. It's not always going to be easy. But we can do this. Have faith. If we keep fighting, if we keep pressing, we keep fighting, standing up for our rights, standing up for our fellow Americans. Anyway, I hope you'll stick with us. We'll keep you informed here at the Myers Touch Network. I hope you'll watch On Democracy with F.B. Obama every Friday night at 11 on the Myers Touch Network. All right? Okay, let's see. Shut up full panic mode as defendants. Oh, my God, they're playing these. Fucking Jamie Raskin ads that you nobody can hear. Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. There is massive, massive panic amongst Donald Trump and his co-defendants in Fulton County, Georgia. Unlike some of the other cases where Donald Trump has his lawyers representing all of the co-defendants, in Fulton County, Georgia, in the <coughs> case being prosecuted by Fulton County District Attorney Tony Willis, you have massive <coughs> panic as all of the different co-defendants are asking to sever their cases or separate it from each other. I don't know this person, I don't know this person, all pointing at this person, did it, that person, did it. It is chickens running around with their heads cut off, basically, if you're watching what is taking place in Fulton County, Georgia. It is a complete and total mess, and you know who loves it? Fulton County District Attorney, Tawny Willis. She is ready for it. She is more knowledgeable about Fulton County and Georgia state court procedure than like anybody, period, full stop. And you just watch all of these criminal defendants here just again making a total mess, total chaos. Watch Michael, uh, watch as Michael Kopak and I break this down on legal AF. We talk about it here. I'll show you a clip of that and then I'll talk to you after the break here. Play this clip of Kopak and I talking about what is going down in Fulton County, Georgia. Maybe just break down. There's been a lot of filings this week. A lot of, some people have filed speedy trials, severance motions, a lot going on. Try to break it down so that everybody yeah. understands the yeah. uh, what's going on here. Well, then I think where it starts, and I did a hot take on it, I think it's going up soon, is where I tell my legal associates to start. You start with the rules. You start with the owner's manual for the court that you're in. And every court and every judge particularly has a chamber rule, that's what I call it. So the judge's particular rules for their courtroom, 
And August the 24th, little little covered, I don't think anybody covered it, Scott McAfee, the new judge, six months on the bench, um, he updated his standing order related to all criminal cases in front of him. He, when he first got on in February, yes, he's been on less than a year, he had a kind of a standard one. As soon as he got, a, he, he got assigned the Trump case with the 18 other co-conspirators, he immediately updated his rule book. And if you looked at it, a lot of what we're watching now comes straight out of the things that are required in to practice criminal cases in front of us, Judge McAfee. For instance, in his standing order, he says, if you don't want to show up at your arraignment, that's okay. I'll set a time for it. In this case, on, it was supposed to be on the 6th of September. And I still think certain of the defendants, kind of the, on the lower tier, and those that may not have much money and don't have attorneys yet, uh, or maybe getting public defenders, they will maybe show up for these 15-minute time slots on the on the, on the uh, 6th of September. But in the standing order for Judge McAfee, it says straight out, if you want to file, in lieu of an appearance, a, 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 a motion, in lieu of an appearance, to waive your appearance, that's fine. If you want to tell me what your plea is, guilty or not guilty in that paper, that's fine too. And so people are starting to do that. Trump did it, Rudy Giuliani just did it. Um, others have done it, Ken Chesbro, Sidney Powell, and then some haven't done it yet because they one just got out of prison, out of jail, because he's been sitting there this whole time because he didn't have a lawyer and couldn't make bond. And so there, there's a this is quickly devolving, right? As we as we slide down into entropy, as we slide down into chaos, this is what happens when Donald Trump can't pay or won't pay for everybody's legal fees with bought and paid for attorneys so he can coordinate strategy. When you don't do that, which is what he's not doing apparently, and everybody's complaining about it, Jenna Ellis, for instance, who had been a huge Trump supporter, is now supporting DeSantis after she got almost her bar license pulled and is now complaining on social media that why isn't MAGA Incorporated the PAC paying my legal fees and everybody's legal fees? Well, they're not. And so they're all getting their own lawyers. In fact. None of these defendants, we're going to talk later on about Mar-a-Lago, where there are groupings of defendants and co-conspirators and witnesses behind one or two main lawyers. Here, there's like 19 separate lawyers. None of them are coordinating as of yet. Some, because this is like, I said it on a hot take, this is like crabs in a bucket trying to get out. Right? And they're stabbing each other as they fight. It's every man, woman, and child for themselves. Uh, and that's what we're watching. So one group wants to go to trial. I'll try to catch Spawny Willis flat-footed. So that's so far. That's Ken Chesbro, who we're going to talk a lot about today when we get to Mark Meadows, who wrote a two major legal memos. If you want to call it that, pushing the fake elector scheme and the pressure campaign on Mike Pence. Um, he said, I "I'm ready to go right now." And the judge says, "Fine. Why don't you go on the 23rd of October?" I'm talking about this 23rd of October, not some other 23rd of October. Like the same month that Donald Trump is already in that civil fraud case we're going to talk about later today, Ken Chesbro and Sidney Powell are going to go to trial. And rather than be caught at all flat-footed, uh, the prosecutor, Bonnie Willis, and her team said, ready, we're ready, and why don't we do all, talk about the bravado here, which I love, the brass of Bonnie Willis and her team. They didn't say, Judge, October? That sounds really early. They knew under speedy trial law in Georgia it was a possibility. That's why we gave her, you know, some good-natured good ribbing between 
March of last, between this past March and when she finally got around to indicting. Where are you, Bonnie? You said it was imminent. Well, she had to get ready for a trial. You see how quickly things move in Georgia. It's breathtaking, the velocity. So she said, not only did she say, I'm fine with October 23rd for those two, let's do all 19, including Donald Trump. Now, of course, that freaked out the others who aren't ready, like Donald Trump. He never wants to go early about anything. He wants to go never. So he's he's his lawyers are moving to uncouple. I, I refer to it, if you're thinking about it pictorially, this is a 19-car roller coaster that is hurtling out of control at hundreds of miles an hour, each defendant in a car. And now some of them, like Donald Trump and others, want to pull pins and take their car off the tracks and find out where it lands. And so Donald Trump wants to sever his case away from the others to have his own personal table for one trial uh, related to the criminal cases. And the others are like, yeah, me too. I want to do it by myself too. But that's not how a criminal RICO conspiracy is done. Each one of them is responsible for the 161 overt acts that are listed in furtherance of the conspiracy in the indictment alone. They're each responsible for each other's bad acts. So even though there's 34 counts or whatever it is in the indictment, and only a certain subset against each person, a lot of them were like, we want to sever the indictment too. We don't want the jury to know about the other bad things and counts of other people. But that is the very nature. That's why she brought a conspiracy case and a RICO case to boot. So that should not fly. I think this case gets separated, but not the way any of them anticipate. I think it's just going to be like basically cut down the middle if they can. There'll be like nine here and ten there, unless there's a courtroom big enough to hold all 19, and then I think it's going to be that. That's one group. The, the next group want to run the federal court, and we're going to talk about how badly that is going for Mark Meadows. If he is the test case, if he's the canary in the coal mine, it is going terribly. The canary has died. Do not run the federal court because Bonnie Willis is waiting for you there also, and she, she is loaded for bear. And she's ready to put on her mini trial and cross-examine you if you're stupid enough to take the stand. All of this, though, to back up from what I originally said, Ben, starts and ends with Judge McAfee's rules. And some people might be saying, and I'll turn it over to you on this one. Some people might be saying, God, Georgia criminal procedural law is so different, so alien, to use something we talked about earlier today, than criminal law in federal court. And you're Hi there. Um, we were what we were listening to something about Union Day Furious, Red State Rotor. We aren't props. Is this what doing your laundry looks like? Wouldn't you love it? Thanks for two fifty-three k. Hey folks, I'm Tennessee Brando with the Midas Touch Network. So they actually opened. The first Republican debate with the viral song Rich Men North of Richmond by Oliver Anthony. And they wanted to ask rich politicians why they thought that that song was resonating with the American people. Take a look at this clip and then we're going to come back and talk about it. country right now. What do you think it means? Our country is in decline. 
is not inevitable, it's a choice. We need to send Joe Biden back to his basement and reverse American decline. <laughs> so that's how they started the debate. And Ron DeSantis' answer was the reason why that song was resonating with the American people is because the country's in decline and the only way that we can save it is to take it back to Joe Biden. But I want to talk a minute about the song, Rich Men North of Richmond and Oliver Anthony. Um, it blew up, went viral, and got so many people talking. And now we're having this debate now about authentic country music, which is a debate that we've actually been having for years, but now it's just been pushed more into the mainstream of things. Before Oliver Anthony blew up with this song, there were a whole lot of authentic country artists out there making authentic country music, talking about the real struggles of working people, uh, and artists out there that had a lot of progressive views and progressive values, and those artists weren't being pushed or featured in the mainstream at all. It was just something that was a very vibrant underground. You had a lot of people talking, a lot of people going out to music festivals, a lot of people rejecting the kind of country music that you hear on mainstream country radio and a lot of the country music you see on stations like CM, uh, CMT, the music style videos that you see coming out of places like that. There was a whole lot of people that rejected that as country music because it wasn't a, an authentic representation of who we are here in Appalachia. When you see a video that looks like underwear models and Barbie dolls, they're all dancing around a swimming pool and driving a truck through the mud and everyone looks so plastic and everyone looks so pretentious and everyone looks so phony and so fake. That's not a true representation of how people in this part of the world actually live. And so for a long time, there were a whole lot of us out there that was really thirsty for some authentic country music that talked about the real struggles. And we were starting to get it. It was starting to happen. We were having a very vibrant underground scene. And of course, a lot of that music got labeled Americana. A lot of that music got labeled alternative country because it never was pushed into the mainstream. Uh, even though those artists was able to gain quite a big following and, uh, and have some success, it still was never accepted by Nashville. Country music has always, has always had political leanings, whether, whether it be to the left or the right, but after 9-11, we definitely saw country music take this really hard shift. If it was already going to the right, it took an extremely hard shift after 9-11. Artists like Toby Keith began writing pro-Iraq war songs, and everything became about, you know, patriotism and, and things like that. So as, as we went forward, that's, that's the direction that Nashville was in. And if you recall, back when the Dixie Chicks made the remark that they were ashamed that the President of the United States was from Texas, well, they were pretty much blacklisted from Nashville after that. They were pretty much kicked out. They were pretty much canceled by people who love to say they, they hate cancel culture. And so... Country music in the mainstream has taken a hard shift to the right for a long time. And so these artists in the underground who were being true to their authentic selves and writing about the real struggles, they were never featured or they were never pushed to the front of the argument. And so now all of a sudden along comes Oliver Anthony and this song skyrockets to the top and right-wingers embrace this song as their anthem. And it just goes to show once again how good that the Republican Party is, you have to give the devils their due here. They are so good at hijacking things they know nothing about. They hijacked Christianity. The Republican Party hijacked Christianity. They hijacked the teachings of a man who teached compassion, who teached empathy, who teached helping other people, who, who teached helping the poor, feeding the hungry, giving the thirsty something to drink, visiting those in prison, healing those who are sick, 
They took that kind of message and they hijacked it and said, we are the people who represent the man that said that. And now they have hijacked country music with this song and they say, we are the people of the working class. It's one of the most mind-numbing things that I saw happen because when I first listened to the song by Oliver Anthony, at first he had me hooked. He's got a good voice. The voice alone is it's good enough to go viral. Okay, I'll give him that. And as he's singing, I'm going, okay, yeah, we're all struggling to make ends meet. We're all having a hard time in this world. Okay, I'm, I'm with you. And then right in mid-song, he goes right into the talking points of the Richmond, north of Richmond. He starts, what does he do? He starts demonizing other people on welfare by saying that there's folks in the streets got nothing to eat and the OPs are milking welfare. And Lord, if you're if you're five foot three and three hundred pounds, taxes ought not to pay for your bags of fudge rounds. And as I heard that, my, I just put my head in my hands and went, "Well, there you go." That narrative that the Republican Party has been pushing for so long has worked, because in this part of the world, I've heard that argument so many times. I've heard people talking about other people on welfare. They never look to the top. I know so many people in this part of the world that anytime you say. We should have health care in this country. They'll say, well, how are we going to pay for it? If you say we should have college education in this, in this country, how are we going to pay for it? They always say, well, my tax dollars shouldn't go to this. My tax dollars shouldn't go to that. And when you point out to them that these rich men north of Richmond put their offices in the Cayman Islands so they wouldn't have to pay taxes at all, when you point out how they milk welfare from the top, the response you're going to get in this part of the world is, well, if we keep taxing them, they won't be able to give me a job. And that's the narrative that they thought. That's why this song struck this chord with right-wing people, because they've been taught that the reason they can't get ahead in the world is the guy beneath them. It's, it's the guy underneath them's fault. That's the narrative that the Republicans have been pushing for so long in this country. And so they took a song that now they say is the plight of the American people, and we are... I guess the, the, the only rich men north of Richmond that's part of the problem is just Democrats. It's just Biden and Hunter. I guess that's the, north, the rich men north of Richmond, and the Republicans are going to save the day. Just like they hijacked Christianity, they hijacked country music. They hijacked a brand of music that always reflected people's struggles, that always reflected the hardships that country people actually went through. They hijacked it. They turned it into this patriotic you know, form of music after 9-11. They turned it into a bunch of fake phony imagery, and now they've twisted it one more time to say, look, we're, we're and, and, and I hear people saying, well, this is authentic country music. We're tired of the Jason Aldeans. We're tired of the Kid Rocks and the Luke Bryans and all these people, and we want this. This is more authentic. Well, yeah, it sounds more authentic. At, at, at the first listen, it's got a more folky sound. Oliver Anthony definitely has a good voice. He's got the resonator guitar playing. Yeah, it's got an old-school sound to it. But it's got the same tired Republican message in it. It's got all the Republican dog whistles in it. And Oliver Anthony said in an interview that he's independent, that he shoots down the middle. Okay, he can say that. But it's funny to me that the the, the dog whistles in the song all lean to the right. He's he's quoting the exact talking points of these rich men north of Richmond, and that's why that they can open the debate. And they can say, oh, yeah, this song's resonating with the American people because they're tired of working all the time and people on welfare getting a free ride. And that, that message will hit in this part of the world every time. It's worked for years. Mm -hmm. 
live right here on the border of Kentucky, Tennessee, and Virginia, and I watched Kentucky, where I grew up as a kid. I watched them vote for Mitch McConnell over and over and over again. They've been doing it since I was two years old. They've been buying that message. And not to get off subject here, but the funny part is, none of them actually likes Mitch. I've never met a Kentucky that says, oh, man, Mitch McConnell's a great guy. We love him. Mitch is our guy. I don't hear that. All I ever heard, though, when I say to them, well, Mitch is a crook. Mitch, Mitch has done nothing for us. Well, I know, but at least he's not a Democrat. That's their response. And that's why a song like this resonated with those kind of people. But I promise you this, for those that are trying to compare this to Woody Guthrie, it's laughable, okay? It really isn't. I mean, say what you will about Oliver Anthony, say what you will about his singing ability, his songwriting ability, whatever the hell. But for those that thinks that this is like the Woody Guthrie of our time, uh, that's one of the most laughable things. If if the right wing, the far right establishment that that Rudy Guthrie was always taking a swing at, he had it on his guitar, this machine kills fascists. If that man had a saw, if Woody Guthrie had a saw a Republican debate open debating his song and why it was resonating, I promise you, I would bet everything I hold that Woody Guthrie would have stepped forward and said, no, whoa, whoa, when I was singing about those Richmond, North of Richmond, that's exactly the kind of people I was talking about. But Woody Guthrie would have never had a line like Oliver Anthony had in his song. Imagine if Oliver Anthony's song had a different line. I'll close with this. Imagine if the line, instead of, you know, we got folks in the street, nothing to eat, and the obese milk and welfare, what if Oliver Anthony had said, we got folks in the street, got nothing to eat, and the corporation's milk and welfare. And if you're living high on the hog in that big old town, my taxes shouldn't go to give your ass a break. Imagine if he'd have said that. I have a feeling the song would have never been heard, just like so many other songs in this part of the world that were written and never really heard in the mainstream. And I guarantee you, had that been the line that Oliver Anthony said, you would not have heard a word of debate amongst Republicans. They would have not, they would have not been up there debating why that song was resonating with the American people. So folks, keep hitting that subscribe button here on Midas Touch. We did it. We made it to 1.5 million subscribers. So we got to keep on going till we get to 2 million. And I think we can do that by the end of 2023. So you guys put the hammer down. Let's get there. Let's get to 2 million. Keep sharing these videos. Let everyone know about Midas Touch. And just like Woody Guthrie and the guitar that said, this machine kills fascists, Midas Touch will always be here standing up against the fascists and fighting for truth and democracy. So until next time, I'm Tennessee Brando. You guys keep tuning in. I'll keep telling you the truth. Hey Midas Mighty, love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch, to keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now. Okay, let's see here. One hour ago, Trump incriminates himself. Of course, into a position with devastating consequences. I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. The deposition transcript that was just released of Donald Trump's deposition from back in April of this year in connection with New York Attorney General Letitia James' $250 million civil fraud case against Donald Trump. It's not only just devastating, it's not only bad for Donald Trump in the civil lawsuit where monetary damages are at stake. Frankly, I think it is incriminating and has devastating implications 
for the fact that the Manhattan District Attorney is continuing to investigate Donald Trump for criminal conduct regarding the same conduct at issue in the civil case, which is Donald Trump's fraudulent valuations. And one of the reasons I thought the Manhattan District Attorney, Alvin Bragg, was so smart in the order with which he prosecuted Trump cases was the first case that he prosecuted, of course, is the hush money payment case where Donald Trump paid off a adult film actress, Stormy Daniels, to cover up the fact that he had a few seconds of sex with her before before that ended very abruptly and very quickly and then wanted to cover it up before the uh, 2016 election, then misclassified the money fraudulently as legal expenses. So that case has been prosecuted um, and being prosecuted by the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. Donald Trump has been indicted there. But the bigger case on the fraudulent valuations, that's still in an investigation posture. And one of the things that Alvin Bragg said that upset many people at the time was, he said, I'm not ready to prosecute yet. I'm not ready to seek an indictment yet. I'm going to go at my own schedule, not when public pressure tells me that I should do it. So what is the data that has developed over the course of the past year to 18 months since Alvin Bragg previously said that he was not ready to prosecute Donald Trump for the financial valuation case. Well, Donald Trump went from invoking his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination in the special proceeding when New York Attorney General Letitia James was in a mere investigatory posture to now because the case was headed to trial and Donald Trump realized that if he did not testify, the jury would be allowed to take an adverse inference against him, meaning if Trump invoked the fifth in the civil case the second time he was deposed with New York Attorney General Letitia James, the jury could infer, well, the reason Trump is not answering these questions is because he's trying to cover up the liability he's being accused of in the civil case. So with Donald Trump's money on the line, that induced him to waive his Fifth Amendment rights against self-incrimination and to testify. And wow, in my opinion, he incriminated himself over and over again in this deposition, frankly, admitting to inflating his assets, which isn't just a civil wrong, isn't just a tort, isn't just something you could be sued for. It is something that is also at the heart of the criminal investigation by the Manhattan District Attorney. So I can see a world, and I don't think the Manhattan District Attorney does it until after the trial happens. The Manhattan DA, I think, is going to wait for is this trial set to take place early October, brought by New York Attorney General Letitia James. I, Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, I'm just saying, look, I'm going to wait to see all the testimony. Trump's going to have to testify again in the New York Attorney General case. There's going to be a lot of other witnesses. Let's let that develop my case. And if and when, believe New York Attorney General Letitia James prevails, and there's a verdict against Trump, well, then then's the appropriate time to bring a criminal case within the applicable statute of limitations provided by criminal law. So now there's a treasure trove of evidence that Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg has. A seven-hour deposition of Donald Trump 
being pure malignant narcissist Donald Trump, ranting and raving like a lunatic and saying things like, well, I had the strongest worthless clause in all of my statement of financial condition. You know what a worthless clause is. It means that my statement of financial conditions can be totally false and misleading. As long as there's a worthless clause, it renders my entire statement of financial conditions worthless. Thus, I can misrepresent and lie and not tell the truth about what my underlying assets are, what the valuation is. The worthless clause prevents people from taking legal action against me. That's actually not what the law is. He can call it a worthless cause. It's called a disclaimer. Your disclaimer cannot be materially misleading. And the disclaimer at issue here also hedges because Donald Trump's former accounting firm, Mazers, basically said, you can't rely on us. We're just getting this information from Donald Trump. And presented with that, Donald Trump's like, well, Eric, Eric, Eric did it. I'm not sure. I wasn't even involved in this in the past five to six years doing statement of financial condition. Eric was involved in it. But more than just throwing his son under the bus and just saying, the worthless clause means I can do whatever it is that I want, some of the incriminating lowlights of this deposition, highlights from the perspective of Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, who's probably salivating at all of this incriminating evidence, Donald Trump claiming that his NFTs now sell for as much as $82,000 on the resale market. You have Donald Trump claiming in the deposition that Mar-a-Lago is worth $1.5 billion, that his Miami Doral Hotel, he says it's worth billions and billions of dollars. He claims that with respect to the Turnberry property overseas, he goes, sure, you know, it, it may have been inflated. By the way, if it was inflated, that's Eric's fault. But you know what? I'm pretty confident that we could get the Saudis who will, look what he said over and over again, we can get the Saudis and they would pay an absolute fortune for Turnberry. You know, uh, if, if I, he says this, he goes, because I was the president, Perfect for me to say that. Because I was the president, my brand is just so hot right now. And so you think about the brand of like Coca-Cola, and you think about what they could sell for. Yeah, the Saudis would come and they would just buy all this property. So Trump's defense to inflating the valuations of his properties was one, he claims he had a worthless clause, that everything he says is worthless. Or two, he can put outrageous valuations if he thinks it makes sense to him without reference to an appraisal because he says the Saudis would come in and spend whatever amount of money Donald Trump wanted to buy his properties. At the same time, Donald Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, received $2 billion from the Saudis to manage their money after Jared Kushner, who couldn't get a security clearance at all, led our Middle East policy, MBS, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, bragged that he had Jared Kushner in his pocket. They play their golf tournaments at Donald Trump's 
properties while Donald Trump gives press conferences or interviews spreading 9-11 conspiracy theories. And Donald Trump is in a deposition saying that he can get a fortune for the Saudis from the Saudis for any of his properties. And by the way, he admits that some of the properties are inflated. He just says, I just use my common sense and that's how I come up with these valuations. So you have Donald Trump essentially admitting to the inflated valuations, recognizing that he just basically makes up these numbers and, and that's they're not tethered to reality. It's kind of how he feels. He also claims that he doesn't even know. He's no kind of financial controls. He blames Weisselberg and blames Eric. So interesting strategy by New York Attorney General Letitia James legal team. Like they did not go in for like, I think like a cross-examination of yes or no, Mr. Trump. Is this the case? They just let him talk. And I think that was the perfect talk. Incriminate yourself. Prove how liable you are. And then Tish James files the summary judgment motion. And it's like, here's the deposition, Alvin Bragg, here you go. And Alvin Bragg's like, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> I'll wait for trial. But I believe if New York Attorney General Letitia James is successful at this trial, and I believe she is, and the trial is going to happen, by the way, in the next 45 days, Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, I think, will then make the decision to impanel another grand jury. And I think that there will be another indictment against Donald Trump. It won't be a superseding indictment. It'll just be another indictment, I think, that will be taking place. So I know a lot of commentary. I, I haven't seen this commentary anywhere. So mark the tape because I think in about six to nine months, we'll be watching this and we'll say, well, just like with the other predictions that were made, this is another one that's accurate that no one else has been talking about. But we will see. But that's where the data is moving us in that direction. Uh, make sure you go to, have you checked out patreon.com slash Midas Touch? Get the origin stories of Michael Popak and Karen Friedman and Niflo. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash M-E-I-D-A-S-T-O-U-C-H. Check that out. And otherwise, go to MidasTouch.com. Have a great day. At Midas Touch, we are unapologetically pro-democracy, and we demand justice and accountability. That's why we're spreading our message to Convict 45. That's right. Gear up right now with your Convict 45 tees and pins at store.midastouch.com. That's store.midastouch.com.
What happened there? Disclaimer. Your disclaimer cannot be materially misleading. And the disclaimer at issue here also hedges because Donald Trump's former accounting firm, Mazers, basically said, you can't rely on us, we're just getting this information from Donald Trump. And presented with that, Donald Trump's like, well, Eric, Eric did it. I'm not sure. I wasn't even involved in this in the past five to six years during the statement of financial condition. Eric was involved in it. But more than just throwing his son under the bus and just saying, the worthless clause means I can do whatever it is that I want, some of the incriminating lowlights of this deposition, highlights from the perspective of Manhattan District Attorney Alan Bragg, who's probably salivating at all of this incriminating evidence, Donald Trump claiming that his NFTs now sell for as much as $82,000 on the resale market. You have Donald Trump claiming in the deposition that Mar-a-Lago is worth $1.5 billion, that his Miami Doral Hotel, he says it's worth billions and billions of dollars. He claims that with respect to the Turnberry property overseas, he goes, sure, you know, it, it may have been inflated. By the way, if it was inflated, that's Eric's fault. But you know what? I'm pretty confident that we could get the Saudis who will, what he said over and over again, we can get the Saudis and they would pay an absolute fortune for Turnberry. You know, uh, if, if I, he says this, he goes, because I was the president, terrific for me to say that. Because I was the president, my brand is just so hot right now. And so you think about the brand of like Coca-Cola, and you think about what they could sell for, yeah, the Saudis would come and they would just buy all this property. So Trump's defense to inflating the valuations of his properties was one, he claims he had a worthless clause and that everything he says is worthless. Or two, he can put outrageous valuations if he thinks it makes sense to him without reference to an appraisal because he says the Saudis would come in and spend whatever amount of money Donald Trump wanted to buy his properties. At the same time, Donald Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, received $2 billion from the Saudis to manage their money after Jared Kushner, who couldn't get a security clearance at all, led our Middle East policy, MBS, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, bragged that he had Jared Kushner in his pocket. They play their golf tournaments at Donald Trump's properties while Donald Trump gives press conferences or interviews spreading 9-11 conspiracy theories, and Donald Trump is in a deposition saying that he can get a fortune for the Saudis, from the Saudis, for any of his properties. And by the way, he admits that some of the properties are inflated. He just says, I just use my common sense, and that's how I come up with these valuations. So you have Donald Trump essentially admitting to the inflated valuations. 
recognizing that he just basically makes up these numbers and, and that's they're not tethered to reality. It's kind of how he feels. He also claims that he doesn't even know. He has no kind of financial controls. He blames Weisselberg and blames Eric. So interesting strategy by New York Attorney General Letitia James legal team. Like they did not go in for like, I think like a cross-examination of Yes or no, Mr. Trump, is this the case? He just let him talk. And I think that was the perfect, talk, incriminate yourself, prove how liable you are, and then Tish James files the summary judgment motion, and it's like, here's the deposition, Alvin Bragg, here you go, and Alvin Bragg's like, thank you very much, I appreciate that, um, <laughs> I'll wait for trial. But I believe if New York Attorney General Letitia James is successful at this trial, and I believe she is, and the trial is going to happen, by the way, in the next 45 days, Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, I think, will then make the decision to impanel another grand jury, and I think that there will be another indictment against Donald Trump. There won't be a superseding indictment. There'll just be another indictment, I think, that will be taking place. So I know a lot of commentary—I I haven't seen this commentary anywhere, so— Mark the tape, because I think in about six to nine months, we'll be watching this and we'll say, well, just like with the other predictions that were made, this is another one that's accurate that no one else has been talking about. But we will see, but that's where the data is moving us in that direction. Uh, make sure you go. Have you checked out patreon.com slash Midas Touch? Get the origin stories of Michael Popak and Karen Friedman and Nicola, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash m-e-i-d-a-s-t-o-u-c-h check that out and otherwise go to midastouch.com have a great day at midas touch we are unapologetically pro-democracy and we demand justice and accountability that's why we're spreading our message to convict 45 that's right gear up right now with your convict 45 t's and pins at store.midastouch.com that's store.midastouch.com
Right. adverse inference against him, meaning if Trump invoked the fifth in the civil case, the second time he was deposed with New York Attorney General Letitia James, the jury could infer, well, the reason Trump is not answering these questions is because he's trying to cover up the liability he's being accused of in the civil case. So with Donald Trump's money on the line, that induced him to waive his Fifth Amendment rights against self-incrimination and to testify. And wow, in my opinion, he incriminated himself over and over again in this deposition, frankly, admitting to inflating his assets, which isn't just a civil wrong, isn't just a tort, isn't just something you could be sued for. It is something that's also at the heart of the criminal investigation by the Manhattan District Attorney. So I can see a world. I don't think the Manhattan District Attorney does it until after the trial happens. The Manhattan DA, I think, is going to wait for is this trial set to take place early October, brought by New York Attorney General Letitia James. I'm Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. I'm just saying, look, I'm going to wait to see all the testimony. Trump's going to have to testify again in the New York Attorney General case. There's going to be a lot of other witnesses. Let's let that develop my case, and if and when, believe New York Attorney General Letitia James prevails, and there's a verdict against Trump, well then, then's the appropriate time to bring a criminal case within the applicable statute of limitations provided by criminal law. So now, there's a treasure trove of evidence that Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg has. A seven-hour deposition of Donald Trump being pure malignant narcissist Donald Trump, ranting and raving like a lunatic and saying things like, well, I have the strongest worthless clause in all of my statement of financial condition. You know what a worthless clause is. It means that my statement of financial conditions can be totally false and misleading. As long as there's a worthless clause, it renders my entire statement of financial conditions worthless. Thus, I can misrepresent and lie and not tell the truth about what my underlying assets are, what the valuation is. The worthless cause prevents people from taking legal action against me. That's actually not what the law is. He can call it a worthless cause. It's called a disclaimer. Your disclaimer cannot be materially misleading. And the disclaimer at issue here also hedges because Donald Trump's former accounting firm, Mazers, basically said, you can't rely on us, we're just getting this information from Donald Trump. And presented with that, Donald Trump's like, well, Eric, Eric, Eric did it. I'm not sure. I wasn't even involved in this in the past five to six years doing statement of financial conditions. Eric was involved in it. But more than just throwing his son under the bus, and just saying, the worthless clause means I can do whatever it is that I want, some of the incriminating lowlights of this deposition, highlights from the perspective of Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, who's probably salivating at all of this incriminating evidence, Donald Trump claiming that his NFTs now sell for as much as $82,000 on the resale market, 
You have Donald Trump claiming in the deposition that Mar-a-Lago is worth $1.5 billion, that his Miami Doral Hotel is as it's worth billions and billions of dollars. He claims that with respect to the Turnberry property overseas, he goes, sure, you know, it, it may have been inflated. By the way, if it was inflated, that's Eric's fault. But you know what? I'm pretty confident that we could get the Saudis who will, what he said over and over again, we can get the Saudis and they would pay an absolute fortune for Turnberry. You know, uh, if, if I, because, he says this, he goes, because I was the president, Terrific for me to say that. Because I was the president, my brand is just so hot right now. And so you think about the brand of, like, Coca-Cola. You think about what they could sell for. Yeah, the Saudis would come and they would just buy all this property. So Trump's defense to inflating the valuations of his properties was, one, he claims he had a worthless clause, and that everything he says is worthless. Or, two... He can put outrageous valuations if he thinks it makes sense to him without reference to an appraisal because he says the Saudis would come in and spend whatever amount of money Donald Trump wanted to buy his properties. At the same time, Donald Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, received $2 billion from the Saudis to manage their money after Jared Kushner, who couldn't get a security clearance at all, led our Middle East policy, MBS, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, bragged that he had Jared Kushner in his pocket. They play their golf tournaments at Donald Trump's properties while Donald Trump gives press conferences or interviews spreading 9-11 conspiracy theories, and Donald Trump is in a deposition saying that he can get a fortune for the Saudis from the Saudis for any of his properties. And by the way, he admits that some of the properties are inflated. He just says, I just use my common sense and that's how I come up with these valuations. So you have Donald Trump essentially admitting to the inflated valuations, recognizing that he just basically makes up these numbers and, and that's they're not tethered to reality. It's kind of how he feels. He also claims that he doesn't even know. He's no kind of financial controls. He blames Weisselberg and blames Eric. So interesting strategy by New York Attorney General Letitia James legal team. Like, they did not go in for, like, I think, like, a cross-examination of, yes or no, Mr. Trump, is this the case? They just let him talk. And I think that was the perfect talk, incriminate yourself, prove how liable you are, and then Tish James files the summary judgment motion, and it's like, here's the deposition, Alvin Bragg, here you go, and Alvin Bragg's like, thank you very much, I appreciate that. Um... <laughs> I'll wait for trial, but I believe if New York Attorney General Letitia James is successful at this trial, and I believe she is, the trial's going to happen, by the way, in the next 45 days, Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, I think, will then make the decision to impanel another grand jury, and I think that there will be another indictment against Donald Trump. It won't be a superseding indictment. There'll just be another indictment, I think, that will be taking place. So I know a lot of commentary. I, I haven't seen this commentary anywhere, so... 
mark the date because I think in about six to nine months, we'll be watching this and we'll say, well, just like with the other predictions that were made, this is another one that's accurate that no one else has been talking about. But we will see, but that's where the data is moving us in that direction. Uh, make sure you go. Have you checked out patreon.com slash Midas Touch? Get the origin stories of Michael Popak and Karen Friedman and Nicola. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash. Okay. So he's going to get indicted again. Why, why don't they fucking put him in prison? Everybody else would be. Someone tell him. Seniors are rushing to get additional benefits added to their Medicare plans and unlock these new benefits. I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. Look, as a litigator, watching what Special Counsel Jack Smith has been doing in all of the cases he's prosecuting, but specifically in the Southern District of Florida before Judge Eileen Cannon, a very hostile and corrupt judge, to me it is brilliant. It's like the Mona Lisa of litigation to watch this prosecution unfold how methodical, how meticulous, how efficient, how every word special counsel Jack Smith uses is so precise, and how Jack Smith thinks 10, 12, 15, 20 moves ahead, and then watching when those 20 moves happen, and then going back, and then seeing the motions where he laid the foundation. Y'all remember the movie The Sixth Sense at the end where Bruce Willis um, realizes that he's actually speaking to the young guy. Well, ruin the end of the movie for you if you haven't seen The Sixth Sense, but it has that ending where it was like, whoa, that's what went down the whole thing. And to me, Jack Smith, it's, it's like that. And I know I geek out a little bit, but let me kind of explain to you the masterful work that special counsel Jack Smith has done to kind of lay the smackdown to Judge Eileen Cannon. First and foremost, the efficiency of discovery. When Special Counsel Jack Smith sought the indictment, and remember, utilized a Washington, D.C. grand jury to develop the evidence, then utilized the Southern District of Florida grand jury to indict. But when Jack Smith sought the indictment, he was ready to go to trial like the next day. Jack Smith requested a trial date in December originally. He said, look, I'm, I'm ready to go. And then with respect to discovery, Jack Smith turned over basically all of the discovery other than the classified information immediately. He said, I'm ready to go. Not only did Jack Smith turn over all of the discovery immediately, he did the work. He dummy-proofed it for Donald Trump and Trump's lawyers. He knew Trump's lawyers were going to go in there and they were going to say, oh, there's so much documents, we don't know what we're doing. He created, Jack Smitsky created the whole roadmap, electronically stored all of the documents, made it so easy to search the database with keywords and search terms. When Jack Smith went through all of the surveillance footage, he put the specific key times of when everybody was going in and out. 
did all of the work for Donald Trump's lawyers so they cannot whine and Jack Smith can say, look, I am absolutely ready to go. And the only reason why Jack Smith didn't turn over the classified information right away, he would have, he was waiting for Classified Information Procedures Act or Classified Information Protections Act uh, uh, protocols to take place. And Jack Smith realized Judge Eileen Cannon, she's got no clue at all what she is doing. She's never done a SEPA case before, and her corruption is matched by her incompetence and her lack of intellectual curiosity. So Judge Cannon's not even like asking people for help. So Judge Cannon's setting public SEPA hearings. You can't set a public Classified Information Protection Act hearing. They all have to be under seal, and she's striking documents that she shouldn't strike. As special counsel, Jack Smith's like, oops, you're wrong here, you're wrong here, you're wrong again. And then finally, and I did another video on this, you'll notice that a lot of the proceedings right now are taking place under seal because where Judge Eileen Cannon demanded that Jack Smith immediately respond with information that Jack Smith was trying to file under seal, Jack Smith's like, okay. Well, if I have to answer that question, you see, Judge Cannon, what was going on here is that Donald Trump's political action organizations are paying for the lawyers that are representing the defendant and co-defendant who's brought in in the superseding indictment and a bunch of witnesses and where there was a conflict hearing called the Garcia hearing before the Washington, D.C. grand jury. One of the witnesses fired the Trump-appointed lawyer brought in independent counsel, and then admitted that he lied to the grand jury back in March of 2023 when represented by a Trump-paid-for lawyer. And that witness, Your Honor, Judge Cannon, then provided the critical information that led to the superseding indictment. That's why there's a Washington, D.C. grand jury. So thank you for asking me a question that you learned from Fox News the night before, because now I got to make that public filing, and now you want everything to go dark. Now you want everything to go under seal. Jack Smith was just waiting for that move, and then bam, said, well, here you go, Judge Cannon. Is this what you wanted? And now you can see she's doing a lot of these proceedings under seal. So first, discovery. Jack Smith has just been pitch perfect, everything ready to go when the indictment was brought. As I just talked about, that key thing that happened in the D.C. grand jury where one of the witnesses who lied then realized, oh, wait a minute, Trump is hiring lawyers for me to protect, not me, but to protect Trump. So Jack Smith, I lied. I'm sorry, I lied. If I tell you the truth, will you prosecute me? And Jack Smith's like, look, cooperate, we'll see what happens. I'm referring to, of course, Yusel Tavares, the head of the uh, IT who was control of the surveillance footage at Mar-a-Lago, because Remember, you had Donald Trump, Joaquin Nauta, and Carlos de Oliveira, according to Yusuf Tavares, who engaged in a conspiracy to tell him to destroy surveillance footage. And the timing, the fact that Jack Smith did not bring in Tavares in the original event. He had enough information to do that. Jack Smith didn't bring in Carlos de Oliveira, the head of maintenance in the original indictment, even though he had enough information to do that. He brought the original indictment, then applied the pressure of target letters to Carlos de Oliveira, the head of maintenance, represented by a Trump-appointed lawyer, Yusuf Tavares, represented by a Trump-appointed and paid-for lawyer. And then Yusuf Tavares was like, I'm out. They did it. Carlos de Oliveira didn't do that. De Oliveira got prosecuted in the superseding indictment. Yusuf Tavares did not get prosecuted, is a cooperating witness, 
against Donald Trump, and now other witnesses who have been represented by the Trump paid-for lawyers were like, oh, crap, I see what's going on. De Oliveira, he continues down this path. He gets prosecuted. Good morning. Let's see what's going on with Minus Touch. Thanks for 253K. When on earth is this motherfucker gonna go to jail? Trump's latest attack was a big. Was a big. Introducing the filter sorb whole miscalculation on Labor Day. A complete home water filtration. I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. You remember when Donald Trump promised infrastructure week? It was just gonna happen in two weeks, just like the health care plan. It was a total con job by Donald Trump over and over again. And now that infrastructure week became actually an infrastructure decade in reality because President Biden got through the Infrastructure Act, the Inflation Reduction Act. We've got 37,000 new construction projects taking place throughout the United States. That means better jobs, better paying jobs, union jobs. What does Donald Trump and MAGA Republicans do in response? They attack the unions. They attack workers over and over again. And I want to show you a video clip where Donald Trump just attacks unions, says, don't pay your dues, says you're all going to hell, and just spreads these complete and utter lies about the Biden administration. But on Labor Day, I don't just want to show you Donald Trump's lies. I actually want to go, as we always do when we make these comparisons, though, I want to go directly to the source. I want to speak to the general president of the Laborers International Union of North America, LAUNA, and I want to ask him, his name is Brent Booker, let's get the facts. Let's learn about what the Biden administration is actually doing for workers, and if you are a worker, what you can be doing to take advantage of the Infrastructure Act and all of these jobs that are now available because of these various projects. So first, let me show you what Donald Trump is saying. Here, play this clip. You're going to hell. And your bosses are leading you right down the tubes. You shouldn't pay your fees. They get these big fees from all of their workers. And it doesn't matter how bad they are, they'll endorse a Democrat, even though the Democrat's selling you down the tubes. You shouldn't pay those dues. You should not pay your dues because they're selling you to hell. You're going to be going to hell. You're not going to have any jobs. All those cars are going to be made in China. Every one of them. You can forget it, Michigan. You can forget it. South Carolina, you can forget it, everybody. All of those cars are going to be made in China. Okay, that's what Donald Trump is saying. And again, it's always this, I'm the only person who can fix it. I all, you trust me, trust me. You've bankrupted everything your entire life. You've screwed workers your entire life. You didn't pay workers what they deserve their entire life. You stiffed people on bills. That is your legacy, no matter where you've gone, place to place to place to place. And then you did that with our country. And then you held out this whole oh, infrastructure act. It's just coming, infrastructure week. And you did absolutely nothing. All right, let me bring in my interview that I did very recently with Brent Booker, General President of LIUNA, the Laborers International Union of North America. I want to get his take so we can compare. Let's bring in that interview. 
I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. Jobs, 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 good paying jobs, better working conditions. This to me is one of the, if not the most important issue as we approach the 2024 general elections. And I know there are a lot of people out there who want to confuse and distract the American people and talk about culture war issues or talk about just utterly insane things like, is the Barbie movie a communist plot? Is Mr. Potato Head too woke? This Disney film, that, in my view, that is all to distract from an agenda out there by billion dollar interests to try to harm workers, to try to harm you. And I don't know about you, but when I was watching that GOP debate, and you can go and take a look at the uh, hot take that I did where I covered the debate, I saw constant attack on unions, constant attack on workers, and, and they tried to kind of package it up in a way that was like, no, we're fighting for the work. No, you're fighting against unions. You're therefore fighting against workers. I want to bring in one of the foremost experts to talk about jobs, jobs, jobs. Brent Booker, General President of LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, founded in 1903 now with over 500,000 members on its way to 1 million members. Welcome to the show, Brent. Thanks for having me. Uh, look forward to having a conversation. So, you know, where I started with this is I see unions, I mean, it's not a news story, being under attack by very wealthy interests to try to harm the worker, to try to pilfer from the worker. There's been a little bit of an adjustment in that strategy, I think, injecting more this kind of culture war, nonsense, gas stoves are being taken away, crap. Like, what do you make of the current zeitgeist right now, though, and the attack I think that workers are under? Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. There, there has been, you know, a history of people attacking unions uh, and attacking workers. And it seems like in the political season leading up to 2024, uh, to the election next year, watching the debate the other night, hearing, you know, eight candidates on stage disparage their constituents, their voters, uh, who happen to be union members, who happen to, you know, decide uh, early on in their career to either form a union or, or, or get a job that was, had already been unionized, because you know, unions are people, and, and, and people just want a, a living wage, a, a middle-class lifestyle, um, an ability to, to go to work every day, and, and to, you know, make sure that they have a health care, and, and at the end of their career, they can retire with a decent pension. So, um, the attacks are, it surprises me, honestly, every time, because I don't understand how they don't get the, you know, that they're disconnected from their voters, their constituents, who are people who live in the community and serve the community, and, and, and also, you know, the, the attack is on teachers who educate their children. Um, that's, that's not who Americans are, that's not who we are, that's certainly not who the laborers are.
So what can you do? What is Layuna doing? What are the brother and sister organizations doing, though, to let the voters know what's really going on here? You know, I have to tell you, when I have, you know, a lot of politicians on or former politicians on from certain swing states, you know, one of the things that they say is that, you know, despite the fact that the GOP is attacking their constituents, sometimes this culture war BS distraction stuff, you know, works and is getting people to vote against their interests, to vote against their jobs, to vote against their wages, to vote against their working conditions. So what? So that their CEO can maybe, maybe just trickle down you know, if you're lucky, if they, after they buy the sixth yacht, m m maybe the worker will be able to then afford half a month's mortgage. Like, if, if you put it to the, if you gave the people these issues in referendum form, hey, you want better working conditions, you want better jobs, you want to improve yourself and your family, or give the billionaire another yacht, you know how they vote. So, but they're voting against their interest a lot. So, so what kind of how do you win the communications war here, Brent? Yeah, we, we have to meet our members where they're at. You know, we, we have to, to, to go to the job sites, go to local unions, uh, to, to the local meetings, to go to uh, our, our memberships in the community and, and, and talk to them and just give them the facts, right? You know, a lot of people get their information on, on you know, cable news, on, on you know, social networking and, and things like that. And, We've got to build our presence there. We, we've got to do more things like we're doing today, right? Talking to you, getting to uh, an audience that maybe we don't reach on a daily basis and, and, and inform them and educate them. You know, look, unions' approval ratings are at an all-time high. Uh, young people want to be in a union, uh, and, and we just have to talk to them. We have to communicate to them. We have to talk to our current members, and we have to talk to our future members about what being in a union family is all about. Uh, and a sense of belonging and a, and a, and a sense of being there. We, we, we're, we're putting a whole lot more emphasis on, you know, social media and, and getting out there and doing short videos, talking about what's a day like being a laborer, um, whether you're a construction laborer, whether you're a public employee, whether you're a mail handler, you know, to educate and inform and show people as to what the union advantage is, what it's like being a, a union laborer day in and day out. You know, we've, we've got programs, apprenticeship readiness programs, that we're reaching out to the underserved communities, to veterans, to women, to, uh, to, to minority communities to say, come into our, you know, come into our family, come into to Layuna. Uh, and, and, and we just have to talk to them day in and day out. We can't talk to them just around an election. You know, we have to have two-way communications. Uh, and, and we got to talk to our members, our future members, we also have to listen to them and hear what they have to say and, and then, you know, advise and, and, and come up with policies to make sure that our organizing efforts, you know, meet our members where they're at and meet our future members where they're at and, and break through the noise of, of cable news and, and, and just give our members the facts. They, they trust us as, as their leaders. Um, all of our polling shows that, and, and that's because we just give them the facts and, and talk to them about, you know, what, uh, what, what, what is important to the union, to us as union leaders and to them as union members. Layuna has recently endorsed 
Biden-Harris for 2024 president and vice president. And it's not because they're Democrats. It's it's not, you don't look at it and go, okay, who, who's the Democrat in this race? I mean, you look at it, frankly, I think the same way that we look at it here on the Midas Touch Network. I could care less if someone has a donkey logo or someone has an elephant logo. The bottom line is who's doing things for the constituents, who's doing things for the workers, and what, as President Biden likes to say, look, don't compare me to the almighty, compare me to the alternative. So so maybe we, we do that here because politics is about choice. And so when you're speaking to your 500,000 members and you're on your way to a million members, what are what is the message that you and your brother and sister organizations are telling people when you're trying to make the case, look, let me just give you the facts. Here's what's happened already with Biden-Harris, and let me compare that to what has happened before. Here's the data. Now make your informed choice. Can you can you make that case for us right now and for everybody watching? Yeah, and that's that's exactly what I have to do. What we have to do uh, as as union leaders is to just communicate all of the great things that Joe Biden. Kamala Harris and this administration has done for us. And, and, and the first thing they did, the first thing that Joe Biden did um, for the laborers and for the labor movement was appoint Marty Walsh uh, as Secretary of Labor. Marty's a, a, a longtime member of Laborers Local 223 in Boston, uh, former mayor of Boston, and you know a working class hero. Uh, and, and as Secretary of Labor in the, in the two plus years he was Secretary of Labor, the, the policies that he, that, that he did, that he changed, that, you know, that he influenced as a pro-worker, you know, Department of Labor. And, and the last administration certainly didn't have uh, anybody in there with a, a union card in their book, let alone a, a laborer's card. So, you know, right out of the gates, the first thing he did was put one of our own, one of our own members in, you know, as Secretary of Labor. And, you know, and, and, and the American Recovery Plan was the next thing he did, right? And, and that gets overlooked, and, and we talk about it frequently with our membership. Part, one of the components of the American Recovery Plan, uh, the American Recovery Act, was a pension reform bill, um, and and the last three administrations have been talking about pension reform and shoring up the defined benefit pension plans. Uh, no fault of these plans, it's a lot of government rules and regulations that got us in the place that we were at. Um, but Joe Biden and this administration, you know, infused capital, infused a, a solution to make sure that any of those pension benefits that our members have worked their entire career for, uh, if there were any issues, that this administration shored up those. So. We had a secretary of labor. We got shoring up of, of pension plans. And, and the next thing he did was bipartisan infrastructure, $1.2 trillion in infrastructure, repair and replace, you know, roads, bridges, tunnels, broadband, um, you know, rebuilding this country. We, we historically got graded, you know, C minus, B plus, D minus in our infrastructure compared to the rest of the world, which is not a place where Americans want to be. It's certainly not a place where the laborers or, or, or I want to be. Um, and, and having a 10-year investment of $1.2 trillion, where, again, you compare this to the last several administrations, and, and the last administration talked about infrastructure week, infrastructure month, you know, this president's delivered an infrastructure decade, you know, in a bipartisan fashion that's going to create opportunities for, again, our current members and our future members for the next decade or longer. Um, and, and he wasn't done there, right? You know, we were like, okay, that's, that's great. We, we would have gotten these three things done, and, and, and that would have probably earned our endorsement you know, any one of those things alone, um, and he doubled down with the Inflation Reduction Act. You know, as our economy goes to, you know, clean 
uh, clean economy using renewables with solar, with wind, hydrogen hubs, uh, and, and things of that nature, this bill makes sure that those are going to be not just good jobs, they're going to be good union jobs. And, and we've heard the president say that time and time again. He's not afraid to say the word union because he knows what that means. He knows that unions deliver, you know, we are the middle class. And, and, and he is, you know, betting on uh, the middle class to rebuild our infrastructure. And then as we transition, um, you know, into uh, renewables to make sure that those jobs are not just good jobs, that those are union jobs and that they're paid prevailing wages and that we use registered apprentices to do that. And then the last thing he did, you know, was the, the chips and science bill. Again, this is, you know, bringing back manufacturing to, to this country. We saw, you know, what the impact through COVID and, and with the global shutdown and these chips plants, uh, you know, that are majority of them in, in, in South Asia, uh, when they shut down, we weren't able to get goods and products. And, and to, you know, have this bill infuse cash back in the United States to have manufacturing so that, number one, these, these plants are going to be built with union labor, paying prevailing wages, using apprenticeship, using, you know, local hire community, you know, people in the community to build the plant. Um, to create good union jobs, permanent jobs, and bringing manufacturing back here so that, you know, God forbid we ever get in a situation like we were for the last two or three years, we actually have domestic capability made in the USA products, made by union labor, made by Americans. So um, you, you put all of those together, and it was a no-brainer for us to, you know, to endorse Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. You know, he's, he's had our backs, um, and, and we just have to communicate that to our members and make sure that they understand the things that he's done for them. And many of them are working on projects today as a direct result of, you know, his fingerprints, this administration's fingerprints on legislation and making sure that those jobs are, are not just jobs, but they're union jobs. You know what gives me so much hope, but also makes me so disappointed, all of those things that you just mentioned took place in two years where you had an executive branch and Congress actually working and trying to work for the American people. Imagine what would have been accomplished right now if we had Congress focused on actually delivering things for workers, for teachers, people, no matter what your job and profession is, instead of focusing on, again, you know, is this too woke? Is Twitter too woke? Which is the most woke? Is Disney woke? Is this woke? I mean, you know, I think the people... there welcome back it's been a little while been busy busy bee anyway let's see what's going on with my distension oh diaper don going to fucking jail finally no nope. uh, live trump repulses america on labor day stream three hours ago by the way i spent my labor day preparing for the return safe and joyful return of my pets or in the Pima County pig pen. But uh, I feel hopeful that, um, yeah, now we got a, uh, we've got a champion. We've got a champion and uh, yeah, let's see what's going on right as such. Ah! Don't do that, just uh, you'll make me sleepy. Well, I need you by my side from the very start. 
Sounds like this like drunk old man. I don't like this ads. Hey Democrats. Very fucking lame ass ads. On this Labor Day 2023, Donald Trump spent the day telling workers, quote, you are going to hell and to oh. not pay their union dues. That's a direct <laughs> quote. Joe <laughs> Biden was in Philadelphia talking about jobs, jobs, jobs. More jobs, better paying jobs, jobs with better working conditions, union jobs, and the boom in American manufacturing made possible by the American worker through the benefits of the Infrastructure Act, the Inflation Reduction Act, the CHIPS Act, and more policies implemented by the Biden administration. At the same time, Donald Trump was telling union workers that they are, quote, going to hell, end quote. Donald Trump's <laughs> deposition transcript in the New York Attorney General civil fraud case was released, and it was totally unhinged, and frankly, not only devastating for the New York Attorney General's civil case against him and the Trump Organization, but let's not forget that the Manhattan District Attorney is still criminally investigating Donald Trump, and there were some seriously incriminating statements made. So, as Donald Trump is basically saying, screw you to the American worker, what he's saying in this deposition is that I just value my properties with common sense, and the Saudis will just buy it for me at ridiculous prices at whatever I tell them. It's basically exactly what he said in the deposition we both discussed. Marjorie Taylor Greene and Kevin McCarthy, meanwhile, have come under fire from other MAGA Republicans today for get this, not delivering on their promise to make public all January 6th Capitol building surveillance footage to try to support their baseless conspiracy that the feds were the ones who started the insurrection. Marjorie Taylor Greene responded on Labor Day that the reason that she no longer wants to release the footage, she says, is to protect the, quote, January Sixers from further persecution. That's a quote from Marjorie Taylor Greene, and that's what Republicans are doing on Labor Day. President Biden, meanwhile, continues to talk about how, thanks to the Inflation Reduction Act, Medicare is now able to negotiate prices of prescription drugs to make life-saving drugs more accessible and affordable to people who need them the most. President Biden has also directed the DNC to invest in Democratic candidates down the full ballot in Virginia, recognizing that independents and traditional Republicans who hear the type of intro I just gave talking about the MAGA Republicans and are frankly puking right now. Meanwhile, Donald Trump and his MAGA Republicans are calling the federal judge in the Washington, D.C. case presiding over the matter where Trump is a criminal defendant. They're calling her a Marxist. And Ron DeSantis just vetoed a federal energy saving rebate program being offered by President Joe Biden because it's too woke, folks. Too, too woke. Too woke. 
What a freaking joke. I'm Ben Micellis, joined by Brett and Jordy Micellis. MAGA Mad Libs, where does it go next? It is a complete fascist circus, folks. That's what it is. So I see not much has calmed down uh, since I was away. <laughs> Listen to this intro, which just seems to have gotten crazier and crazier and crazier. But I got to say, it is really, really great to be back with the Midas Mighty. I really missed everybody here uh, while I was away on vacation. And I want to give a huge thank you to the brothers. Thank you for holding it down while I was away. I am so grateful. I want to give a huge thank you to Salty. A huge thank you to the entire Midas Touch team for making things run so smoothly while I was away. I was checking in on all the amazing content that you guys were delivering on a daily basis, and it was absolutely excellent. At the same time, it was nice to get a little mental vacation as well from all the chaos and all the news. And I got to say, being away gives you a, a, a different perspective, I think, as well, or, or really elevates just the craziness uh, that you're seeing in this country. And folks, I just want to say, it's not normal. None of this is normal. This evil force of the Republican Party out there it is not a normal thing. Like, going about my day, not really being super connected to everything in the U.S. while I was abroad. I was in Japan for, for 10 days. And being there, occasionally checking my phone, going on Twitter, and seeing Donald Trump's face screaming at me when I logged on, saying, your workers are going to hell! Union workers, you're going to hell! I'm like, it's so bizarre that we have, like, a cartoon supervillain who was just releasing, there was the one day he released like 138 videos. <laughs> he released like, like dozens and dozens and dozens of videos, just screaming at you as if he's like Dr. Evil or something. And no offense to Dr. Evil for that comparison. I, I don't want to harm the reputation of Dr. Evil. Yeah, don't, don't do that to Dr. Evil. But, but, but just like a deranged madman and seeing all these people from abroad, it really gives you perspective. And, and just shows you how crazy they are. But anyway, I, we, we can talk about my trip a bit more on the Midas After Show on Patreon. But for now, I'll toss it to Jordy. Right. Jordy, it's good to be back with you. How you doing? I see what you did there. You called it the Midas After Show. And so I know you've Midas been away more. for a while, but it's actually called Midas More. And I'm just going to keep correcting you guys until we get it right. Brett, it is so good to have you back, big bro. Man, you buried the lead in the intro. Brett is back. Brett is back. I just see the comment section going Jordy's crazy. So We're all annoying. excited for Brett being here. Uh, show, man, we, we, we held it down thing. without y'all. I think we did a good job. We had some fantastic hosts, be Michael Cohen, Karen Freeman Nippolo, Michael Opak filling in for you. But come on, come on. The show is no show without Brett. Brett that is back, and Brett on the after show at patreon.com slash Midas Touch. We've already talked about the origin story of Karen Friedman, Agnifilo, and Michael Popoff on the Patreon site. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Midas Touch. Make sure you spell Midas Touch correctly. M-E-I-D-A-S-T-O-U-C-H. We don't have outside investors here at the Midas Touch Network, so the way we build this network is through... I think truly fun and unique ways to engage with the community, like all of the emojis you see right here on our YouTube. In addition to that, we have a Patreon, which is separate and different, but we do our after show on the Patreon. So if you want to see our after show, go to patreon.com slash Midas Touch and make sure 
you subscribe and Brett, we will talk about your trip to Japan, what uh, perspective you got out there, and as we approach now with, sadly to say this, summer coming to its end, and we approach a busy season, Congress will be returning from recess, and you know, like an annoying alarm clock, you have Marjorie Taylor Greene out there, as if on cue, posting all of these completely insane things. Donald Trump is doing the same. That is how MAGA Republicans return to Congress, but we will be ready to expose all of their gaslighting, all of their lies, as we have done before. We'll, we are well-rested and ready to go. So on Labor Day, Brett, you know, I, I didn't make that up in the intro that Donald Trump literally said to workers, like, you're going to hell. That was a direct quote um, from Donald <laughs> Trump. And first, let's just show a comparison. Like, this is what Donald Trump was doing, and then I'll show you what President Biden was doing today. So here is Donald Trump. Play this clip. You're going to hell. And your bosses are leading you right down the tubes. You shouldn't pay your fees. They get these big fees from all of their workers. And it doesn't matter how bad they are, they'll endorse a Democrat, even though the Democrat's selling you down the tubes. You shouldn't pay those dues. You should not pay your dues because they're selling you to hell. You're going to be going to hell. You're not going to have any jobs. All those cars are going to be made in China. Every one of them. You can forget it, Michigan. You can forget it. South Carolina, you can forget it, everybody. All of those cars are going to be made in China. So everything he says is completely and absolutely wrong. So like, whenever I want to know what's actually going to happen, MAGA Republicans are the greatest counter indicator. So like when I, when they were saying things were going really bad in Ukraine, I was like, okay, Ukraine must be making some really significant advances. Like, the more MAGA Republicans say that things are getting worse, that just tells me, all right, things must be actually doing really good. And sure enough, like, even, like, in Ukraine, they broke through, like, the first line of Russian defenses, and things are now moving at a much more significant pace. But again, everything that, this is the same person, inject bleach into your arm, you're going to Damn the Justice Department <laughs> for refusing to do their job and locking up this menace to society. If anybody was ever a menace to society, it's Donald Jackass Diaper Donald Trump. Donald Jackass Diaper Donald Trump. Hell's been on his mind lately, though. Like, have you noticed that? There's just been a string of at least two truth social posts that I could think of off the top of my head, and now this video where Donald Trump keep, keeps referencing people going to hell. I wonder if uh, a psychologist can tell me what they think the meaning of that is, that hell seems to be on Donald Trump's mind. You know, when, when he gives that business advice, though, 
like there's no one worse at business than him his his entire life right you know this is someone who's inherited all of the money that he had from his dad bankrupted everything that he touched came up with phony and fraudulent valuations on assets to basically rob from peter to pay paul and then when he ran out of money just basically declare bankruptcy he deals with this ridiculous grift in order to pay his legal fees he's not the person who should be speaking about what workers should be doing at all the one thing that he did do with his tax plan was to absolutely screw workers over screw unions over at each and every turn everything he did was how could you harm workers and I think when you watch a clip like that, and as we talk about what's going on uh, during Labor Day, there truly is this seamless corollary to Trump's deposition transcript that was released. Because as he's there talking about, it's just common sense. So, so do you come up with an appraisal? Why would I need to come up with an appraisal for? That would take too much time. So, so, so what do you base it on? Just common sense. The Saudis will buy it. Well, what, what do you think that Mar-a-Lago's valuation? You know, $1.25 billion. Okay, well, what about the NFTs? Each one of those NFTs is worth $85,000. Okay, what, what, what about Turnberry? Well, what, what would the Saudis pay me for that? The Saudis would pay me billions for that. I mean, right at the same time that the Saudis gave Jared Kushner uh, $2 billion to invest into, I mean, like, it's all staring us right in the face right there, right? He puts Jared Kushner as the head of Middle East policy. Unlike Hunter Biden, who didn't work for the government, Jared Kushner did work for the government. Jared Kushner couldn't get a security clearance. Jared Kushner was responsible for Middle East policy and then gets $2 billion from the Saudis. Then the Saudis play golf at the Trump golf course, and Trump says that people don't know what happened on 9-11. The guy's spreading 9-11 conspiracies. And then he has the audacity on Labor Day to say to workers, you're going to hell. I mean, we get that, right? Like, like that's in, like we get how insane. Not, not a coincidence. Not, not a coincidence, I'm going to say. And I'll even add to that. I think that you have to even take it a step further and look into why has Saudi Arabia invested so much money into social media apps such as Twitter? Why are they like the largest mm -hmm. shareholder of something like Twitter under oh, Elon shit. Musk wow. and continue to be a bigger influence that. of that app? And I think it involves all of this as well. I think their motives are not profit, as we could see by the declining valuations of Twitter as a lot of people leave the platform as the platform continuously breaks. Sorry, X. X is what it's called now, I guess. Nobody calls it that, though. But <laughs> as you can see, why would Saudi Arabia put so much money into this app that is bound to lose money? Because it's not about profit. It's not about making money. This was a tool that was used during the Arab Spring. This was a tool that was used in order to overthrow uh, oppressive uh, governmental structures in the Middle East. Saudi Arabia use this as an important tool to spread their disinformation and to go after dissidents. And we're seeing the first instances of them actually going after people who dared to retweet things negative of the Saudi uh, around 
Brown prints. And that is really their motivations behind this. They get to use this app now for these nefarious purposes and the disinformation spreading, it all plays right into it. And you're constantly seeing this messaging set up through there that is the opposite of reality to Ben's totally. point. Whatever is happening is the opposite of reality. What we saw, just a small example, what we saw just over the weekend, we saw those Nazis in, in Florida. You know, these are MAGA, Nazis, swastikas out there in full force. Literal Nazis. Literal Nazis. I'm not just calling random. These were literal Nazis out there. In front of Disney. In front of Disney, near, I think, one of the Holocaust museums that is out there in Florida. And so what was trending today on Twitter? Biden's Nazis. Or Nazis for Biden. That's how this disinformation machine works. It pinpoints and it does the exact opposite of everything there is. It is designed to gaslight. It is designed to spread disinformation. And frankly, the entire Republican Party right now is not even a political party. It is one big, giant disinformation machine that is designed to poison the informational landscape and to poison the way we all think. And that is one of the things that we are fighting against here. It's that disinformation. It's just the obvious constant <laughs> lies that they are using to manipulate their base and manipulate Americans for their own power. You think about it. I mean, look, you have Laura Loomer and Marjorie Taylor. I think Americans... woman candidate woman candidate like me Just press transfer prison. Drama, I one hundred percent guarantee. Everybody will have a good time. <laughs> it will be the beginning of a thousand years of peace. Different <clears throat> branches. I said both candidates are demented. <laughs> I think Americans should vote for a more moderate, energetic, younger.
far younger. Far younger and better looking. <clears throat> okay, it says, both candidates are demented. I think Americans should vote for a more moderate, energetic woman, far younger and better looking candidate like me. Trista for president for prison. If y'all like me, I 100% guarantee everybody have a good time. Everybody will prosper. It will be the beginning of a thousand years of peace. Plus, uh, we've put, uh, he will stay, um, I promise that Trump will stay there at the prison rather than just passing through. Fucking arrest. If no Congress members have been held accountable for their role in January 6th. No one even talks about that. They must be disqualified, all of them. Can we make a blanket? That both candidates are demented. I think Americans should vote for a more moderate, energetic woman, far younger and better looking candidate like me. Moderate, but moderately progressive. Moderate, but progressive. That sounds good. Moderate, but progressive.
energetic. Yet tough on crime. You want to fucking them? I'm stealing on. Um... Oh, you guys are still there, huh? Hold on. And then it'd be hashtag dream. Oh, shit. disaster capitalism because here we have a handful of incredibly privileged large landed interests using this terrible tragedy to displace and to push through laws that they were unable to secure um, you've raised the issue of the governor wasting no time in oh, issuing justice. emergency proclamations as the wildfires continue to burn can you talk about why this is significant so to provide some context how about you we have a public trust doctrine which means that our water resources are managed for present and future generations and cannot be owned by any individual which of course was predictably opposed by industry interests and development interests but they were unsuccessful and in june 2022 additional permit protections were put into place and many folks native hawaiians who have superior rights but who rights whose rights have been ignored were able to come forward and begin a permitting process Unfortunately, those existing water use permit applications were due on Monday, August 7th, and the fire ravaged Lahaina on Tuesday, August 8th. And then on Wednesday, August 9th, the governor's office issued these emergency proclamations which suspended the water code. What they were unable to accomplish legally, they were able to accomplish with the support of the governor and the emergency proclamations. We can't just throw out all of the all of the laws and other things that help to protect our resources um, when disaster strikes.
SK eighty three. Ticket picture program from six figures to seven figures is not about ass. We take our next steps into the world. You must go forth into the world. It is with passion, passion, courage of conviction, courage in your convictions, and most importantly, most importantly, have faith in yourself. Be true to yourself. We did it. I did it. We take our next steps into the world. You must go forth into the world. It is with passion, passion, courage of conviction, courage in your convictions, and most She's Mitch McConnell, and we're so concerned with what's happening in Maui, we thought we'd ask you to do something about it. You being other billionaires? No, no, just regular normal people. Right, okay, but you're giving 10 million. 
Well, we've, we've committed to giving $10 million. What does that mean? Well, we haven't actually given it yet, but um, we're, we're committed to giving it. Why are you? Sorry, what was that? We're committed to giving the $10 million to your donations. What, do you, what did you say at the end there? We'd like you to donate, and that's how we'll get to the $10 million. I thought that you already pledged the $10 million. Well, we sort of committed that on behalf of you. We haven't given $10 million, and we've just set a goal of raising it. Oh, we're so well, So you've committed other singers, and we're so concerned with what's happening in Maui. We... I don't want nobody fucking with me in these streets. Uh -uh.
Good start. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wings, and it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wings, and it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wings, and it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wings, and it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I 
Christian world yet. I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wings, and it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wings, and it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wings, and it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wings, and it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wings, and it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. 
It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think mm -hmm. dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cropped necklace. Looks like they got it from a wing. And it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cropped necklace. Looks like they got it from a wings, and it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cropped necklace. Looks like they got it from a wings, and it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cropped necklace. Looks like they got it from a wings, and it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. 
It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. And this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wings, and it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. And this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wings, and it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. And this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wings, and it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. And this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wings, and it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. And this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking 
biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wings, and it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wings. And it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wings. And it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber. This is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wings. And it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wings. And it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. 
When God created the tree, He created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a hostel t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wings, and it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wings, and it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wings, and it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wings, and it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. 
What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wings. And it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wings. And it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wings. And it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wings. And it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? 
makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wing. And it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wing. And it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wing. And it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wings. And it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it.
from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a Wings, and it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wings. And it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wings. And it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wings. And it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wings. And it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them 
So could God have created the Earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wing. And it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wing. And it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wings, and it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wings, and it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think 
universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old. It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wing. And it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wing. And it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wing. And it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wing. And it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's not. Hear me out. No. When God created the trees, he created them fully grown. So could God have created the earth 6,000 years ago, but with built-in age? Makes you think, doesn't it?
It doesn't. It really doesn't. Like, not even a little bit does it make me think. I don't even think about thinking. I feel dumber for a while. I, this is what I think dumb people think being smart sounds like. And that's not it. Why hasn't fashion caught up with the Christian world yet? I don't get it. Because I'm not taking biblical knowledge advice from a guy in a Hollister t-shirt and a, and a rope cross necklace. Looks like they got it from a wings, and it came with a hermit crab. What if the universe is 6,000 years old, but it's also billions of years old? It's not. It's Oops, I made a mistake, and I uh, tried to do a, a clip on YouTube without stopping the podcast. So when I do that, it kind of pollutes the recording. And so, uh, anyway, Kuiper Doddle threw Eric under the bus, eh, and, um, we just saw, I just saw Trump's devastating deposition in New York billion dollar cases finally released, this is six hours ago, <clears throat> considered catastrophic for Trump, eh, he said 1.25 billion dollars, that's what Marlotta's worth. He just uses common sense. Ha! You don't have no common sense. Fucking kidding me. Okay, well, I think we'll try to go through your role over time. Okay, because it has changed. Yes, it has. So why is Donald Trump focused on the five or six years? Because he's trying to make an argument that anything he did is barred by the statute of limitations. That's one of the reasons his lawyers are citing this deposition transcript. He said, look, Trump wasn't even involved in this. It was Eric who was involved in it. You see it right there as well in uh. the transcript going to the next kind of key portion. So then the question uh, asked to Donald Trump is, okay, so are you saying that you were too busy for the company? Answer by Trump. In a way, yeah, yeah. I think you can say it. It's another way. Another way of saying it. I was very busy. I was I was considered this the most important job in the world, saving millions of lives. He's talking about when he disgraced uh, the White House. I think you would have nuclear holocaust if I didn't deal with North Korea. I think you would have had a nuclear war if I weren't elected. And I think you might have a nuclear war now if you want to know the truth. Question. I'm not going to use my seven hours with you, Mr. Trump, talking about nuclear war, okay? Okay. Um, then it goes on, to, this is where Donald Trump on his own starts talking about the valuations that he's making for the different properties, and here he's talking about 40 Wall Street, and he goes, well, you know, if the city ever comes back, a lot of things change. If the city comes back, you can convert that entire tower of 40 Wall Street into condos and make an absolute fortune, far greater than the five or six hundred million probably that the building is worth now, probably more than that, but you'd make a fortune on the condos, I could say, with Seven Springs. When I bought Mar-a-Lago, I paid $8 million for it. And today, I think we're going to be bringing in people that will tell you that today Mar-a-Lago is worth a billion two fifty. $1.25 billion, maybe more than that, but I bought it for $8 million in 1985, so Donald Trump is now claiming that Mar-a-Lago is worth $1.25 billion, um, and then he goes on to talk about uh, the, the, the Doral property, 
Doral, I think Doral is, I guess it's close to seven acres right around there in the middle of Miami, right near the airport. I could get zoning if I want to. I could get zoning of units. It's four golf courses and a very large, I think 800 rooms, magnificent clubhouse, all brand new. I built it. You know, I ripped it down and rebuilt it. Built it mostly brand new. New clubhouse, new buildings, blew up the golf course, rebuilt it. And I believe that Doral, not as golf, but what you could build on it because it's the best location. It's also zoned for gambling. Inside the perimeter, you know what they did is they have, they created a perimeter for gambling if that gets approved in Florida and if gambling ever got approved in Florida. So one of the things I think to dig deeper into Donald Trump's communications with Ron DeSantis over a gambling license and whether there was quid pro quos promised by DeSantis to Donald Trump there. Um, Donald Trump goes on to say um, he claims to have $400 million in cash in the bank. He goes, I don't need money. You probably see the cash. We have a lot of cash. I believe we have substantially in excess of $400 million in cash, which is a lot for a developer. Developers usually don't have cash. They have assets, not cash. We have, I believe, 400 plus and going up very substantially every month. So he's saying he has $400 million of cash in the bank yet. He's relying on his political action committee to pay for the 45 or $50 million in legal fees. He's not, he has all this cash. He's not using his own cash for that. So now he talks about the NFT deal. Uh, and here is what he says about the amount, uh, the amount here. He goes, and it makes me happy that I think they're averaging about $1,300 a card referring to the NFTs. And they bought it a few months ago for $99. Bullshit, but some of the cards less. are selling for $20,000. And a couple of them, I believe, I'll check this, I'll get you the exact number. Huh. A couple of them are selling for $82,000. $82,100. I heard numbers like that. So somebody Check hit the jackpot. Bluff, see if he has $400 million in cash. One of his NFT trading cards is $82,000. I don't think that is true. Trump goes on to say, um, he goes, he's talking about the convention center, he talks about how upset he is at paying taxes, um, and then here he talks about, we can't, question, I don't feel like we need to spend a lot of time on your brand value because it's not part of your statements of financial conditions. The banks didn't want that, and Donald Trump responds, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, it is part of my statement, I just didn't include it, but if I wanted to include it, my statements would have been double, and when you say the banks don't, I believe the banks would have accepted, I mean, what bank are you talking about, the two banks that I've never even had a default from, what are you talking about, you're dealing with two banks, you're dealing with Deutsche Bank, and you're dealing with Latter, and you know I paid them. So I think Donald Trump is saying that because he didn't default on loans, that he should be, what, applauded for not defaulting on loans. Uh, another question is asked, okay, do you see below, this is referring to the post office building in Washington, D.C., that talks about $139 million is held in the title company, and then they ask, Donald Trump, can I ask you, do you know about this amount, $126 million? 
if that represents your profit on the transaction? And Trump's response is, I don't know. And that's, again, another instance where he blames family members or points the finger, you know, ask Eric, ask all of these other people um, uh, instead of himself. Um, going to the next, he talks about the uh, disclaimer provision. He goes, everybody, I mean, I've heard the expression for years. Accounting firms call this a worthless clause. Some people call it a disclaimer. Some people call it a worthless clause. Question, so it's your position Then Donald Trump interrupts. Answer, many lawyers have come to me and said, you have the greatest worthless clause I've ever seen. How could they be using the statement against you? I say, because of politics, that's why. I have a clause in there that says, don't believe the statement. Go out and do your own work. The statement is worthless. It means nothing. So Donald Trump is saying that he believes he has a disclaimer in his statement of financial conditions that tell people that his statement of financial conditions are worthless and don't rely on what he is giving to you and, and that they're totally false to begin with, that it's absolutely worthless. That's what he said there. Um, then he claims, he goes, I don't, he goes, I don't need banks for the most part. And then the question is, why don't you need banks? I didn't need banks for the most part. Yeah, so why did you use the banks then, Mr. Trump? Because you do it. It's better for tax-wise. You just do it. I didn't use a bank when I bought Turnberry. I bought it for all cash. I didn't use a bank when I, I don't believe, I believe I put up a lot of money when I bought Doral. One of the reasons Doral was attractive to banks, I could have gotten any bank, you know. Then he continues to talk yeah, uh... about um, some of the other properties. Um, and then this is what. No bank in America will get that lender money. He talks about um, uh, how he comes up with his valuations um, and how he claims it's just like common sense. Um, let's take a look at this. Okay, I think we can get back to the loans in a little bit. I'm just saying all I'm doing is talking about values. Question, I understand. So let's go back to talk about values. Answer. By the way, I, when I put check him call his bluff. See if he has $400 million in cash in the bank and tag just James. And I noticed it said uh, wouldn't let me. Well, I posted it once and then I went in to put just James. Uh, tag her in it and uh, then it wouldn't add. It wouldn't uh, post which is odd to me that's they're deleting my comment probably sheriffs probably no d and or dhs are you have that ad set referring to miami Doral? i believe it's numerous billions of dollars in the heart of miami and again it's very 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 valuable for what i have it like a massive number of units 
depending on what deal you're making for zoning. And you can make a deal because they want tax revenue. And Florida is, you know, to use a different word, progressive. But they're very progressive in a different way, in a different sense than what we think of progressive today. So they're, he's claiming Doral is worth billions of dollars. Um, and then the question is, so I'm just trying to understand what that process looked like from your view. How would you go about determining the values of the assets that are listed in the statement answer? For the most part, my people did this. They would give me a statement. I would certainly look at it, but I had not a lot to do with it. I just um, didn't consider it important because of the worthless clause. I just didn't consider it an important statement. What's the worthless clause? It would be very clause? hard to do a statement where every time you did a statement, you go out and hire appraisers and did this and that. You know what I mean? It would take you forever to do a statement. So you use common sense. You use some other things. You know, people come up with numbers. Sometimes they're right. Sometimes they're wrong. In this case, they were low because, I mean, in many of the, in many certainly in a lot of them, they were low because time has told you that if you held on to these properties, they were worth much more than the numbers they put down. So there, Trump is saying he didn't rely on any appraisals um or he didn't care so much about praises because he had the worthless clause and that he just thought to apply common sense obviously that's why you know, attorney general letitia james says that's actually not got the no common sense douche. why i think they were happy just to allow donald trump to keep talking to traitor trump. douche so, well, there you have some of the key highlights there you see trump interrupting you see the kind of the key moments and there's a lot of that just repeated throughout the last five you know the whole thing's about close to 500 pages so key moments right there wanted to give you the abbreviated version in you know under 20 minutes um make sure you check out MidasTouch.com for all the breaking news. Wherever you get audio podcasts, subscribe to them. Some ideas for Tish James. Girl, bless her heart, and really thanks you for your service. Just a fair price. Camelot. Camelot. <laughs> I'm proofing, getting thousands of death threats because of this pernicious traitor. And terrorist and thief.
Camelot! It's kinda cool now with my raspy voice. Raspy, I like it raspy, man. Mustn't be easy. Eighty thousands. I'm in you. You're in me.
Wasting away again in Margaritaville. Da -na -na. Wasting away again in Margaritaville. Searching for my lost shaker song. Some people claim there's a It's my own dad's fault. Wasting away again in Margarita Searching for my lost shaker song. Some people claim there's a Wasting away again in Margaritaville Searching for my lost shaker song Some people claim that there's a wall on the blame But I know Nobody's fault. <laughs> Wasting away again in Margarita Searching for my love, sugar song. Some people claim that there's a Wasting away again in Margaritaville. Turn there, there. Oops. This time I help you today. Right, right. And whatever happened to the rest of that uh, interview with uh, not Chris Mays, but uh, um, Adrian Fontes. Fontaine Lawless operation gets revealed in court one hour ago. Can't not court, bitch. Uh, come on out. Come on out with your hands up. Stupid diaper Donald. Gonna lose your freedom today, bitch. Justice Department's a bunch of pussy-ass bitches, but I ain't. Fucking rope your ass like a little dogie. Come on, Chucky. Sweet. Sweet. I'm gonna hog tie you. Sorry, not sorry, bitch. Like Going to jail. Mark Meadows doesn't fundamentally understand what his role was as chief of staff, and that's the reason ah. that democracy was almost toppled. How do I know that? Because look at the position that Mark Meadows is taking in federal court, in which he testified, waived his Fifth Amendment privilege in order to argue his fundamental misunderstanding and misapprehension of what the chief of staff's role is in the White House. He thought, apparently, that it was some sort of um, bootlicker, some sort of coffee getter, some sort of paper pusher, and that he would just schedule the meetings. And if Donald Trump wanted to have a phone call to, to advocate the overthrow of democracy, 
What's a chief of staff is supposed to do? You arrange that phone call. It's one of your jobs. You go to buildings, I'm paraphrasing this one. You go to buildings, you go to meetings, you go to ribbon cuttings, you get coffee, you arrange phone calls. That's just normal. That's a, that is a fundamental misunderstanding of what the role of that position is. And this is why we got into so much trouble, because we didn't have an adult in the room, in the White House, in the Oval Office, to keep Donald Trump as far away from his deepest, darkest, insurrectionist urgings as possible. There's a very good article in the New York Times that I want to credit, um, written by Chris Whipple in the op-ed piece of the New York Times about a book Chris that he's Whipple. just come out with called Gatekeepers. And it talks about the fundamental role that White House chiefs of staff are supposed to play to be the gatekeepers. I mean, they're known with dark humor, with gallows humor, as javelin catchers. They're supposed to catch the javelin. They're supposed to be the firewall between what a president's wrong-headed, misbegotten ideas are even if it reaches the level, and especially if it reaches the level of insurrection and sedition, and make him not do that, and threaten to resign, and bring other forces to bear to stop that president from becoming rogue and getting out of control. It's the exact opposite of how Mark Meadows approached his job. Mark Meadows, who, who considered himself or fancied himself some charming gladhander, just did whatever bidding Donald Trump told him to do. Donald Trump told Mark Meadows to jump, and Mark Meadows said, how high, Mr. President? And that's the problem, because phone calls that Donald Trump wanted to, arrange, wanted to arrange with state house officials, elected officials, election officials, the, the Secretary of State of Georgia, the Speaker of the House of Arizona, and 75 or 100 other phone calls that Donald Trump made, along with his other people, to advocate for the overthrow of America should never have been placed if we had a chief of staff in Mark Meadows who understood his historical role and what he was supposed to do as, to paraphrase or to quote the book from Mr. Whipple, be a gatekeeper. And um, in the history, because every president after Washington had a chief of staff, it's not a it's not a, um, a cabinet position that needs to be confirmed by the Senate, but it is a very important role. It's considered often to be the second most powerful uh, position in the world because of its role. Not that Mark Meadows, uh, chief of staff number four, ever saw it that way. Up until now, up until Mark Meadows, the worst chief of staff that's ever been in American history, has always, has always been considered to be H.R. Haldeman, the chief of staff for one Richard Nixon. When I tell you what he was involved in and compare him to Mark Meadows, you'll know why Mark Meadows now has the new crown. As the worst chief of staff ever, and one who at, who at his feet we can lay the siege of America, the almost toppling and insurrection that almost led to the theft of our democracy before our very eyes. H.R. Um, Haldeman was involved with a conspiracy led by Richard Nixon, implemented by Richard Nixon, to break into the to the opponent's party's political office, the Democratic National Committee, and bug it, put a listening device in it, and steal some documents from it. Doesn't that seem quaint, what they were trying to do? Isn't that cute, what they were trying to do in 1972? I'll tell you what they weren't trying to do. They weren't trying to cling to power and stop the peaceful transfer. They weren't stealing votes at that time. They weren't trying to throw it over to the state houses to try to steal an election 
from Joe Biden. I mean, yeah, it was bad. And that's why H.R. Haldeman went to jail for obstruction, right, and other things. But Mark, the, the level of involvement by Mark Meadows is unparalleled. And the fact that he was stupid enough to take the stand, wave his fist of privilege, <laughs> and try to tell Judge Jones why he had no involvement at all, and gave testimony that was perjurious, completely a lie, and against the weight of all evidence that we know, evidence that's contained in the Jan 6 report. You can get it at your local bookstore, Mark, and, your, and Mark's lawyer. You don't even have to download it from the Internet. And if you go in there, you will see, and I've highlighted it, and I'll read from it a little bit later, the exact email that shows that you were involved and coordinated the fake elector scheme and scandal um, and you circulated the memo of Ken Chesbro, the lawyer Jeez, who promoted the scheme to try to pressure Mike Pence to cling to power. Cheesy, and you, bro. And so you shouldn't be surprised that Phony Willis made the argument that you were involved with the coordination of fake electors because it's in the report by Jan 6, Grr. even the email that Phony Willis used herself to cross-examine you the other day. Your pet's a member of the family. Oh, My Lily man. certainly is. Don't feed them like they're in the doghouse. Give them no like milk. Gnome Gnome delivers fresh dough. Legal AF for 50%. Yeah. Well, what was he supposed to do? The boss told him to arrange a phone call. Brad Raffensperger, and he arranged the phone call, and he got on it. You're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to say the legal AF for 50% off. Try gnome.com slash legal AF. Well, let's go back to the gatekeeping function. The function of a, of a chief of staff to be a javelin catcher and a gatekeeper, and he's supposed to reel in a president's worst instincts and not empower them. Don't let him go over the cliff and take America and democracy with him. But Mark Meadows went, you know, totally abdicated his role and its constitutional oath to protect America. Instead, he thought he was there just to keep the boots shine for Donald Trump and do whatever he told him to do. Every major event that's in the Gen 6 Committee report somehow ties its way back to Mark Meadows. The crazies that sieged the West Wing and met with Donald Trump on December the 18th to encourage him to suspend the Constitution and declare martial law, who let them in? The gatekeeper, Mark Meadows, Michael Flynn, Sidney Powell, uh, the Overstock.com guy, Pat Byrne, all of them lobbying Mike Lindell. How do they get into the White House? Because Mark Meadows let them in. If Mark Meadows didn't want them there, he would say no and shut the door. And then he would tell Mr. you know, his, his boss, Mr. Trump at the time, Mr. Trump, Mr. President, I can't allow these people in. And if you're going to continue to do it, here is my resignation letter. But Mark Meadows never did that. He said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right away, sir. Every time. When Donald Trump said to him, and this is how they spun it in the papers they filed in Georgia, his lawyers, Mark Meadows' lawyers said, well, what was he supposed to do? The boss told him to arrange a phone call, Brad Raffensperger, and he arranged the phone call, and he got on it. You're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to say to the president, what's your, what's your plan here, Mr. President? And, and the president would say, I'm going to call Brad Raffensperger and his general counsel, and I'm going to threaten them and extort them and tell them to throw out 11,780 votes and make me the president. And that's where that's that moment of courage, right? Profile and courage when... Mark Meadows is supposed to say, you cannot do that. You're, you cannot do that, sir. And let me bring in some other cabinet members to make you understand you can't do that. If you don't do it, 
If you do it, you're doing it on your own. You make your own phone call, and here's my letter of resignation. That's what you have to do when you have courage, and you're trying to keep the guardrails of democracy up, not flattened on the side with Donald Trump running amok. So it's the opposite. It's that you're not supposed to be on that phone call, because that phone call is never supposed to happen to Brad Raffensperger and those threats and extortion, because you, as the chief of staff, are the last Somebody, line of defense for America. You don't understand your job or your job description. And it's painful to watch you try to describe it and wiggle away from your responsibility in a court of law and watching you testify. At Fry's, you can save big today with sales and promotions on your favorite items. Mark Meadows has other things that he was involved with. When he or the campaign for Donald Trump or Donald Trump himself thought it'd be a great idea for Mark Meadows to fly to Coffee County, Georgia, or drive there, however he got there, to try to sneak his way in uh, during uh, an audit of the vote by the Georgia Bureau of Investigation and other Secretary of State investigators, he should have said, no, I'm not doing that. That's not a proper job for a chief of staff. Okay, that's a political hatchet job. That's a political job. That's a violation of the law regarding what I can do on duty or even off duty. That's political. I'm not going to do that. Here's my resignation letter. You know where this is going. You see the pattern. Did he submit his resignation letter? Did he refuse to go to Coffee County? No. He went willingly to Coffee County. He tried to do a sidestep and get past, do an end run around. The chief investigator, Francis Watson, for the Secretary of State of Georgia, to get in the room. You're not supposed to do that when you're, the, when you're the chief of staff. That's not your job. You don't understand your job if you think that was appropriate, right? And all the other things that you did that are listed in the Jan 6 report, we know Tony Willis and Jack Smith have in, at their disposal. All the text messages that you sent um, to state house legislators and others to encourage them to implement the fake elector scheme. Right? Let me read you some of your text messages in case you forgot. From page 263 of the Jan 6 report, chapter 2. I just want to find 11,780 votes. These are Mark Meadows' texts. And let me preface it by saying none of these texts are appropriate for a chief of staff, unless he's gone completely rogue and mad and now committing criminal crimes. Crimes. Here's a text from Mark Meadows. The state legislature can take over the electoral process. Mark Meadows' text to Georgia State Senator Marty Harbin. Agreed. Mark Meadows' text to a different senator who suggested that the Trump administration should get that out there if they were seriously considering the slate legislator's strategy. That's the fake elector strategy. I will tell him. Mark Meadows' text to a senator who suggested that Trump should start building momentum for the state legislatures. I love it. Mark Meadows' text to Representative Andy Biggs who relayed what he acknowledged as a highly controversial idea to have Republican legislatures appoint a, uh, a new set of electors. And Mark Meadows writes, I love it. <laughs> You're not supposed to say, I love it, Mark. You're supposed to say, that's inappropriate. That's criminal. I need to ensure that the guardrails of democracy under my constitutional duties are upheld and not do the political biddings and rogue instance of my boss. This is now very apparent that Mark Meadows 
was the wrong person at the wrong time and the wrong job. I'm not saying that Jan 6, the electoral interference by Donald Trump, could have been avoided if we had a person of conviction, an adult, someone who understood the historical role of the chief of staff in that position. But that's exactly what I'm saying. Mark Meadows, you were the last firewall to protect democracy. And you abdicated that responsibility and violated your oath. And you are now, you have the crown as the worst chief of staff in the history of America, replacing H.R. Haldeman. Yeah, fuck you, traitor. Been, because he went to jail and convicted of his involvement with a conspiracy. But you make him look like kindergarten. Your involvement in the Trump conspiracy to cling to power makes H.R. Haldeman look like he got convicted of jaywalking. Because in yours, you flew down to Georgia, you met with people, you sent texts, you extorted them, you encouraged them, you coordinated the fake electors, you coordinated state legislators to back Donald Trump, right? You led the effort on the uh, fraudulent vote, big lie, even when you knew, you knew that it was untrue. You knew because there were independent fraud experts that, that Trump himself hired for a couple million dollars who told you they were untrue. And you, and you stood there and you looked the American people in the eye and you said, I am your chief of staff. I will protect you from the worst instincts of the occupant of the Oval Office. And you didn't do that. You didn't do it because you were either charmed by Donald Trump or you have larceny in your own heart and you decided it was in your political best interest and future financial best interest to back the horse of Donald Trump. And so you laid down for him and you didn't perform your duties as chief of staff. And we know this, and we know that he's going to be, not only as we know he's prosecuted, but indicted, likely, whether it's in state or federal court, doesn't matter, because of the arrayed, array of evidence against him and witnesses. Cassidy Hutchinson, who was Mark Meadows' right-hand person, his assistant, is already cooperating with Fawny Willis and Jack Smith. Thank you, Cassidy. Not just testifying for them in grand juries, but cooperating with them. She's got all the receipts. She's got all the text messages and the emails. And she's going to testify against Mark Meadows and has been cooperating with Fawny Willis to prepare their case. So when you took the stand in Georgia to try to convince Judge Jones that you didn't have anything to do with anything politically, didn't you calculate that Cassidy Hutchinson, who formerly worked for you, was going to dump all over you and tell the truth? Didn't you think that Fawny Willis developed in her year of a grand jury or seven months of a special purpose grand jury hearing from witnesses like Pat Cipollone, who was the White House counsel for Donald Trump and had many interaction with you? Didn't you think that Phony Willis would get her hands on that? Didn't you think Phony Willis would get her hands on all the Jan 6 information, including the Jan 6 report that's in the public domain about your role and particularly about the emails that you sent circulating the fake elector scheme and trying to arrange it and coordinate it? which is where you committed perjury on the stand when you said you had no role whatsoever. Read the book, Mark, or wait for the movie. You can always wait. You can wait to see who's going to play you in the movie. Uh, uh, instead, when you get out of jail, I mean, because you'll be going to jail. Or prison, I'm not sure which. So this is the reporting we have right now. My analysis, based on the testimony, uh, the perjurious testimony of Mark Meadows on the stand this past week, that Mark Meadows fundamentally does not understand the role of 
the White House Chief of Staff and allowed Donald Trump to get away with all of his rogue behaviors to try to topple America because we had a weakling in that position who did not step up to the historical moment and be a firewall for democracy. Ah, I'm going to cover just replace the cowards them with the that occupy or have yes, occupied our most lofty positions of power on hot takes like this one. Old diaper Donald would have filled his spot with somebody who was a yes man. Exclamation point. So even if Mark Meadows had resigned, more people need to pay attention to the GOP crimes. Trump surrounds himself with yes men, so it's hardly a surprise that Meadows ended up doing everything Trump wanted him to do. Meadows thinks his ignorance of the laws is plausible defense, and he will find out otherwise. He wasn't ignorant of the law, he was driven by greed and the need for power. Meadows should be held accountable while Trump is being held accountable, not one after the other. Fundamental misunderstanding is that we are a democracy, not a fascist dictatorship. Hey there, welcome back. Let's see what's going on with my touch, man. Funny how? Time flies. La 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 la. La 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 la. La 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 you screwed everyone. Trump gets screwed by co-defendant's lawyer during hearing. <laughs> so I heard they were trying to sever, trying to have their own separate trials. Oh, thanks for the 53k. Hey, Trump, come out with your hands up, stupid fucking terrorist and big. That was a warning shot. Michael Popak, Legal AF, with more breaking news and analysis about Mark Meadows taking the stand in his own defense in federal court last week, and how by doing so, he's committed the crime of perjury that could be used against him, not just by Fonnie Willis in the Georgia criminal prosecution of Mark Meadows, but by Jack Smith as well, as a new crime using that against him to wow. once again squeeze him to roll over on Donald Trump 
and testify for democracy and justice. What am I talking about? Well, first of all, I'm starting to doubt that Mark Meadows, who used to be a, a, a member of the House of Representatives and the chief of staff, number four chief of staff for, for Donald Trump, I'm starting to doubt whether he's literate and can read because he what? and his lawyer, because they did this together, decided it was a good idea for him to waive his Fifth Amendment privilege and uh. take to the stand to try to argue that all he was doing was regular, normal chief of staff stuff within uh. his job description, and he wasn't doing anything that was improper or political in nature, and he denied, and this is where the perjury comes in, he, he denied point blank that he, Mark Meadows, was involved at all with coordinating the fake elector scheme. Let me repeat that. Because when I show you next, and I read to you next, not just what Fawny Willis wrote in her own brief, uh, where yeah. she called him out as a liar under oath, which is called in the business a perjurer, but it's inconsistent uh, with just what was in the Jan 6th Select Committee report. This is where I'm saying Mark Meadows can't read. I am going to read to you from what, in the published report that's months old, the exact email that uh, Fawny Willis used against him in cross-examining Mark Meadows and showing that he lied. So first, in order to be a perjurer, you have to take a position under oath, swear to tell the truth, and make a statement. And he did. He said unequivocally, unequivocally, I, Mark Meadows, was not involved with the organization organizing of the fake elector scheme at all. I was not involved. That's almost a direct quote from the testimony, okay? That's pretty easy to refute if it's not true. When you deny any role in the fake elector scheme coordination, you better hope to God you're right and that there's no document out there. But it's not even a guessing game. It's not even a guessing game because the email that Fawny Willis used is referred to on page 309 of the, of the Jan 6 committee report in the chapter under... Chapter 3, let me give you the title, Mark and Counsel, Fake Electors and the President of the Senate Strategy. That's a good place to look. It's right in the middle. I know there's no pictures, but you, you need to read your prior testimony or at least testimony of other people. And I will tell you now who I now believe is the number one witness cooperating with Fawny Willis against Mark Meadows among all that she's brought in, all 75-plus that she's brought in between two grand juries, is Cassidy Hutchinson. Remember Cassidy Hutchinson? Yep. The very brave young woman in her, in her mid-20s who Good was Mark one, Meadows' executive assistant job, or assistant to the, the chief of staff, right? And she, at first, had a Trump lawyer assigned to her, bought and paid for by Donald Trump, who told her not to remember things that she told him in preparation that she remembered. Why don't you not remember that? That made her uncomfortable. She searched her soul, she talked to her priests, she talked to her parents, and she got a new lawyer. And when she got a new lawyer, whose name is Jody Hunt, a well-known lawyer in Columbia, very well-respected, she changed her testimony, cooperated with the Jan 6 Committee. More importantly, she testified in November, right, last November, to, the Jan, to Fawny Willis's a special purpose grand jury and is cooperating with Fawny Willis's special purpose grand jury. It's not pulling teeth, she's cooperating. And I am sure that both her own emails and texts that she turned over to, to Fawny Willis, consistent with her testimony at the Jan 6th, and what she said particularly about Mark Meadows and his involvement with the Trump presidential campaign, right? Not, not the West Wing, not the White House, not the Oval Office, 
where the chief of staff is, but the political side of the Trump world, the Trump campaign, the Trump PAC, and that's where Mark Meadows, right in the middle, almost like a point guard, dishing out information, coordination between the Oval Office and the campaign. That is political. That means you're not operating as a federal officer under the color of your office. And that means you stay in Georgia state court with Judge McAfee and you don't get to go to federal court under a unique aspect of federal removal law. But Mark Meadows put a lot on the line by taking the stand. I mean, most legal analysts, including this one on legal labs, said there's no way he's doing that because the risk reward it, uh, the risk-reward equation is so off-kilter. The reward is you get to try a case in federal court, but you get Fawdy Willis still, you get Georgia Law still. It's still not pardonable by Trump in the future because it's state crimes, not federal crimes. Nah. Um, and yeah, you get a little, bit of a, a little bit of a faster track to the U.S. Supreme Court, but that can't be the reason you take the stand. And if you're going to take the stand, don't lie, Right. Rule number one, cardinal rule number one when I represent clients. Don't lie on the stand. Don't say something that's not true. And if I know they're going to say something that's not true, this is the alert to the lawyer. Don't put the witness on the stand because now you're guilty of a crime. It's called suborning perjury. Now, Mark. Introducing the Filter Sorb Whole House Water Conditioner, a complete home. Mark Meadows gets, is so off kilter. The reward is you get to try a case in federal court, but you get Fawdy Willis still, you get Georgia Law still. It's still not pardonable by Trump in the future because it's state crimes, not federal crimes. Um, and yeah, you get a little, bit of a, a little bit of a faster track to the U.S. Supreme Court, but that can't be the reason you take the stand. And if you're going to take the stand, don't lie, right? Rule number one, cardinal rule number one when I represent clients. Don't lie on the stand. Don't say something that's not true. And if I know they're going to say something that's not true, this is the alert to the lawyer. Don't put the witness on the stand because now you're guilty of a crime. It's called suborning perjury. Suborning. Now, Mark Meadows gets, paints himself into his own quarter, both in his uh, cross-examination, well, his, I'm sorry, his direct examination by his lawyer, where his lawyer is asking him questions. And he says categorically, I was not involved with the coordination of the fake electors uh, at all. And then in cross-examination, they bring up a document. More importantly, just read the pages from the Jan 6 report. I think everybody's now ready for my teaser. And I will now read, if you turn to page 309 in your hymnal, and this is what it says in section 3.2 by the Jan 6 committee under the header, President Trump and the campaign adopt the fake elector scheme. Remember, we're looking for something that says that Mark Meadows was involved with the coordination of the fake elector schemes because he said he didn't. He wasn't involved under oath. Here's the report. In early December, the highest levels of the Trump campaign took note of Chesbro, Ken Chesbro's fake elector plan and began to operationalize hey, it. On December 6th, White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, Mark Meadows alert, forwarded a copy of Chesbro's November 18th, 2020 memo to Trump campaign senior advisor Jason Miller, writing, this is Meadows' comment in the email, and this is the same email that Phony Willis used to show that he's a perjurer at the hearing. 
quote, let's have a discussion about this tomorrow, close quote. Miller replied to Meadows that he just engaged the reporters on the subject, to which Meadows wrote, if you are on it, then never mind the meeting. We just need to have someone coordinating the electors for states. Miller clarified that he had only been working the PR angle and that uh, they should still meet, meaning Miller and Meadows, to which Meadows answered, got it. Later that week, Miller sent Meadows a spreadsheet that the, camp, that the Trump campaign had compiled. It listed contact information for nearly all of the 79 GOP nominees to the Electoral College on the November ballot for, listen to this list of states, see if they sound familiar, Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, the seven battleground states that the fake electors were used in. And on December 8th, Meadows, continuing with the report, the Jan 6 report on page 309, on um, December 8th, Meadows received a text message from a former state legislator in Louisiana recommending that the proposed, um, quote, Trump electors from Arizona, Michigan, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Nevada, all meet next Monday at the state capitals, call themselves to order, elect officers, and cast their votes for the president. Then they certify their votes and transmit their certificate to Washington. That's an easy email about a coup to which Meadows replied. Now, you'd think at this point Meadows would reply, leave me out. I'm not participating in a coup, and here's my resignation letter. Instead, Meadows replied, we are. In other words, we are going to call all of these electors together and have them vote for the president. Cassidy Hutchinson John 6 committee report, a special assistant to the president and an assistant to the chief of staff, Mark Meadows, confirmed Meadows' significant involvement in the plan, the electoral fake elector plan. Hutchinson told the select committee that Meadows followed the progress of the fake elector efforts closely and that she, quote, remembered him frequently having calls, meetings, and outreach with individuals and this just being a prominent topic of discussion in our office, meaning his coordination with the campaign and others on the ground about the fake elector scandal. She continued, when asked how many of his calls or meetings it came up in the fake elector scandal, Cassidy Hutchinson replied, dozens. Okay, Mark and your lawyers, how about before you take the stand, you read the Jan 6 report? I mean, I know you don't have access to the grand jury testimony uh, that resulted in your indictment, but you know it's in the public record, don't you? Um, So it was malpractice for the lawyer not having done what I just did, which is to go back to the Jan 6 report and find that information and make sure his client was accurately prepared. It's either malpractice or he just suborned perjury by putting a witness on Meadows that he knew was going to tell a lie. And the email that's now been used in briefing and in cross-examination of Mark Meadows demonstrates once and for all, it's the same email referenced in the Jan 6 report I just read from on page 309 that Mark Meadows just perjured himself. That has implications, as you can imagine, because that is a separate crime that can be indicted separately in by either federal prosecutors, because he did it in federal court in front of a federal judge. So the local Department of Justice for Atlanta, the Northern District of Georgia, U.S. Attorney Alert, could prosecute him for lying on the stand in front of a federal judge. 
Okay, and then that could be used by Jack Smith, of course, to squeeze Mark Meadows even harder because we've always been confused about is he cooperating or is he not cooperating? There's aspects of the Jack Smith uh, election interference indictment that look like Mark Meadows is cooperating by some of the statements made, but he's not even listed as an unindicted co-conspirator. He's not mentioned at all. So what's going on? We, we always wondered that. Is, is he just, Mark Meadows isn't playing ball and he hopes later on he will? Well, now Mark Meadows has placed his own, you know what, firmly in his own vice to which Jack Smith and the Department of Justice can now turn the wheels. You don't have to do that, Mark. You could have not taken the stand and go and try your case in state court by taking the stand and perjuring yourself. Now, Fawny Willis can prosecute you and the Department of Justice through the Northern District of Georgia U.S. Attorney's Office uh, can prosecute you for lying to Judge Jones. And Judge Jones, who heard all of this, could then take disciplinary action and make a referral of the lawyer for Meadows and refer him to the Bar Association for possible discipline and disbarment because you're not supposed to allow your, your client to lie on the stand. You're supposed to use some modicum of due diligence to maybe, I don't know, spring 20 bucks and go buy the Jan 6 report, read everything in it about your client before he takes the stand. You know, and look, there are plenty of situations to, to answer some questions that may already, already be coming up on this hot take. What happens when a lawyer maybe doesn't know the client is going to lie until the client gets on the stand. And then you know, because you've done your diligent research and you know your case, you know the client has just said something that is not possibly true. What do you do? Well, then you owe a, a higher calling and duty to the federal court and to your ethics and to your rules of professional responsibility than you do your own client. And you ask for a timeout. You ask to approach the judge. You, you approach the judge with the other counsel in chambers without your client, and you tell them we have a problem. The problem is my client, I believe, has just lied on the stand, and I cannot suborn perjury, and then it takes a whole different track. That's what a competent, ethical lawyer is supposed to do. I've seen it in my own career. That's not what happened here. But we're going to continue to follow why Mark Meadows and the others of this gang that can't shoot straight seems to be too smart by half and maybe can't even read um, why they are doing the things that they're doing strategically, tactically, or just because they're not that smart in this 19-person indictment, including Donald Trump in Georgia, and the offshoots of it in federal court that we're now seeing. We'll follow it on hot takes just like this one. I do it here, and then we pull it all together in a podcast on Wednesdays and Saturdays, also on the Midas Touch Network, called Legal AF, and yes, it's what you think. If you like what I'm doing in hot takes, give me a thumbs up here. You can follow me on all things social media, at MS Popak. Until my next hot take, this is Michael Popak, Legal AF. Hey, Midas Mighty, love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch, to keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now. She don't need no Instagram. She just uses just a gram. At Fry's, you can save big today with sales and promotions on your favorite items. Baker, and you'll find it all. Face. Weekend show.
Sunday, September 3, 2023. I'm Anthony Davis. Welcome to The Weekend Show, where we take a deep dive into the news of the week. You can support my work and independent journalism at patreon.com slash five-minute news. Our guest today is the author of eight books, including American Rule, How a Nation Conquered the World But Failed Its People, and Midnight Kingdom, History of Power, Paranoia, and The Coming Crisis. Jared Yates Sexton, welcome back to The Weekend Show. Anthony, always good to see you, my friend. Um, we're into September now, but August was a kind of momentous month in American political history, and, you know, not least because the disgraced former president faces now a total of 91 charges across four criminal cases, 44 federal charges, 47 state charges, all of them felonies. Uh, the Fulton County uh, District Attorney has charged Trump and 18 others in connection with efforts to reverse his 2020 election loss uh, in the state. I never thought this would happen, you know, because it has been a while since January 6th. The, the coup, the insurrection, the riot, whatever you want to call it. And yet, the fact that it has taken two and a half plus years is actually now being used as being weaponized by the Trump team. And they're like, well, if I'd have done something so bad, why is it taking you guys so long to do anything about it? How, how do you feel about this, you know, these indictments? And do you think that it's the right thing at the right time? First of all, I'm no legal expert, but 91 indictments is, uh, it strikes me as bad. It strikes me as not a good situation when you, you're looking down the barrel of uh, almost... And he says he's not guilty of all of them. I mean, this is the thing, you know, it's not like, oh, yeah, I might have done that one and not those 90. Like, he's denying everything. Absolutely. Um, I, you know, to talk about this thing, um, I'm, I'm going to do something that's antithetical to a lot of political discourse. I want to talk about this in, a, in an actual nuanced, adult, mature way. First of all, is Donald Trump guilty of all these things that we all watched him do in real time? Absolutely, he is. Um, should he be held accountable for what he has done? Absolutely. Like you, I did not think he was going to get charged with these things. I did not think that the legal system would hold him accountable. But let's also be mature and admit that our judicial system, our institutions, our political system did not particularly want to charge a former president with these crimes. He forced their hands. And we can both admit that that is true, that it is political in nature, but that also doesn't mean that it's not true that he did these things and that he deserves uh, to be held accountable for it. Um, you know, I, I personally... Will you choose James T. Kirk as your fleet commander, a pioneer of space exploration? Selecting him increases reputation gained from factions, as well as grants a space exploration boost. Or will you decide to travel a more strategic route? Choosing Spock as your fleet commander grants efficiencies in construction, mining, and research tasks. You can also decide to go a darker route and elect Locutus of Borg as your fleet commander. Who will strengthen your ships and award you the upper hand in player versus player combat? The choice is yours. This is your final frontier.
I think there are a lot of people, Democrats, Republicans, independents, you name it, who really wish that Donald Trump simply would have retired to Mar-a-Lago. He would have crashed people's weddings, done photo ops, uh, you know, come out to hail to the chief every now and again, and do that for the rest of his days. By continuing to insist that he would run for the presidency and possibly even become, you know, the, the 47th president, uh, I think that forced a lot of hands. And so, you know, I, I, I think we have to look at this, again, maturely. We have to be honest about it. We have to not take someone like a Jack Smith or, or uh, the Attorney General Merrick Garland and say that these are messiahs and heroes. We have to look at it with a little bit of a, you know, a, a side askew. But we also need to understand that Donald Trump is uh, getting his just desserts for what he has done and the role he has played. But I want to point this out, Anthony, because it wouldn't be me if I didn't point this out. While Donald Trump is being held accountable for these things, while the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers and a lot of the people in his orbit are being held responsible for it, the people who funded this, the people who strategized it, the people who basically ran the entire operation, the billionaire donors, their institutes, their think tanks, their organizations, have gone completely without any scrutiny whatsoever. Donald Trump has eaten up a lot of scenery in this, taken up a lot of oxygen, and I don't think that is uh, an accident in any way, shape, or form. The, the lobbyists and the think tanks... These organizations, they play a very large role in American politics, and they are, as you say, largely hidden. Federalist society, for example, you know, these kind of organizations that are under the radar. People know they're around, but they don't know how much influence they may have. And yet there is always some kind of plot going on for something. Installing, that, that word installing a president or installing a leader. I mean, I find it fascinating that in this country, you don't have to vote for a leader to be the leader of the party. Like, anybody can just be like, okay, I'm going to run for the Republicans. And kind of nationally, they become adopted by osmosis. You know, in the, in the UK, a party leader is, is voted upon, and then that leader becomes the prime minister if they win a general election. So it's very interesting to me how it just kind of, people just roll with it. But I did want to say that there is now evidence that Merrick Garland did delay the investigation. Of, of Donald Trump. Talk to me about the culture in the US of not wanting to indict a former president. Well, I want to go ahead, um, real fast, I want to add something to something that you just said. With these institutes, these think tanks, I, I, I don't think this is something that gets brought up in a lot of political conversations. The Republican Party is a, a public relations front for these people. Like, people who want to think that, like, Mitch McConnell, or back when, you know, he was particularly effective and, and lucid, that he was sitting in an office drafting legislation or plans, that's not true. These things are created by groups that are funded by billionaire donors who go ahead and institute this all around the country. The Republican Party is largely a, you know, it's a clown car. It's a group of people who continually uh, push culture war ideas, controversial ideas that go ahead and sort of prick the, 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 the fears, the uh, uh, insecurities, and the, the prejudices of their base. So that's Kevin what's McCarthy actually... is a good example, right? Because he's not a smart guy, doesn't no. have the vocabulary or the ability or the intellect to be able to no. do some of the things that are happening. No, he absolutely doesn't. You know, um, Kevin McCarthy is literally every single day as Speaker of the House attempting to save his political life. Yeah. And so much of it is trying to keep this wild card Freedom Caucus to, you know, keep from basically submarining his entire office. But to go along with that, one of the things that you just brought up uh, in terms of Merrick Garland not necessarily wanting to prosecute Donald Trump or not wanting to go after former presidents 
it's necessary to understand that prior to our current moment, we're in this moment of upheaval. I, I, I call it a moment of crisis, and there are plenty of reasons why it's happening. Um, there is a big power struggle happening right now. The Republican Party is being taken over by authoritarians who want to go ahead and push people like McCarthy or McConnell out of the way in order to use the power of the government for a certain thing and to basically break up the neoliberal order that we've been living under. That neoliberal order, that consensus, it was very much a beltway culture, Anthony, in which Democrats and Republicans hung out all the time. They knew the same people. They were funded by the exact same people. They disagreed on this and that and what the tax code should do or what this should do, you know, at the margins. That's where they fought most of their battles. And meanwhile, you know, you could talk tough. You could talk about George W. Bush, you know, uh, prosecuting an illegal war, global war on terror that killed over a million people. You could talk about Ronald Reagan did this or Bill Clinton did that. But you were largely playing a, a game of softball. You know, you, 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 were, you were still hanging out with one another. You shared a lot of the same donors. You had the same goals. But what is happening right now is a hostile takeover. And, and one of the things that's happening is that Donald Trump, who I don't think he could explain this to you if he had to. Yeah. I, think, I think he intuits it. I think yeah. uh, uh, well, he's a mark, isn't he? He's like an empty vessel, a blank canvas, and he's perfect for these people to manipulate. And he's because he doesn't realize. No, he has no idea what he's doing at any given time, but his yeah. distaste for uh, um, authorities, his distaste for limitations and checks on his power are inherently fascistic. And what they've done is they've broken a lot of the, or they've revealed that a lot of these institutions are broken. And a lot of the very, very smart people who I'm talking about, these ideological right-wing authoritarians, they saw what Donald Trump did and they've taken advantage of it. They've just absolutely run roughshod over the past few years because of what Donald Trump has revealed. When it comes to Trump and his blatant criminality, his just absolute overt self-dealing and cravenness, he has pushed the hand of people who really do not want to be in the business of prosecuting former presidents. And why? Because you could probably prosecute almost every former president for some crime or shape or power. The office is more or less being there in order to do things that, upon closer scrutiny, are a little bit problematic. Nobody wants to go down that road, but it just so happens that Donald Trump's peculiar brand of cravenness meant that something had to be done. And so it's, it's a reluctant act, uh, top to bottom. This is what concerns me, because, you know, so much that happens in U.S. politics is performative. Yes. And I would, you know, argue that, you know, raising the debt ceiling and government shutdowns is performative. There's no reason for it, right? It's like, you've got to carry on with the government. Just carry on funding it. It's just debt is debt is debt. And yet there's this whole theatrical production that goes with it. And the media, they put things on the screen, you know, 10 hours to shut down and... And, and tragically, in those situations, the people that pay the price are government workers, federal workers, who go without a paycheck for a few weeks. You know, I know it gets paid back, but even so, it's like life is not good for them. Meanwhile, the wealthy continue to enjoy their lives. So, so it is inherently unfair. But the performative aspect of this, of sending him to the Fulton County Jail to get booked and the mugshot and all of the... You know, people are comparing the image to Che Guevara and all this stuff. It's like, seriously, this guy 
committed a coup against his own country. There's 91 charges. I mean, you know, there's no shortage of criminality. My fear is, though, that if he's never going to be incarcerated in the same way that Merrick Garland didn't want to investigate him in the first place, there's no precedent for incarcerating a president in the United States. Yes, we can look at Nicolas Sarkozy and France and whatever, but Europe is not America. I don't see the point in all of this performance if he's not going to be punished like a regular civilian. Well, Anthony, what you're discounting is the emotional part of this entire program. Um, let, let, let's be very clear about things like the mugshot. And listen, I know this isn't going to endear me to some of your viewers. I know this isn't going to make me popular to say. I was actually very turned off by the mugshot discourse. Um, you know, the, the, the large part of this was the humiliation of it, making him go into this place, get a mugshot taken. Of course, people, um, and this has always bothered me, we have to talk about how much he weighs. You know, we, it, it's basically the equivalent of, like, putting somebody in a public stock. Right. And, and, you know, just basically having them become a sin eater that we can look at and say, this person is suffering consequences. Obviously, everything must be right in the world. Um, it's very performative. And it is in, 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 in a large way what we have seen over the past few years as governmental power has been uh, uh, undermined, which is one of the problems going back into the late 1970s and particularly in the 80s and then the 90s. Governmental power has been completely curtailed. Uh, in the past, the government and government officials used to be able to do things for people, make lives better, to invest in social projects and social safety nets. Since then, it has become professional wrestling. There's nothing for these people necessarily to do besides to lower uh, tax rates for the wealthy, to occasionally inject money into the economy during times like COVID, in which otherwise the entire economic system might melt down. But otherwise, they're arguing about whether or not we should have gas stoves, right? You know, uh, Ted Cruz, I think this was a really telling uh, clip recently, where he said, the government said that I can only have two beers a, a week. Well, that's not what the government said. You know, this is an Ivy League educated lawyer who isn't a good old boy from Texas, but he pretends like he is because it helps his fundraising. It is a character and it's a performative act. So what has happened is that 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 inertia for the government to do things for people has been replaced by the simulation of doing things for people. They can go ahead and personalize the anger of things, which is why Donald Trump was a perfect leader at this moment for these people. He didn't really do anything for them. He actually made their lives worse. He actually continued on, uh, you know, the, the gross inequality and historic inequality. He actually went ahead and he didn't drain the swamp. He added to the swamp. He didn't actually build the wall. He told them he built the wall. But what he gave them was emotional catharsis. And unfortunately, what's happening in our politics is it's moved from being a process by which the future is supposed to be made better to a point in which the present is supposed to have some sort of an emotional catharsis that substitutes in for anything actually being done. The former president posted a video on Thursday of him holding up a T-shirt with his mugshot on it and was like, come and get your T-shirts. Fundraising off of that image, which he wanted. He wanted a mugshot. He wanted it to go viral. He wanted the, you know, all of the, the, the trappings of, of, you know, the, the iconography. And that is, the, for me, the saddest part of this, is that we're now in a situation where a former president of the United States is 
is proud of his criminality, is proud of his mugshot, and, you know, is about to go into an election year where he'll be in court more than he'll be on the debate stage. I mean, it, it, it can't be good for America, just what it's doing to the country in the meantime, you know, because aside of whether he's convicted or not, this process, I mean, the four years that he was president were bad enough, but we've had him on screen every day since. And now, like, like uh, the My Pillow guy, he's selling merchandise. Yeah, it actually harkens back to the good old days of Dillinger and Capone. You know, America, particularly America's strain of capitalism that has just grown over us like so much kudzu at this point, it emphasizes destructive things. And I think we're going to talk more about this in this conversation. But one of the things that's happened here is that Donald Trump has literally taken an incredibly shameful thing. He has been indicted for, again, over 90 things that he has done wrong in betraying the country and trying to lead the country astray. Um, this, in the past, would have been a moment for him to have said goodbye to the limelight, gone and, and taken his medicine, and America would have learned from it or a country would have learned from it. Instead, now he's embodying the villain role. And one of the things, whether or not it's in modern politics or professional wrestling or whatever it is, People like to root for the villain sometimes, particularly in moments in which they feel powerless or they feel like the system isn't fair. And for the record, the system is not fair. Um, I did an interview a couple of weeks ago, Anthony, where someone said to me, can you believe that people don't trust our institutions anymore? Can you believe that people don't trust the judicial system? Can you believe what Trump did? And I said, he didn't do that. There are reasons we shouldn't trust our systems and our judicial system. They're legitimately corrupt. So as a result, Donald Trump has figured out a way to make money from that, gain power from that, and take advantage of what is actual frustration. And in that case, and this is a, kind of a losing hand that we find ourselves in currently, the Democratic Party, because it's in power and because the Republican Party has become a fascistic authoritarian movement that is trying to destroy everything, the Democratic Party has been um, turned into an institutional defender and guardian, basically telling everybody who knows that things are not right and that things are not working correctly, hey, I promise you, if we just stay patient, things will figure themselves they out. They become Everything the conservatives, Jared. I mean, that's yes. the irony. They are the Republicans. They that's care for the Republic. They want to keep the Republic together. And, and, and yet the, the traditional Republicans have now become the, the rebel alliance, you know, or, or, or the... Or the, um, you know, they they they've got their own agenda, and it does not. Because, for example, Marjorie Taylor Greene, we're not a democracy. We're a constitutional republic. I mean, this language is pushing further and further away from that tradition of conservatism and and wanting to protect the republic. Yeah. Come here, come here. I want to show you something. Neither movie is twenty-four hour permanent teeth. Our patients come in with missing or damaged teeth. And in 24 hours, they leave with this. And it completely transforms their life.
When you shop Wayfair's Labor Day clearance, you get deals so big, we'll have you saying, Am I a big deal? Because it's a big deal when you get a big deal. Wayfair deals so big that you might get a big head. Because with a sale this big, you can get your dream sofa for half the price. Shop Wayfair's Labor Day clearance now. Wayfair, you've got just what I need. Yeah, and what has actually happened is that conservatism and liberalism in the last 40 to 50 years, starting back in the 1970s going into the 80s, they sort of blended into this neoliberal sludge. Again, there were... You know, there were conversations about, you know, should we allow gay marriage? You know, what, what role should women have in a society? What should civil rights look like? Like, those were real, actual discussions. But when it came to what the government should do and how the economy should function, largely it was a consensus. And so what has happened in the past few years as this, as this consensus has led to really destructive things you now have a new breed of Republicans. Um, I call them neo-fascist. Um, I write about the fact in the Midnight Kingdom that they are absolutely obsessed with getting rid of liberalism, representative government, and democracy. They will tell you, if you listen to them, if you read their books, you even listen to their campaign speeches, what they tell you is they want to use the power of the government. They've learned from Marx. They've learned from Lenin. They want to use the power of the government in order to tear down representative government and create sort of a neo-feudal state in which they are, they are in control of everything. And for people listening at home who say, that doesn't sound like small government, no, it's not small government. It's very, very large government because these people understand something that a lot of other people haven't for a long time, Anthony, which is principles of the Republican Party were never principles to begin with. If you believe in small government, you don't care what people do in their bedrooms. You don't, you, you don't care who they love or what they do. If you're really for those values, that's not something you concern yourself with. They're not fiscally conservative. They run up massive deficits every time they're in power. These are simply weapons. And this new breed of Republican that is taking over the Republican Party, they are not what you would consider conservative. They're, they're radicals. They're very, very dangerous people. And the threat that they represent has put everybody else on the defensive. And, and I'll tell you, in times where things aren't working, being on the defensive, it doesn't work that well. Yet of the six or seven videos that Donald Trump posted in the last few days, each one includes him. He was foaming at the mouth, incidentally, which I found <laughs> quite revolting. He kept saying, they're Marxists, they're fascists, they're communists. And this now is becoming a kind of, you know, it, we heard it a little bit before. But, you know, it, it bears no resemblance to reality. It's mainly projection. But the irony is now that this critique of the other side as Marxists is actually, should be turned on its head. Because, as you say, their inspiration is coming from some of these political movements of history. Yeah, it's actually really interesting what's happened. You know, I, I used to be a professor in the humanities, and one of the things that we often talked about was how language and meaning got twisted up and turned around. I'll never forget the day I got out of a meeting and I saw that Marjorie Taylor Greene had referred to uh, communist corporations, which is an incredible construction. You know, it really, truly is. And what has actually happened, and, and I hope I don't get too far in the weeds here, what has actually happened is that American corporations have realized that 
liberal and or tolerant ideas are what make their products more acceptable and appealing to people because the majority of people are accepting and tolerant and care about people not feeling oppressed. And, and this well, references diversity and inclusion, for example. Any of right, these companies which, that are trying to be more diverse and more inclusive, it's good for business. And, well, yet, and it keeps them from being sued. Right. Let's be very clear yeah. about that. Like, yeah. quote-unquote, woke corporations are actually worried more about being boycotted or being sued than they are, you know, pushing forward liberal or woke ideologies. Corporations are not ideological. That is that is their founding. That is their entire basis. It's, it's the but, bottom line every time. Right. But the basis of what people like Marjorie Taylor Greene or other of these new breed of Republicans want to do, Anthony, they literally want to use the power of the government to compel corporations and media institutions to espouse their ideology. They understand that the majority of the culture doesn't agree with what they believe in. They, they understand that their ideas are incredibly unpopular. But they are based on historical ideas that by going ahead and, and creating a dictatorship of ideas, a minoritarian dictatorship, you can go ahead and change discourse. You can go ahead and change culture by compelling it to accept your ideas, which is where they're at now. And they're trying everything from um, J.D. Vance, uh, the despicable senator from Ohio, uh, on the campaign trail, talked constantly about letting people with children have more than one vote. Right. Or, uh, you know, now they talk about raising the voting age like they're trying everything in their power to dismantle democracy yeah. so that they can use these democratic institutions to their own ends. And the entire purpose of it is to create a, a cultural hegemony that they can use as a weapon. Voting only on one day, um, yeah. you know, doing away with proxy voting or, or, or mail in voting. You know, they, it's so obvious, though. You know, this is the thing that's like they're not trying to hide the authoritarianism. And, and maybe in years gone by, they did try and hide it. But now it's just out there for all to see. And I am very surprised that the media has not picked up on it, has not done more focused journalism about the rise of fascism, the rise of authoritarianism in the West. I want to talk about that in some detail in just a moment. We have to take a quick pause for our sponsor, and then we'll come back with more from Jared Yates Sexton. I'm excited to tell you about Moink. That's Moo plus Oink. Moink is a meat subscription box company on a mission to fight for the family farm. They're located in rural America, run by an eighth-generation female farmer. Their animals are raised humanely, their employees are paid a living wage, and the quality of their product is better than anything you'll find in the store. Moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon straight to your door. Moink farmers farm like our grandparents did, and as a result, Moink meat tastes like it should, because the family farm does it better, and the Moink difference is a difference you can taste. Now, unlike the supermarket, Moink gives you total control over the quality and source of your food. You choose the meat delivered in every box, like ribeyes to chicken breasts to pork chops and salmon fillets and much more. Plus, you can cancel your box delivery any time. I personally have struggled in the U.S. to find meat that doesn't have antibiotics in it or hormones added. And finally, I found a place where I can just go and trust that all of those things are taken care of for me. Now, I know that this is 
the right thing to do, I'm sure you will too. Just keep American farming going by signing up at moinkbox.com slash weekend right now. And listeners of the show get free ground beef for a year. That's one year of the best ground beef you'll ever taste, but for a limited time. So go to moink, spelt M-O-I-N-K, box dot com slash weekend that's moinkbox.com slash weekend i've always found it difficult to find clothes that i like to wear and when i find one thing that works i just buy loads of them and just wear the same thing all the time well men's closets were due for a radical reinvention and roan stepped up to the challenge roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable breathable and flexible set of products known to man and here's why. Roan helps you get ready for any occasion. The commuter collection offers the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, zips and polos. You'll never have to worry about what to wear when you've got the Roan commuter collection. The comfortable four-way stretch fabric provides breathability and flexibility that leaves you free to enjoy what life throws your way from your commute to work or your 18 holes of golf. It's time to feel confident without the hassle. With Roan's wrinkle release technology, wrinkles disappear as you stretch and wear the products. It's that easy. And with Gold Fusion anti-odor technology, you'll be smelling fresh and clean all day long. And on top of that, Roan is 100% machine washable, so you can ditch the dry cleaner altogether. I personally love a technical fabric, something that is advanced and uses technology to make a more comfortable and more modern outfit. Now, the commuter collection can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. So head to roan.com slash Anthony and use promo code Anthony to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to rhone.com slash Anthony and use code Anthony, A-N-T-H-O-N-Y. It's time to find your corner office comfort. It's the Weekend Show. I'm Anthony Davis. There was an article uh, that was published in the Washington Post last week. The headline, Journalism Fails Miserably at Explaining What is Really Happening to America. It was written by Will Bunch. I just want to read, Jared, a few sentences from this. You and I have been discussing this kind of offline, this article, and, and I know that you also felt compelled to talk about it because, you know, from my perspective as a journalist, it's very frustrating watching the network channels, the cable news, and seeing what people are being served when there is so much more to discuss. So the article said, if you watch the hours of TV news coverage during an especially momentous week in August, there was little sense that of that reality, and for long stretches of pundit blather, none at all, as talking heads gave earnest high school debating marks to candidates who were all but ignored by the GOP voter base talking about the, the GOP, GOP debate, of course. Uh, the disconnect deepened the next night as Trump turned what would surely be his comeuppance, his surrender at Atlanta's bug-infested county jail for fingerprinting and a mugshot, into an outlaw display of authoritarian force. They say it was a remarkable night of imagery over substance, yet there was little discussion of why this accused felon was getting a phalanx of dozens of motorcycle cops comprising police who are drawn to Trump's authoritarian bluster like moths to the light. Trump, glowering mugshot, instantly becoming the most talked about picture in American history, yet not one pundit was able to explain why tens of millions of everyday voters 
are so eager to return him to the White House, a man who attempted a coup, or why his poll numbers rise with each indictment. Over to you, my friend. Yeah, I, I, I thought Will's article was uh, really well-written and really well-reasoned. Um, Anthony, there, there's been a problem over the past few years. You know, I, I got into uh, this political game back in 2016. I was going to Trump rallies, and I was telling everyone what I was hearing you know, from his supporters and what I was seeing in this movement. And I was screaming. I was like, this is a really dangerous thing. It's letting loose these authoritarian energies. It's radicalizing people. This is going somewhere very, very bad. And I kind of had a moment where I was like, why, why aren't more people picking up on this? Like, why, why is it that this very obvious thing isn't getting more play? And occasionally there would be moments where, and I'm sure you remember these, I'm sure your viewers do as well, there'd be articles like in the New York Times or the Post that would be like, is Donald Trump a threat to democracy? Yeah. Question mark? Yeah. Should we right. be calling it fascism? Should we be calling yeah. it fascism? Yeah. And also, you know, we brought up January 6th earlier. I don't know if people remember this because it's, it's, it's a very upsetting thing. We all watched an attempted to play out live on television in front of the entire world. And for a few hours, it seemed like everybody understood what was going on. And within 24 hours, major pundits and journalists were like, I don't think what we saw actually happened. I, I don't think it was as bad as we thought it was. Yeah, it was tourists. And, and I think a lot of what has happened, uh, it, it can be broken down into a, a couple of key points. One is that our media, as much as they despise Donald Trump, and they do, they are addicted to him to no end. Our, our media, our economy is wired for self-destruction. We need to keep people terrified. We need to keep them anxious. But we also need to keep them tuning in. And Donald Trump is the biggest gift that the media has ever had. Um, he, he, you know, Occasionally, Donald Trump tells the truth by accident. And one of the things that he told the truth about was when he said the New York Times, the Washington Post, and the media absolutely loved him because of what he did for their ratings and their subscriptions. He's 100% right. And, and it has been the case. And they, they love anything that keeps people terrified and continuing to click or to look on. The other problem in all of this is that our media class is largely comprised of wealthy, privileged people. Uh, it, and, and I don't know if, again, your viewers know this. It costs a lot of money to live in New York City. And... To work as a journalist, and they don't get paid very much, whether it's in print or online or cable news media, you don't get paid that much. So as a result, you need to go ahead and have something that will make sure that you can pay for an apartment in New York City or keep you afloat, which means that most of the people who are there come from money. They come from privilege. As a result, they're not that interested in critiquing the institutions that are decaying. And so whenever they look around at the world, and, and this is something that I think Americans really struggle with, we have a hard time recognizing what's actually going on. Because to look at the problems with America means looking at the narratives we tell ourselves about ourselves. Like, if you are a really, really successful pundit in the New York Times or MSNBC or you name it, you're at the top of a ladder. Are you going to go around telling everyone that the ladder, like, is rotten? That the latter was unfair. As a result, you don't want to look at white supremacy. You don't want to look at patriarchal power. Well, you don't it's want to self sabotaging, isn't it? This is the problem. Self sabotaging. Yeah. So we have an entire media class, and 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 by the way, 
uh, tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of Americans are screaming at these people. Why do you not recognize what's happening and why do you keep making it worse? And these people are largely uh, in their own ecosystems and bubbles. They can't reckon with what's going on and they can't reckon with their own part in it. It's good for business. At the it's end of the great day. for business. Because most people don't watch the news. And, you know, look, I have a confession to make, and that is that I am addicted to Donald Trump. I, I am addicted to him in as much as, and this is like a quote from Howard Stern years ago when he was talking about the rise of his radio show. People listened because they just wanted to know what he was going to say next. And it's the same with Donald Trump. It's like, can he get crazier? Can he become more abusive and aggressive and inappropriate? And, and he's ramping it up at the moment. I mean, I've been putting some videos out, kind of really trying to kind of analyze his language. And I do get a sense that it's becoming more abusive towards Jack Smith and towards Letitia James and towards Forney Willis and anybody who is against him. And... The problem with this now, though, is that even those moments are good box office material. My addiction to him is more about trying to save American democracy. You know, I, uh, I personally, because I come from Europe, where we get daily reminders of the, the threat of authoritarianism, you know, bomb sites along the streets of London, areas i live next door to one that was never rebuilt or new buildings in the middle of a row of old buildings oh yeah well that's where a bomb landed in 1942 you see so it's like constant reminders but we don't have that here in the u.s and so as you say this kind of media elite it's not something they need to worry about in the same way that my reference to the government shutdown earlier you know the reason that politicians play with these moments is because it doesn't change their lives. Those two weeks without a paycheck doesn't affect them. But for regular people, it does. Well, and let's go ahead and let's talk about red state and blue state America. Like, one of the things that has happened, and the Republican Party has absolutely taken advantage of this, it's that red state and blue state America are worlds apart from one another. And whenever you're sitting there, and, and I noticed this all the time on social media, it broke my heart, Anthony. People would say, I wish the South would just secede and get it over with, and we can live in different countries. I lived in Georgia for a decade. I, I grew up in Indiana. I have to tell you, there are people in those red states who are absolutely in danger. They've been oppressed. There's, you know, they, they live there, and people say, well, they can move. Well, it takes money to move. And blue states, because their state of living is often better, they're more expensive, and maybe their jobs don't work there. We need to start recognizing that there are a lot of people, whenever we start talking about politics like it's a game or it's a strategy, right? And, and you'll see these centrists who are like, well, you know, I, I, I believe that, like, people of color have been discriminated against, but, like, it's bad for politics to talk about it too much. I wish they would, they would calm down with it. And, you know, I know women feel bad about what happened with Roe v. Wade, but maybe this isn't the right issue in this election. Or gay and trans people, they really turn off people in the suburbs, so maybe we can deal with that later or whatever. You're literally talking about people's lives. Yeah. And that authoritarianism that you talked about in Europe, it gave us a really haunting lesson, which is you do not defeat it by sacrificing people. You do not defeat it by playing footsie with it and playing games with it. You take it on directly. Um, England, for instance, people might not know this. England had a problem with fascism itself. It was really picking up steam before World War II. Same thing as the United States, for the record. 
The reason that England was able to avoid some of the same traps that fascist countries didn't is because they confronted it in the streets and they said, you're not welcome. Yeah. You're That's referring to people like Enoch Powell, for example. Exactly. Who, who took to the streets to kind of deliver a message of fascism, and, and the people rejected it. The people literally got in the streets with bottles and brooms, and they said no. The United States had a problem with fascism and largely was able to avoid it because, not just Pearl Harbor, but also because FDR created a jobs program that recognized that a bunch of people who were out of work can sometimes be, you know, massed into a fascist crowd. So the whole point of this is that the media elite that we're talking about, they live in bubbles in which they don't experience this stuff. I, I was so shocked in 2016 as a, as a person who grew up in an evangelical community where they said, how is it that all these evangelicals are supporting Donald Trump? And for anybody who had ever spent a moment in any of these churches, they knew immediately why it was happening. They knew that this idea of religion that these people had was completely fabricated and false. So what has happened in middle America away from these bubbles, it explains everything. It, it tells you how this happened, why it's happening, what's happening, where it's going. And the problem is that we have a media class that is so insulated that they don't have the ability to understand it, recognize it, communicate it, and particularly, and most importantly, really reckon with it. They're, they're completely lost when it comes to this stuff. It's not fashionable, is it, you know, to talk about the negative. People, you know, it's almost like the negative has become the dramatic but actually it needs to stay negative. And, and, you know, historically, I'm just thinking about the Enoch Powell. He made a speech uh, which I think was entitled Rivers of Blood. Rivers of Blood. And, you know, this t if you look at that language, it doesn't, it's not dissimilar to the language that Donald Trump is using now. And yet there is something missing. The fact that so many people can support Donald Trump, and yet, that language, because I refer to it as abusive, this is the kind of new word that I've realized, he is abusing Merrick yeah, Garland, yeah. he is abusing Jack Smith, and, and not to mention the, the black women that he's abusing. And this language, it is, it is it's like dynamite, like that thing is going to just go off. And, and whilst we all love a firework display, you throw a stick of dynamite into the mix and suddenly you're, you know, you're not going to enjoy the show anymore and that's my fear is that what damage is being done hello good morning we're getting out of Midas touch stuff but it seems awfully boring shit and why the fuck isn't he being hauled into prison like everybody else it's totally fucking unfair Marjorie perjury trader green screws over her supporters with latest stunt Fucking anarchists. Introducing like the filter sword. Trump and heels. I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. Marjorie Taylor continues to make a complete and utter fool of herself and the modern day Republican Party. But then again, the modern day Republican Party is the party of Marjorie Taylor Greene and Donald Trump. And fools don't make fools of themselves. They just show you who they are. But it is important that we don't normalize their behavior. So what is it that Marjorie Taylor Greene is talking about today? Well, of course, she is talking about the release of January 6th video footage from the Capitol building that 
has been released in connection with the various criminal cases uh, being prosecuted by the Department of Justice. But Marjorie Taylor Greene promised her supporters as one of the major Republican initiatives, whereas Democrats are focused on jobs and health care and protecting Social Security and fighting for veteran students and seniors. The MAGA Republican big agenda was releasing publicly the January 6th surveillance footage to try to prove their conspiracy that the FBI was involved in the January 6th insurrection, a complete and utter dangerous conspiracy. But this is what MAGA Republicans promised. But then when Marjorie Taylor Greene and the MAGA Republicans thought to themselves that by releasing this footage, it could result in uh, groups identifying more insurrectionists then Marjorie Taylor Greene and the Republicans who want to protect the insurrectionists then said, well, we shouldn't release the surveillance footage because it could result in more terrorists being caught. I, I kid you not, this is what Marjorie Taylor Greene is posting. So she's responding to a MAGA Republican by the name of Julie Kelly who says, the pledge by the GOP to release all the January 6 videos has been broken. I believed my involvement to make footage available was a temporary fix until staff could protect innocents from G DOJ and thugs like sedition hunters. Now I see GOP has capitulated to the DOJ and Capitol Police. In this mega-fascist fantasy dystopia world, the, sedition, the people hunting the seditionists by trying to show their identities to the Department of Justice, they're the thugs, and the terrorist insurrectionists are their heroes. That's what the modern-day Republican Party has become. And what's Marjorie Taylor Greene's response to that? She responds, I called for releasing the tapes and stopped doing so when it was explained to me that groups like sedition hunters would use facial recognition software to go after more vulnerable people. After seeing the horrific, inhumane treatment of pre-trial January 6th defendants, in the D.C. jail in 2021 and being one of the few members of Congress that is against the persecution of the J6ers, I was afraid the Department of Justice would unjustly target more people. But if they can use facial recognition, why can't we? Our patriots can find the feds and or provocateurs who were involved in January 6th, that the DOJ protects. I'm all for releasing the tapes, exclamation point. Enough of this kabuki theater. It's time to end this. Everyone needs the truth. And the weaponized government must be stopped. Folks, that's one of the most deranged, delusional things I I've ever read. Ever. Fucking <laughs> and that's the stuff that she says every single day. That's the stuff that the Republicans say every single yeah, day. Yeah, because the DOJ this don't do the fucking job and lock up these motherfucking insurrectionists. This is what their leader says. Remember back when they gave the footage to Tucker Carlson when he was at Fox? Remember what Donald Trump said back then? Congratulations to Tucker Carlson on one of the biggest scoops as a reporter in U.S. history. 
The new surveillance footage of January 6th event sheds an entirely different light on what actually happened. No, it doesn't. No, it didn't. The unselect committee was a giant scam and has now unequivocally been stamped at... To the hands of Tucker Carlson. Okay, said. All right, said Ben, I think we should all keep in mind that the reason for this chaos is that the Justice Department still to this day has not charged any of 160 plus GOP insurrectionists in the Congress and removed them from office. I also think it is outrageous. This is a, it's like a, giving the keys to the hen house to the. Take over the hen house. What the fuck? That's a fuckalutely ludicrous. I also think it's outrageous and a travesty of justice that the DOJ allowed 40,000 hours of footage, surveillance footage from January 6th to go to only Tucker Carlson? This is fucking Kafkaesque if you ask me. Because Fox anchors and executives should also have been charged as co-conspirators January 6th. Just, uh... Trump for prison. Criminal fabricators of this most important day. Pelosi and McConnell failed on security. The police story is sad and difficult to watch. 
Trump and most others are totally innocent. Let them go free now. Ex Curious or an so that was a note in response to perjury trader Green's latest fuckery. And can somebody please tell me why the fucking, why the F Justice Department 202-514-2000 gave over 40,000 hours of January 6th surveillance footage to fucker Carlson? Curiouser and curiouser. Saving with Liberty Mutual, Mom. They customize your car insurance. Right. So yeah, thanks for two fifty four k or something. Saving like with that. Liberty Mutual, Mom. They customize your car insurance. Paper you have great taste. Some hot in the trash. Trump going to fucking jail. Cover all the pro democracy podcasts. Remember the rumor back then? 41,000 hours of Capitol surveillance footage was given to Tucker Carlson, but the public wasn't able to see it. And the reason that the public wasn't able to see it is because after the MAGA Republicans said they were going to release it, the Capitol Police said, can you please not release all of it? Not because of your ridiculous, deranged conspiracies, but you could harm our national security by releasing the footage and by showing certain safe spaces and hideaways and things like that in the Capitol building. This would be very dangerous for Capitol Police officers, very dangerous for lawmakers if terrorist groups got their hands on certain aspects of the surveillance footage. And this is why the Capitol Police said, even when we were giving footage to the January 6th committee, we were very careful which footage could be turned over because we didn't want any footage being made public that could be used to cause harm to police officers or to lawmakers. But MAGA Republicans then gave that to Tucker Carlson and then their right-wing supporters who were promised that these tapes would be released publicly because the MAGA Republicans' QAnon deranged conspiracy theories, they're claiming that the feds were involved in the...
which is just 100% completely and utterly false and deranged, well, then the MAGA Republicans said we can't turn over that footage because they need to protect the insurrectionists on the video footage from potentially being outed by groups that look for seditionists. This is the modern-day Republican Party. They're not conservative. Do not call these people conservative. You remember, I mean, this was what Marjorie Taylor Greene said um, a few weeks back where she was given a, a speech. And by the way, her speeches are now being attended by very, very small groups of people. She just spoke in, uh, in Rome, Georgia, like the biggest city in her district. And like she filled up the first three rows. We covered this on MidasTouch.com. Uh -huh. So you see the... The photo of it. Here's another speech she gave back in early June where she says that the reason the January 6 tapes have not been released is because Kevin McCarthy and her fear that this will enable the Department of Justice to make more arrests. Play this clip. And then here comes Matthew Grace, who uses his office to target people for January 6 instead of prosecuting people for crimes that happen every single day in Washington, D.C. That is, that's why they haven't been released yet. Because the speaker's office is going, if we put all these out here, are we enabling the Department of Justice, who we do not control, to sit there and continue targeting people? And that, honestly, that is the problem. Yes, and this is Marjorie Taylor Greene, who goes on Fox and calls for, basically, civil war, says there needs to be a national divorce and claims a national divorce is what our founding fathers wanted here play this clip and do you expect it'll happen last question well i think it's something that we should work towards because you know it's kind of the vision that our founding fathers had for america and i think it's a great one it worked in the beginning we just got it completely out of control so i hope we can get there all right marjorie taylor green thanks for explaining it all to us we appreciate it as always in the past 24 48 hours marjorie taylor green went on the uh the the, the show Infowars, hosted by alex jones who was found liable to the tune of like a billion dollars for defaming the families of school shooting victims and the jury found significant damages and punitive damages against Alec Jones. So she went on that show, and then she said that uh, that God has sent tornadoes to Burning Man to teach the people there a lesson. Folks, that's what's going on right now, and there ain't nothing normal about it. But I'll show you this. This is Hakeem Jeffries, Democratic leader, Hakeem Jeffries, from a few months ago. And here he talks about how the MAGA Republicans are protecting George Santos. They want to impeach Biden, and they're the party of Marjorie Taylor Remember this? We need to see more of this when Congress returns from recess. Play the clip of Democratic leader Hakeem Jeffries. I think it's an incredible contrast that on Wednesday, 
extreme MAGA Republicans in the House defend, coddle, and continue to play footsie with serial fraudster George Santos. And on Thursday, they want to impeach the President of the United States of America, the FBI director who was appointed by a Republican president, and the Homeland Security Secretary. And who is the face of this effort? Marjorie Taylor Greene. House Republicans have increasingly become the party of Donald Trump, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and George Santos. That is a very sad state of affairs. So folks on Labor Day where President Biden is focused on jobs, where President Biden's focused on infrastructure, the leaders of the Republican Party are focused on whether or not they're going to be releasing January 6th video footage and that they don't want to release it because they're worried that that could help expose more terrorists and that that's a concern for them. You know, there's no there's no wonder that there are so many independents and former Republicans who look at this and go, okay, this is this is crazy crap. Like, this is just some crazy, like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm not supporting this crap at all. Um, ever again <laughs> with, with with these deranged lunatics. It's, it's true. Like that's just what they are. That's why we call it out together. I'm Ben Micellis. Hit subscribe. Help us get to two million subscribers by the end of 2023. Also, it's completely and utterly false and deranged. Well, then the MAGA Republicans said we can't turn over that footage because. They need to protect the insurrectionists on the video footage from potentially being outed by groups that look for seditionists. This is the modern-day Republican Party. They're not conservative. Do not call these people conservative. You remember, I mean, this was what Marjorie Taylor Greene said. Um, a few weeks back, where she was given a, a speech, and, and by the way, her speeches are now being attended by very, very sm small groups of people. She just spoke in, uh, in Rome, Georgia, like the biggest city in her district, and like she filled up the first three rows. We covered this on MidasTouch.com here, just so you see the, the photo of it. Here's another speech she gave back in early June, where she says that, the reason the January 6 tapes have not been released is because Kevin McCarthy and her fear that this will enable the Department of Justice to make more arrests. Play this clip. Don't scroll away. It's Senator Warnock. Listen, in 2022, over 400 bills designed. And then here comes Matthew Graves, who uses his office to target people for January 6 instead of prosecuting people for crimes that happen every single day in Washington, D.C. That is, that's why they haven't been released yet. Because the Speaker's office is going, if we put all these out here, are we enabling 
the Department of Justice, who we do not control, to sit there and continue targeting people? And that, honestly, that is the problem. Yes, and this is Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's goes on Fox and calls for basically civil war, says there needs to be a national divorce and claims a national divorce is what our founding fathers wanted. Here, play this clip. And do you expect it'll happen? Last question. Well, I think it's something that we should work towards because, you know, it's kind of the vision that our founding fathers had for America. And I think it's a great one. It worked in the beginning. We just got it completely out of control, so I hope we can get there. All right, Marjorie Taylor Greene, thanks for explaining it all to us. We appreciate it, as always. In the past 24, 48 hours, Marjorie Taylor Greene went on the, uh, the, the, the show InfoWars, hosted by Alex Jones, who was found liable to the tune of like a billion dollars for defaming the families of school shooting victims and the jury found significant damages and punitive damages against Alec Jones. So she went on that show and then she said that, uh, that God has sent tornadoes to Burning Man to teach the people there a lesson. Folks, that's what's going on right now. And there ain't nothing normal about it. But I'll show you this. This is Hakeem Jeffries, Democratic leader, Hakeem Jeffries, from a few months ago. And here he talks about how the MAGA Republicans are protecting George Santos. They want to impeach Biden. And they're the party of Marjorie Kelly. Remember this? We need to see more of this when Congress returns from recess. Play the clip of Democratic leader Hakeem Jeffries. I think it's an incredible contrast that on Wednesday, extreme MAGA Republicans in the House defend, coddle, and continue to play footsie with serial fraudster George Santos. And on Thursday, they want to impeach the President of the United States of America the FBI director who was appointed by a Republican president and the Homeland Security Secretary. And who is the face of this effort? Marjorie Taylor Greene. House Republicans have increasingly become the party of Donald Trump, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and George Santos. That is a very sad state of affairs. So folks on Labor Day where President Biden is focused on jobs, where President Biden's focused on infrastructure, the leaders of the Republican Party are focused on whether or not they're going all the mega moron
Date, remove, rinse, repeat. Date, remove, rinse, repeat. I said, Ben, please cover how Rep. Dan Goldman, or was it Jared Moskowitz, sent letter to Homeland Security for Homeland Security and Formulation Committees to look into uh, Republican uh, ties to our enemies. They are all traitors and terrorists. Call for mass expulsion. Tell the Justice Department to do their job and indict all the MAGA terrorists. Indict, remove, rinse, repeat. To be releasing January 6th video footage, and that they don't want to release it because they're worried that that could help expose more terrorists, and that that's a concern for them. You know, there's no no wonder that there are so many independents and former Republicans who look at this and go, okay, this is this is crazy crap. Like, this is just important. Like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm not supporting this crap at all. Um, ever again. <laughs> with, with, with these deranged lunatics. It's, it's true. Like, that's just what they are. That's why we call it out together. I'm Ben Micellis. Hit subscribe. Help us get to 2 million subscribers by the end of 2023. Also, Check us out wherever you get audio podcasts at the Midas Touch Podcast. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch, to keep up with the most important news of the day. Two insurrectionists in prison should be considered providing aid and comfort should be considered providing aid and comfort to terrorists. Did each visit two insurrectionists in prison should be considered providing aid and comfort to terrorists. Kidoke. Five Trump's downfall accelerates. It's just 1.30 p.m. District Court makes major ruling ahead of 2024 election. Haha. <laughs> There's one simple vision hack anyone can use to improve vision. So you can say goodbye to your optometrist for good. Did you know that vision impairments have... I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. A major ruling out of a district court in Alabama... Striking down again 
the racist gerrymandered map by the Alabama legislature after a district court, the same district court, previously enjoined, stopped the Alabama legislature from implementing its racist gerrymandered map. And after the United States Supreme Court affirmed, agreed with the district court decision and upheld the finding that Alabama's racist gerrymandered map was indeed racist gerrymandering and unlawful under the United States Constitution, Alabama was like, we don't care. Let us redraw the district. We'll see what we can do here. And then the Alabama state legislature, controlled by Republicans, submitted again, basically almost an identical racist gerrymandered map. And so this three panel or this three judge district court panel basically said enough is enough. Now the federal court is taking over. The federal court is going to appoint a cartographer and the federal court is going to now have to redraw the map to include a second majority black congressional district because the Alabama GOP was drawing their maps in such a way to exclude black representation in the state. And get this, the district court in their ruling appointing right now uh, a cartographer to redraw the map. In That's outrageous. They submitted almost... Republicans resubmitted almost identical map. Misconduct. Misconduct. the hell is going on? How come I'm getting so many notifications? In Alabama, they're saying the decision, this isn't even... They're saying the decision, this isn't even a close call. Like, this is intentional, overt racism by the Alabama legislature. And not only that, but it's unprecedented in how flagrantly the Alabama legislature saw a Supreme Court ruling, saw this district court's prior ruling, and just ignored it. And just said, we're going to violate the law. We don't care at all. And then the legislature said, you know what? We don't even have the time to comply. We're done. We're out. We're too busy. Oops, I guess we're going to have to use this map again in the 2024 elections. Sorry, nothing we can do about it. And the district court, by the way, which includes 
two Trump-appointed judges and one Clinton appointee, so it's not like it's three Democrats. I mean, they're saying no. What Alabama did here was such a flagrant violation that intervention needs to be taken immediately by the federal court. So let me just go through. And by the way, why is it a three-judge panel? Election law cases like this involving allegations of racist gerrymandering go before a three district court a three judge district court panel so here are the issues this case was called just to remind you these people Um, combined case of Milligan versus Allen, and Wes Allen is the Secretary of State of Alabama. That's who you have to bring these cases against. Um, and then it's Bobby Singleton versus Wes Allen. Those were consolidated, and as the district court says in its decision that was just issued, these cases against this Alabama legislature allege that Alabama's congressional electoral map is a racially gerrymandered map in violation of the United States Constitution and or dilutes the votes of black Alabamians in violation of Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act. Milligan, this is the court, the case that is now before the three-judge court, um, where this three-judge court enjoined or stopped the previous map that was created by the Alabama legislature, which included only one majority black district, District 7. District 7 became a majority black district in 1992 when a federal court drew it that way in a ruling that was summarily affirmed by the Supreme Court. Pause there. So for black representation to even take place in Alabama at all, to get one congressional seat in Alabama, despite having a significant portion of the population, the Alabama legislature did not even allow that to happen by itself. They excluded black representation. It required a 1992 lawsuit to even get one congressional district of representation. The district court continues in its order and says, after an extensive seven-day hearing back in January of uh, 2022, uh, this court concluded that the 2021 plan likely violated Section 2, and thus it enjoined uh, the state from using that plan in the 2022 election. However, the map was still used in the 2022 election because of a Supreme Court principle that has been utilized called the Purcell Principle. And what the Purcell Principle, as utilized by the Supreme Court, means kind of this made-up principle that the Supreme Court has adopted, where they basically say, if you are so close to an election, the Supreme Court should not disturb the existing map. And the existing map is the presumed map by the legislature, the racist map. So only until the election's actually over then you get to, like, challenge it, basically. The, the principle is complete crap. I mean, I'm just, it's not my legal analysis saying it's crap. That's just me saying, but that's, I, I could use bigger words to, to explain that. But ultimately, it's this made-up principle that allowed all of these racist gerrymandered maps that were clearly in violation of the Voting Rights Act to remain in effect through the 2022 midterms, not just in Alabama. In Alabama, 
in uh, Louisiana, uh, in North Carolina, in Florida. I mean, throughout you saw this, and, and the courts were Purcell principle, nothing we can do about it. M more on that in a moment. The district court said, based on controlling precedent, we held that, quote, the appropriate remedy is a congressional redistrict plan and includes an additional majority black congressional district or an additional district in which black voters otherwise have an opportunity to elect a representative of their choice. We observe that, quote, as the legislature considered remedial plans, it should be mindful of the practical reality based on ample evidence of intensely racially polarized voting adduced during the preliminary injunction proceeding that any remedial plan will need to include two districts in which black voters either comprise a voting age majority or something quite close to it. Because federal law dictates that Alabama legislature should have the first opportunity to draw a remedial plan, we gave the legislature that opportunity. Um, the Secretary of State and the legislative defendants appealed. They appealed all the way to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court stayed or blocked the district court's injunction, so it allowed the racist map to continue. But then back in June, the United States Supreme Court on June 8, 2023, you'll recall we covered that here on the Midas Touch Network, the Supreme Court affirmed the preliminary injunction, remember, issued by the district court back in January of 2022 and the Supreme Court said we agree this is a racist gerrymandering and so now what the district court asked has to happen two majority black congressional districts so then how does the state legislature controlled by the GOP respond to that so they requested that the district court give it some additional time so that it can draw the map and so the district court says well Technically, we have to be a little bit deferential to state legislatures when they make requests like that. But again, it was more games by the state legislature to try to run out the clock. So when the state legislature resubmitted the map, what did it do? It submitted a basically the same racist gerrymandered map. And so here is from the district court's opinion. It says, on July 21, 2023, the legislature enacted and Governor Ivey signed into law a new congressional map. Just like the 2021 plan enjoined by this court, blocked by this court, the 2023 plan includes only one majority black district, District 7. And then the court says, enough. We are appointing a cartographer and we are going to redraw the maps ourselves now because you continue to violate the law. State legislature, you are out of the process. We have to take control now. And then the court says, we have reached these conclusions only after conducting an exhaustive analysis of an extensive record under well-developed legal standards as Supreme Court precedent instructs. We do not take lightly federal intrusion into a process ordinarily reserved for the state legislature, but we have now said twice that this Voting Rights Act case is not close, and we are deeply troubled that the state enacted a map that the state readily admits does not provide the remedy that we said federal law requires. We are disturbed by the evidence that the state the delayed star. remedial proceedings, but ultimately did not even nurture the ambition to provide the required remedy. And we are struck by the extraordinary circumstance we face. 
We are not aware of any other case in which a state legislature faced with a federal court order declaring that its electoral plan unlawfully dilutes minority votes and requiring a plan that provides an additional opportunity district responded with a plan that the state concedes does not provide the district that the law requires. The state's just saying, we're violating the law. We don't care. The law requires the creation of an additional congressional district that affords black Alabamians, like everyone else, a fair and reasonable opportunity to elect candidates of their choice. The 2023 plan plainly fails to do so. So the district court says enough. They are intervening. And so one of the important things, though, as we reflect upon this court order to also talk about is how Supreme Court uh, precedent has changed over time, right? And that there was a decision that was reached in 2013 by the United States Supreme Court, um, which very significantly, very significantly changed the way the Voting Rights Act uh, is ultimately applied. And specifically, the decision um, uh, that basically uh, overturned Section 4 of the Voting Rights Act is a case called Shelby County versus Holder. It's a 2013 United States Supreme Court, where the Supreme Court ruled that the formula that is used to do what's called pre-clearance is unconstitutional, and therefore pre-clearance can't be applied. What pre-clearance was allowed there to be, the, the way there's a three-judge panel right now, before the law could even be enacted, before 2013, uh, before a congressional map can be enacted, before 2013, it would have to be approved by the Department of Justice or this three-district court panel in the first instance. But when, and that's called pre-clearance, in 2013, in this decision, Shelby County versus Holder, when the formula for pre-clearance was, was determined by the Supreme Court, right-wing Supreme Court, to be unconstitutional, that basically stopped pre-clearance. So now what happens is that the state legislature's presumptively racist maps in these GOP states are the presumptive maps. Then how do you have to challenge it? Then you have to have civil rights groups have to then file lawsuits. The legislatures then try to delay it. And then what they try to do is go to the Supreme Court and say, hey, Purcell principle, we're getting very close to an election, so there's nothing you can do about it. That's the game that they're playing right now. And fortunately, the Supreme Court, in its most recent holding in the, in the Milligan case, in the Milligan v. Allen case, and the Singleton v. Allen case, didn't completely gut Section 2. It still says Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act of 1965 remains in effect, and Section 2 prohibits voting practices or procedures that discriminate on the basis of race, color, or membership in one of the language minority groups identified in the, in the statute. So Section 2 still exists, and the Alabama map was declared to be unlawful, but then you see what the game is. Then the state legislatures delay, 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 say Purcell principle, and then try to get a stay from the Supreme Court to allow the bad maps to continue during um, the election. So I would say there was at least five, potentially more, congressional seats in the, 2020, in the 2022 midterms that were clearly unlawful, that went to GOP, that changed the balance of power. Now, all of our lives are impacted by that because of actually the decision 
by the right-wing Federalist Society groups in 2013, which struck down pre-clearance, basically by striking down Section 4 of the Voting Rights Act, the formula for pre-clearance, and this Purcell principle thing that the Supreme Court uses to freeze the racist maps until after the election. But you see, even after the, even after the midterms, look what Alabama's doing right now. They're trying, to, they're trying to run the same game again. And the federal court here is saying, you, you can't run this game on us. You, we know what you're doing. But I want you to understand the framework here of what's going on, not just the ruling. And so ultimately, what's the rub here? What's the, what's the outcome? I think that you're going to see in Alabama and Louisiana and other states significantly more uh, uh, seats that are more reflective of our country, which means you're not going to artificially suppress votes, which means there will be more Democratic members of Congress who I think will be elected in 2024 as a result of this. Thing. But you see the efforts being made by state legislatures just to not even come close to following the law. There you have it, folks. I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. Hit subscribe. We're on our way to 2 million subscribers. Oh, we just did some great uh, content on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash Midas Touch. Have a great day. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report. Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch. She Keep don't up with the most no important Instagram. news of the day. What are you waiting she for? Just, Follow us now. Instagram. I said, if I were Biden, I'd pick up the damn phone during a press conference and demand the resignations. Absolutely unacceptable. And term limits. Just to propose Trump for prison. There should be a way to disqualify these people from public office. Misconduct. Remove them all. Just for press. Trump for prison. That's outrageous. These corrupt Republicans submitted an identical map. They should all be removed from office. Just for press, jump for prison. Let's see here. Come and don't put Alabama so we have an idea what you're what it's about. In advance. Trump could face massive lawsuit for mugshot copyright violation. <laughs> Oh my God! What is that? Why doesn't every home in the U.S. have brand new windows? The number one reason. I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. Could the state of Georgia, or more specifically, Fulton County, sue Donald Trump for violating the copyright held by Georgia or Fulton County in the mugshot of Donald Trump, where Donald Trump purports to have raised? over seven million dollars from that ridiculous absurd and deranged mugshot the answer is yes fulton county georgia could sue for a copyright infringement claim you see unlike the federal government 
states are actually permitted to maintain copyrights in works that are created by the state. There's some limitations, which I will discuss, but first, let's talk about what a copyright is in general, and then let's talk about some of the rules of copyright law here so we could explain it. So a copyright is defined as the exclusive legal right given to an originator or an assignee to print, publish, perform, film, record, literary, artistic, or musical material, and to authorize others to do the same. It is a fixed work of creative expression, and a copyright holder can bring lawsuits against other people who infringe upon that work. Now, who usually owns the copyright of a photograph? Is it, is it the photographer or is it the subject? Usually the photographer, the one taking the photograph, is presumed to be the owner. Now, somebody who is the subject of the photograph may have what's called a common law right of publicity in how that photograph is ultimately used, but as between the photographer and the subject, the photographer is the owner of the copyright. So here, Fulton County District Attorney, the Fulton County Sheriff's Office, Fulton County in general, is responsible for the taking of that photograph of Donald Trump. They technically would be the copyright owner. I'll explain some limitations in a moment. Um, but with respect to the federal government, there is long-held law regarding copyright that the federal government is not allowed to avail itself of copyright protection. Specifically, the United States Copyright Act says copyright protection under the U.S. Copyright Act is not available for any work of the United States government, but the United States government is not precluded from receiving and holding copyrights transferred to it by assignment, bequest, or otherwise. So if somebody assigns a copyright to the United States government, then the United States government could own that. But on its own, when the United States government or its employees create a work, it's owned by the people. It's, it's public domain immediately. But that's not the case when it comes to states. Now, there is a case actually involving Georgia which may be on point here, and this case is called Code of Revision Commission versus an organization called publicresource.org. This was a dispute that arose in 2013 where uh, the Georgia State Legislature signed an exclusive deal with a company called LexisNexis, where LexisNexis would be responsible for publishing all of the uh, Georgia laws, as well as the annotations to the Georgia laws, to help people uh, guide their understanding of the various laws passed by the Georgia legislature. Uh, uh, historically and the present to learn about things like um, the history of, of a law, the different iterations of the bills that were basically passed, the overall legislative history. And so 
when this public organization, uh, this nonprofit, this public resources group, said, no, you don't own that LexisNexis, um, and you can't copyright the law and its annotations, this case made its way all the way up to the United States Supreme Court, where the United States Supreme Court basically held agreed with the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, which overturned a federal district court, and basically said, no, you can't copyright the laws, okay? And you can't copyright the annotations. That's for the people. But within this uh, uh, decision that was reached by the Supreme Court, here is ultimately what the Supreme Court said. The decision was like two or three years ago. And it basically says... Uh, the following. Um, the bar on copyright protection, protection for federal works sweeps much more broadly than the government edicts doctrine does. That bar applies to works created by all federal officers or employees without regard for the nature of their position or scope of their authority. Whatever policy reasons might justify the federal government's decision to forfeit copyright prote protection for its own proprietary works, that federal rule does not suggest an intent to displace the much narrower government edicts doctrine with respects to this with respect to the states that doctrine does not apply to non-lawmaking officials leaving states free to assert copyright in the vast majority of expressive works they produce such as those created by their universities libraries tourism offices and so on. This blew my mind when I found out. But did you know that over 80% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about? Well, seriously, think about how many free trials you've subscribed to that you've probably never canceled. That's why I'm such a big fan of Rocket Money. Oh, man. Another. Had nobody can hear by the Democrats. Waste of That's why I'm such donations. a big fan of Rocket Money. Rocket Money does all the work, leaving the states free to assert. So, to me, that paragraph is the key one, and this is the United States Supreme Court decision, because what the state of Georgia, or here Fulton County, would say is that this doctrine of prohibiting copyrightability in the federal government does not apply to non-lawmaking officials, that's what would be here when it comes to Fulton County District Attorney and the Sheriff's Office, leaving the states free to assert the right and vast majority of expressive works they produce, such as those created by universities, libraries, tourism offices, and so on. I think Fulton County Sheriff's Department would say, and so on refers to us, the Fulton County Sheriff's Department, and we think that this is an expressive work that we create, and we're entitled as the legitimate owners of all of the mugshots that we create, period. And while we, and this is what I think the law would be, if Fulton County started selling mugshot shirts of Donald Trump, Trump could sue Fulton County for violating his right of publicity by affirmatively profiting off of it through consumerization of the products and the mugshot, that's not what Fulton County's doing. But I think similarly, Fulton County says, while Donald Trump, you may have a right to publicity over your own image, you don't have the copyright to your uh, to the image that we took. So what would the damages be? 
we believe the damages would be the millions of dollars that you made in connection with selling the merch and selling, you know, the mugs and all of those things. Like you remember Donald Trump's out there, and I think this is a violation of the copyright by Fulton County. Watch what Donald Trump does here. I mean, this is just really weird in general, but watch this. I just want to thank you for your tremendous support. And here it is. If you want to go out and get it, you can go out and get it. Have fun with it. But people do like it, I must say. Thank you very much. So it's the photo of him surrendering, and it's a Never Surrender t-shirt with his mugshot. But for copyright damages, one of the things that Fulton County ever wanted to pursue this is to basically request a disgorgement. Donald Trump returned all of the money you've made by uh, selling the image that you didn't own in furtherance of, of you being a criminal defendant. We own that product. So I think that's where it would be at. Now, what would be interesting as well is thinking about the opposite because could Donald Trump potentially bring legal action against certain other groups who you, we don't use the mugshot here in Midas Touch. I, I, I thought the I thought the photograph's disgusting, so I don't want to put it on any mugs, to be honest. I don't want to put it on any t-shirts. We made that decision kind of right away. I uh, no interest in doing that, putting an abuser on a t-shirt, but I'm not going to fault groups if they think that that's part of their, their strategy. I just don't want to wear anything with Donald Trump's face on it. But could Donald Trump potentially bring an action against them under his right of publicity? Potentially. And what would the argument be? The argument would be, well, it was newsworthy, you didn't own the copyright, and even if you had a right of publicity, it was it was newsworthy, and the argument by Trump would be, well, you're just commercializing it, you're not using it to report the news, like, say, we do here on the Midas Touch Network, or other news networks do. That would be Trump's argument there in, in bringing a case against people who profit off of the image, but then the argument would be you don't even own the copyright, even though copyrightability and right of publicity are different things. We're just using it um, for its, you know, its 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 newsworthiness and, and how prevalent it's become. So th those would ultimately be the arguments. But as you analyze copyright law, the most basic question is: Could Fulton County sue Donald Trump? What would the damages be? at least 7 to $10 million, because that's the amount that Donald Trump claims he, he raised off of it, and anything else that's kind of traceable to the violation of the copyright. Now, do I ultimately think Fulton County, Georgia, is going to sue for the copyright? I mean, I think they're focused on the RICO case right now, but, you know, they have a statute of limitations. They have a pretty significant period of time before they can bring this, you know, case. They don't have to make the decision, you know, tomorrow. But that's how you would analyze it. And, and this Supreme Court decision that I just read involving Georgia and the annotations, Georgia v. Public Resources, or it was decided in the October 2019 term, that's going to be uh, significant here. So lots of people have been asking me about that. I've seen other professors opine on it, but that's my own kind of analysis of it. Uh, hit subscribe. Uh, we're on our way to 2 million subscribers. Have a great day. Oh, go to Patreon. Check out patreon.com slash Midas Touch. P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Midas Touch. Hi there. Good morning. Just cleaning up some. Or cleaning up. 
be getting prepared for the return of my M&O's. And uh, live Trump is having a complete breakdown before our eyes. Ha ha. Ready to start eating healthier? Meet Cachava. Cachava is the world's healthiest all-in-one. Welcome to Political Beatdown. Ben Marcel is joined by the one and only Michael Cohen. We've got a great show for you today. Cohen, want to get some updates? Is this deposition with Donald Trump happening on September 6th? What we do know is that Donald Trump would not be showing up for his arraignment in Fulton County, Georgia, because he entered a not guilty plea and waived his arraignment. We'll get to that in a moment. I want to show everybody these truly deranged videos that Donald Trump has been posting of himself. I mean, he's been posting a ton of just despicable and disgusting things, but like, it's really ramped up to a level of just complete and utter... I don't even know what to describe it. So, Cohen, you're a better wordsmith at all things Donald Trump than me, so I'll get your reaction That's to because those. I graduated valedictorian from Trump University. <laughs> New York Attorney General uh, Letitia James has filed a summary judgment in the civil fraud case where she's seeking at least $250 million. And in her summary judgment, she states there is no disputed facts at all that Donald Trump misclassified assets to the tune of billions of dollars on an annual basis. Donald Trump also filed his own summary judgment looking to uh, dismiss the case. Also, going to show you a bunch of clips over the past 24, 48 hours of these MAGA Republicans in the Senate and the House as they prepare to uh, get back into session in the coming weeks and threatening to shut down our government. More of this performative, weird stuff that we can compare all of that to what President Joe Biden's doing. Michael Cohen, how are you, sir? It's been a uh, hectic couple of days since I saw you and the Brigaders. Uh, let's start with the very first thing, which is the nonsensical rantings of a lunatic mind. That's a line from young Frankenstein. Um, Donald is running scared. And this is what he does. He needs to vent. And the only way that he could vent right now is to do it through his postings on, whether it's on Twitter or his untruth social platform. He needs to vent in order to make himself feel better, better about the situation. He technically knows that his you know, his ass is cooked. There's 91 counts against him. You have the additional ones now, uh, which is from the Fulton County DA. You're right. He decided to waive uh, the um, arraignment, the presence uh, at the arraignment, which he can do. He pled not guilty. Uh, he didn't want to stand with the other 18 co-defendants. You know, that should be a telltale sign to the other 18 co-defendants, too, when, you know, the guy who's the lead of it, the single most recognizable and important name in the entire scenario, in the entire RICO charge, decides that he's not going to do it. So this now brings up a whole nother issue. As you may remember, because you were the first to know, Donald is expected to appear for a deposition transcribed and videoed uh, on September 6th. And the question was whether or not he was going to show up as a direct result of the September 6th 
arraignment. Well, now that he's waived the arraignment, it is expected that he will show up. However, we still have not received confirmation from his counsel that he is going to show up. If in fact that he doesn't, it's back to court for more motion practice, unnecessary. Again, what does it do? It just jumps up the legal expense. This is what he likes to do. He bleeds you out dry, probably because he's not even paying Brito in the first place, or he got him for some ridiculous low price. I don't know what it is, but this is the game that Donald is going to play. That's so, Cohen, are your lawyers up. reaching out to Trump's lawyers and saying, hey, this deposition's going, and right now what you're telling the brigade is that Trump's lawyers are basically ignoring your lawyers? So far that he has not responded back, we are awaiting uh, confirmation. I will tell you some additional information that came out uh, approximately an hour or so ago. Uh, the judge ruled on that motion regarding uh, the information and the classification of the information. Uh, the judge in the case was very Solomonian. Uh, he provided us the better half of the body, so to speak, in this. Uh, Donald uh, can mark certain things as classified or uh, for a gag onto it. However, they do have to then provide an explanation to the court as to why they believe that it is uh, if we challenge. Uh, there also, he's been warned that they cannot uh, put classification on each and every document that they were due to have already provided to us. Uh, I'm going to get to the real Keppa on this. You guys are going to love this. Uh, so he cannot mark everything classified um, or gagged, so to speak. Um, that's the judge has already warned them not to do. And because we have now been waiting for our discovery documents and the court had uh, mandated that they provide it, the documents must be turned over by September 3rd, which means, of course, that <laughs> that's Sunday night during this Labor Day weekend. Uh, I don't believe, and again, it's my personal opinion, I think the judge was absolutely appropriate in making this decision, considering the games that uh, Brito and Trump have been playing literally since day number one. Uh, you know, I have a right to defend this case. This is not, despite the fact everyone believes, or most, if not all pundits believe, that this was retaliatory that it's a frivolous uh, lawsuit. Nevertheless, I want to remind people that it is a um, lawsuit for $500 million. And nothing that comes from Trump's camp, especially when you're talking lawsuit. about numbers such as this, should ever be taken lightly. And so we're not. have Ben Brodsky on the case. I have Donya Perry on the case. Uh, and they are, uh, Lillian uh, Timmerman is on the case as well uh, from Donya's office. And I can, they are reaching out. They are doing everything 
that can possibly be done in order to move this case forward, which, as you know, Ben, is interesting because it is generally expected that the plaintiff is the one who's pushing the case forward, not the defendant. Me in the executive? Question mark. Be your VP. We, you know, we want certain documents. We need certain information in order to, you know, provide the defense. You know, and obviously defense will be a motion to dismiss. That's what we need. Now, I will tell you, there's even more. You can't make this stuff up. As you also know, Ben, and based on the clip that you showed, at least the photo, uh, Tish James made a statement that in 2015 that Donald Trump had overinflated his assets by um, somewhere in the ballpark of $2.2 billion. Um, I can confirm that I am expected to be a witness in that case as well. Um, and I will probably be subpoenaed uh, any day now. I will receive the subpoena to appear as a witness for the state in that specific case as well. Um, I do have to say that as much as I want to see Trump held accountable for all of the cases that are pending against him for the things that he legitimately did. Sitting on the stand as a witness, whether it's a civil case such as this one or the criminal case that will be pursued by Alvin Bragg in March, it's not easy. And I want people to remember that I appeared before seven congressional committees, approximately nine hours um, you know, uh, per clip not to mention 23 meetings with the Manhattan DA, a handful of with the attorney general. Uh, you know, I have done my part to hold Donald and his cohorts accountable. And I do really have to say it is mentally exhausting. It's physically exhausting. It's emotionally exhausting. And um, I'm preparing myself for it because once his counsel starts to cross-examine, it's going to be no different than what the Republicans did during the House Oversight Committee, which is just to attack my credibility, attack my uh, integrity every second with every single question that they ask, because they think by doing so that that's going to help to exonerate Donald based upon the documentary evidence as well as the corroborating testimony that Tish James has. Uh, it's an uncomfortable feeling to be attacked verbally that way. You know, been down this road before, uh, prepared again, but wanted to just share that you know, it is um, emotionally and physically exhausting. And we appreciate you, Cohen, 
opening up and, you know, having these candid discussions that you and I have privately a lot about just how we feel about these things, like speaking about our emotions. And yes, people know the Michael Cohen who they see on beat down and CNN, you know, and they know you for your intelligence and that you don't hold back. Um, but what they should know also is that you're a human and going through all of these ordeals takes a toll. When you get sued for $500 million in a federal court and Donald Trump is likely funding this through political action organizations and you have to post a legal defense fund. I, I know how hard that was for you to do. I know what a, pr a proud individual you are. So for you to have to come here and say, hey, Ben, you know, we really got to do this legal defense fund because like I need to have lawyers and, and I, I don't really have the resources to go up against, you know, someone like a Trump. And the brigaders came through, everyone's come through. I'll, I'll, I'll mention that legal defense fund now, which goes to your defense in the case that Donald Trump filed against you in the Southern District of Florida. There it is right there at the firewallfund.com and in the description below. And that's how you were able to get these top lawyers, Donya Perry, Ben Brodsky, who's done uh, incredible work. So thank you to the brigaders for contributing there. And, and Michael, thanks for it's hard to open up to us and it's a side of you that yeah, I know is, privately through our yeah. friendship. But, you know, the fact that you're opening it up to millions of people like the Brigaders and they're saying, look, this is really tough on me. It's, you know, it, it gets it, even it worse. Ben, you know, there's a part that I also didn't express. You know, uh, I don't have to tell the Brigaders how insane these maggots um, can be. You know, when I was testifying before the grand jury for the New York district attorney's case, um, you know, somehow or another, they managed to get my home, which is a private, it's a private number, it's a block number, but somehow they managed to get the number, uh, maybe for, you know, somebody at the Trump or doxed it or something like that. But, you know, I'm getting phone calls at um, 12 o'clock, one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock, every hour on the hour, um, you know, I'm generally awake at 12. And so I pick it up and they start yelling and screaming. And, uh, you know, uh, obviously a lot of nasty um, at that start flying about uh, being Jewish, uh, about being a rat, you know, and all these other, you know, really sort of stupid, nasty stuff. So, you know, I now I take the phone off the hook, um, you know, Every night, I just disconnect the plug, you know, to the uh, to the main line, and it's just um, this is the dog whistle that Donald has blown, and it's sad because I'm subpoenaed to testify, and as a result, I must go in, or I could be held in contempt of court. Now, of course. When I always talk about the two-tier system of justice, why wasn't Mark Meadows right, uh, held accountable or others when they failed to appear for congressional subpoenas, congressional judicial subpoena? They both carried the same weight. Well, I'm not going to fight it because I am not part of that two-tier system. Maybe I will be if I run for Congress and I win, but right now I am not. And I have seen how... The system works when you are on the opposite side and that we'll call it privileged tier 
is weaponized, as Trump did with Bill Barr, remanding me back to prison because I wouldn't waive my First Amendment constitutional right. So you could only imagine, you know, what could potentially happen if you defy a judicial subpoena, which I will not. Um, and, you know, we'll take it from there. Uh, on top of that, as you know, if by looking at, you may remember from uh, Tuesday's uh, episode, one of the things that we did is we showed the calendar and how the calendar is basically built. I mean, this is like a full, there you go, a full social calendar all the way up to election day. And there is going to be a massive amount of overlap. And so, you know, I'm involved in two of these. I'm involved, obviously, in the Trump org civil fraud suit that you see there, October 2nd of 2023, as well as the uh, New York hush money trial of March 25th. Well, this creates a real problem because not only do you have Super Tuesday on March 5th, but there's also another matter that is taking place uh, that same March 5th date. Uh, and I think that's one of the Jack Smith uh, cases. I think it's the, it's the um, or is it potentially uh, the election interference? I forget which one. There's so many. It's hard to actually remember his schedule. I'm trying to remember my own schedule. Um, it's why he's behaving in the manner that he is. That's how he behaves when he's cornered and frightened. So, Cohen, in about the first 15 minutes of this political beat, when there's so many, it's hard to actually remember his schedule. I'm trying to remember my own schedule. Um, it's why he's behaving in the manner of civil fraud suit that you see there, October 2nd of 2023, as well as the uh, New York hush money trial of March 25th. Mm -hmm. well, this creates a real problem because not only do you have Super Tuesday on March 5th, but there's also another matter that is taking place uh, that same March 5th date. Uh, and I think that's one of the Jack Smith uh, cases. I think it's the, it's the um, or is it potentially uh, the election interference? I forget which one. There's so many. Just uh, I'm posting this uh, schedule on um, <clears throat> Facebook. Schedule. Bama. Oh, the skies are blue. Home, Alabama. Lord, I'm coming home to you. Not them to. Right. which one there's so many it's hard to actually remember his schedule i'm trying to remember my own schedule um it's why he's behaving in the mat that he is that's how he behaves when he's 
cornered and frightened. So, Cohen, in about the first 15 minutes of this political beatdown, we covered a lot. You broke a lot of news here that's not being reported anywhere else about the uh, judge's order uh, in the Southern District of Florida, about your testimony that you expect to take place uh, in the New York Attorney General's case. If you're okay with it, I want to break it down as a litigator who's litigated in federal and state courts to make sure everybody understands kind of the important implications of, of, of everything that you said. So just to be clear, the judge in the federal case, the one that Donald Trump sued you for $500 million, is that Judge Darren Gales? Yes, it is. Okay, so Judge Gales, just so everybody knows, law and order, no-nonsense judge. Cohen, I believe he was appointed by Obama in 2014, an impeccable reputation, so uh, I think all accurate. So Donald Trump files this case in the Southern District of Florida, Miami Division, trying to make it as inconvenient for you and difficult for you as possible, probably hoping to draw a judge that he appointed. You've got a law and order, no-nonsense judge. Just because the mm -hmm. judge was appointed by Obama doesn't make it a good, him a good judge, so happens to be that happens more frequently than the opposite way around. So you have this deposition that's set for September 6th. Uh, Donald Trump, uh, in addition to having to show up for this deposition on September 6th, has to respond for a request for production of documents that you propounded, where at the deposition on September 6th, your lawyers would get this document production um, based on the allegations he's made about but not you. not September 6th. He has to provide them by September 3rd. Correct. The deposition, September 6th. That's what I was going to say. That's yes. why the judge ultimately ordered that they be produced before the deposition, because the reason your very smart lawyers sequenced it this way is so by the time there's a deposition, they'll have the documents and about a three-day buffer right. to go through it to make sure that they can be prepared. So a big order that the judge made is Donald Trump on that Sunday turn over all of these records because you're about to be deposed so your lawyers can use those documents in the deposition. You use the term that Trump is classifying these records and just to be clear, what, what you mean to say is designating them as confidential pursuant yes, to a- Confidential classification pursuant to a civil protective order. And what the judge is not allowing Donald Trump to do is do what's called a blanket protective order or blanket confidentiality designations. In other words, what Trump wanted to say is that every document I turn over and everything I say at this deposition should be presumptively confidential and kept secret. What the judge is saying is, no, you're not different than any other litigant. If you're dealing with things that need to be kept confidential, for example, they involve trade secrets or proprietary information, on a case-by-case -case basis, you can make a confidential designation, Donald Trump, but Michael Cohen, you can then challenge that at any point in time and say, he is just saying confidential when in fact, Trump is making this allegation against me in the complaint, which most of the stuff that you're going to be asking him is stuff that he is putting out in public that is defamatory against you yeah. and slandering your reputation. So you're going to basically argue 
judge, he's saying these things about me publicly, so he can't now claim this is secret. To restore my reputation, I want to show that he's lying in this $500 million complaint that he filed publicly. So that's why this order by the judge saying no blanket confidential designations, turnover records September 3rd, and right now the deposition set for September 6th, why all of that is so important. And I find it astounding, Michael Cohen, that Trump's lawyers as of this point in time have not even confirmed that he's going to show up to the deposition to your lawyers who I'm sure are reaching out to him and just saying, hey, you know, Donya Perry, for example, you know, I believe she's in New York. And so she's got to fly, make travel arrangements. So she's going to want to she's going to want to make sure that he's showing up because otherwise there's going to be serious sanctions against him. And she's being a professional. And it sounds like his lawyer is doing what his lawyers do, which is non-responsive, ignoring it. But I just want to make sure. I Let's also not forget, by the way, that he cannot take the fifth across the board. You may remember that he made an allegation that his lawyer made the allegation on his behalf that uh, he cannot answer a series of questions because it would be violative of his uh, Fifth Amendment constitutional right against self-incrimination, uh, information that could potentially be used in other actions that he's currently indicted upon. I mean, this whole case is wackadoodle, to use a legal expression. I mean, it is just wackadoodle. Um, he certainly, neither was his counsel thinking when they decided to file this action. They had to understand that I wasn't cutting a check for $500 million that this case would have to be defended. And one way to defend the case is you depose the plaintiff. So he knew that he was going to be deposed. So you have to start to say to yourself, well, then why did he do it? Well, we know that he fundraised off of it, and he also made a massive splash in the media uh, for it. And on top of that, in his, again, why is he doing the clips? Everything is very circular with Donald. Why is he doing these clips? Because he needs to get something off of his chest. He was so angry that I testified to the grand jury, which ultimately resulted in the first indictment against him. He was so angry about that that he needed to strike back. And the way that he was going to strike back is through a lawsuit. And the lawsuit is for, as we, again... $500 million. So this isn't like something you can take lightly at all. It was meant to make a splash. It was meant to sort of show that he's, you know, a uh, litigious tough guy and that he was going to set the record straight. And one way, of course, is by demanding such a massive amount of money to be paid based upon my con my conduct, uh, which, again, is... Uh, this whole case is just retaliatory. You don't believe he's going to show up at that deposition. You think he's too scared, too cowardly. Well, I think he can't. I, I don't think it makes sense for him. If I was his lawyer in this case, Ben, I would never allow him to show up because the questions that will be asked, and he will have to answer them because they are germane to the, um, to the case that was brought against me. It is important that I have these answers so I could defend myself 
in this case and be able to make you know an, um, another motion to dismiss uh, based upon the evidence that is provided uh, not just by uh, Donald but also corroborated to the uh, emails, text messages, etc. That's why this is so important, but he cannot provide that information for fear that it could incriminate him in other matters. You know, for example, you know, there's also, again, the Tish James case. Uh, this is, you know, this is a real, this is a real problem across the board for him. And so, you know, would I recommend that he do this? No. On top of that, uh, many people have said, I'm talking about legal pundits, that, you know, this is a case that will be ultimately dismissed. And then, of course, we will um, make a determination whether, you know, to seek sanctions against him, something that you may recall, he, meaning Donald and Alina Haba, have already been sanctioned in the Southern District of Palm Beach. And that was in regard to a similar um, baseless and frivolous lawsuit that was brought against uh, Hillary Clinton and other people by Donald. And they were sanctioned close to one million. million. Yeah. They were sanctioned close to one million dollars. And the ultimate irony is that they tried to assert RICO claims, civil battery law, Clinton and others. And the judge, Don Middlebrooks, was like, this is the ravings of a lunatic. Like this, there, there's no even consistent thread in what it is you're alleging here. And in a very scathing sanction, uh -huh. Judge Middlebrooks said every single allegation is false. And when we're talking every single allegation, even some of the most basic ones, wow. like they sued someone uh -huh. and said he was from... New York, but he was from Virginia. They claim uh -huh. that someone was the head of the DNC. The person was not even affiliated with the DNC. You know, and all of that crap uh -huh. works in right-wing propaganda world, and we'll talk about that in a little bit as well. But in court, in real world, you know, these these MAGA people, they because they go on Fox all the time, and Sean Hannity, and Tucker, and all these places, and Newsmax, and they just get the softballs, and they, like, live in this bubble where Hunter Biden's nudes are, you know, and, and Bud Light and, and uh, you know, and Mr. Potato Head. Like when they go into the real world with most Americans, yep. you know, you know, Democrats, independents, people who have left the Republican Party, we look at them like I call it fascist Furby talk because it's like, what are you what are you even talking about? I, I want to show you these clips, though, of Donald Trump that you yeah. talked about. These are videos that Trump made of himself mm -hmm. and Trump announced on his social media platform. He goes. I'm pleased to inform you that I will be doing videos on Truth Social that will Yay. be discussing many subjects in many time frames. You will be able to choose the video and policy that you like and may want to reply on Truth Social. Enjoy. But of course, there's not about any policy. They're the rantings and ravings of a lunatic. So here's one of the videos that Donald Trump just made like 60 of these. OK, we're not going to show you 60. I'm just going to pick like four of them. But this is Donald Trump attacking President Joe Biden. Play this clip. Crooked Joe Biden is not only dumb and incompetent, I believe that he has gone mad. A stark <laughs> raving lunatic with his horrible and country-threatening environmental open borders and DOJ-FBI weaponization policies. 
He is a mental catastrophe that is leading our country to hell. Can you say projection and confession? Cohen, I want to get your response to that, but let's take a quick break. Eating well That's does not. not have to be boring. Feel your best this fall and satisfy uh. your cravings proud away to convince people to vote against their interests and distract them from tangible things that are being done or attempting to be done. Doesn't mean Biden always is successful, but he's aiming towards how do we help people? And Fox wants to, and Trump wants to, and MAGA world wants to distract from all that. Let me show you another clip that Donald Trump made of himself. This is him again, doubling, tripling, quadrupling down after. This is all happening too, like after he's uh, indicted now multiple times. Just spewing the lies, saying that we have a department of injustice that's rigging this election, like they rigged the election in 2020. Or play this clip. We have a department of injustice rigging the election for crooked Joe Biden. Unless it is quickly stopped, all future elections will follow the same path. Our country is heading down a very, very dangerous road, and it has to stop. These are very dishonest people we're dealing with. We have to make our country great again. And if our elections are going to be rigged or if they're going to use weaponization on elections, it'll be very tough to make it great. We are a nation in decline. We are a nation that is failing, but we will turn it around very quickly. The election of 2024 is the most important election in the history of our country. We have to win or we won't have a country left. Thank you, Lance. Again, more threats, more lies. Let me just show you one more quote. This is what he said. Ben, before we jump on to that one, hasn't he already warned not to do things like this? So it goes into something that we talked about during the last episode, which is now we have to wait to see what the judge will do, because this is exactly the gaslighting and the danger that this man poses. So, yeah, let's go to the next clip. The next one right here is him talking about Georgia, again, where he just pled not guilty and where he has conditions that would seem to prohibit conduct exactly like this. I easily won the great state of Georgia in 2016, did a fantastic job as president for Georgia and the entire USA, received 10 million more votes than I got nationwide in 2016. Got by far the most votes in history for a sitting president, but shockingly lost Georgia. And again, he goes later in that clip, which is not in that clip, but he talks about how he believes he won Georgia. And again, just whining that Georgia was was rigged, but constantly like, by the way, just whining over and over again. He's always the victim. Have you noticed that? His consistent pattern is that he is always the victim in every scenario that doesn't go his way. And of course, it's Joe Biden administration that weaponized the Department of Justice. No, look at my book, Revenge. Look at what the title is, which again was finished and went to publishing a year ago. Well before Donald started this bullshit about Biden weaponizing the Justice Department to go after him. How Donald Trump weaponized the United States Department of Justice 
against his critics. We already know what we've seen from Jeffrey Berman, the head of the Southern District of New York at the time, how Bill Barr's office was putting pressure on them regarding my case. We've already seen all the things that the Department of Justice did. Who gets 48 hours to plead guilty or they're filing an 80-page indictment against you and that's going to include your spouse? Who gets something like this? I'm watching these assholes. Look at the calendar. The calendar puts Donald out well over a year. All of these folks, including this guy from the Oath Keepers or the, or the Proud Boys, whichever one, today got 17 years. These trials didn't take place in 48 hours from a Friday to a Monday. So who's the real weaponizer of the DOJ? Where is Bill Barr to spill the beans? Where is Congress to hold a hearing demanding Barr come in and to spill the beans? Yeah, I mean, this guy's good idea. Spews nothing but lies. Why does he turn around and say that he's, um, let's see, something stupid. Uh, 6-3 and 2-15 stands up seen all the things that the Department of Justice did. Who gets 48 hours to plead guilty or they're filing an 80-page indictment against you and that's going to include your spouse? Who gets something like this? I'm watching these assholes. Look at the calendar. The calendar puts As out well over a year. All of these folks... Uh, this guy from the Oath Keepers. Or the, or the Proud Boys, whichever one, today got 17 years. These trials didn't take place in 48 hours from a Friday to a Monday. So who's the real weaponizer of the DOJ? Where is Bill Barr to spill the beans? Where is Congress to hold a hearing demanding Barr come in and to spill the beans. I mean, this guy stands up there, spews nothing but lies. Why doesn't he just turn around and say that he's, um, let's see, something stupid. Uh, 6'3 and 215, the same height and weight as Tom Brady, the same height and weight as most outside liberty seen. All the things that the Department of Justice did. 6'3 and 215, the same height and weight as Tom Brady, the same height and weight as most outside linebackers. Seriously? Michael Cohen says that former Attorney General Bill Barr should be hauled into Congress. Oh.
Okay, Michael Cohen says that that Verdun should be called in to testify on weaponization of the Doge. Outside linebackers? Seriously? Come on. I mean, the guy well, the guy wouldn't know the truth if it bit him in his ass. So let's uh. just, what we need to do is to stop listening to him altogether. We need to, again, keep building the brigade every single day. You know, share, listen, you know, promote it, tell your friends about it. Make sure, again, that you're uh, fully registered as a Democrat to vote and make sure that everybody has not just their ID card, their registration card, but that you help them to get to the polls so that we can have an absolute blue tsunami. The only way that we actually destroy Trumpism is because ultimately, that's all these politicians. Now they're already disqualified. I think these are notoriously subject to price gouging. These have the most significant immediate impacts. We'll be able to negotiate. And then you may go, no, 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 no. You're forgetting these two drugs, and that's a big mistake. Okay, but what we're talking about is making medication accessible and affordable to people, right? Donald Trump. One thing I do know, I do know pharma. And one thing I can tell you for certain 
Joe Biden is not the guy who picked out which drugs that they are going to start negotiating on. And just because there's, I think, 50 drugs that are on the list um, for negotiation with the manufacturers, there is a team of individuals, qualified individuals, that aren't being micromanaged by Biden the way Trump used to micromanage everyone. And all he would do is say, I know more. I know more about pharma than the pharma guys. I know more about, I have an uncle from MIT. This is the stupid, he knows more about everything. Business, energy, you know, um, NASA, military. He knows more about everything than everybody. It's amazing, you know, in Yiddish they would call him a Talmud Chacham, right? A genius amongst geniuses. He knows everything about everything. The truth is he doesn't know shit about Shinola. And it, it's, it is so amazing that still he's got that stronghold over these maggots that think the guy actually has half a brain with his man, woman, camera, TV. I mean, it is beyond stupid at this point. He, meaning Joe Biden, went ahead, brought in professionals, and they started with these drugs. That doesn't mean it starts and stops with these drugs. It's just the beginning. And I promise you, I promise you, as soon as they finish with these 50, there's already 50 more, and they're going to end up doing this with all of the drugs that are there. Not to the Canada, you know, with negotiation. And they should. They should. It doesn't have to lose hundreds of millions or billions and billions of dollars simply to put more money into the shareholders of Big Pharma. It's, it's not necessary. You know, and as President Biden's talking about negotiating these these initial 10 Medicare Part D drugs, he's also talking about the 37,000 infrastructure projects that are going up. He's also talking about how he's protecting students, how he's protecting seniors, the initiatives he is taking as MAGA Republicans are trying to control, and they are doing this in Republican-led states, women's rights to control their own body. He's talking about what can we do with the federal government to protect women, to protect equality. And that's why, you know, this these making these contrasting examples is so important. So this is President Biden today. You saw those videos of Trump. This is President Biden today at FEMA headquarters. And he's asked a question about how the MAGA Republicans, when they get back into Congress, what they are threatening is to shut down government unless invest, unless criminal cases against Donald Trump go away, unless they say wokeness goes away from certain departments, you know, whatever the heck that even means, because it's just MAGA Republicans speak for, they don't even know what the hell they're talking about, just how could they be discriminatory and evil for evil's sake. But here President Biden is saying, yeah, a shutdown will actually have catastrophic effects on FEMA and our ability to respond to emergencies during hurricane season. Here, play this clip. Yeah, are you concerned about a government shutdown and how that affects the It would be a serious, serious problem. I, I'm hoping that uh, there's greater maturity uh, to prevent that from happening than something. I'm hoping there will be greater maturity and not allow that to actually happen. And, you know, I, I just, I don't, you know, do people want him to act like like a freaking, oh, Joe Biden? Like, no, I want someone who is 
somber and compassionate and intelligent. I, I'm not looking for like a wacky Dr. Evil style character. Like I, it's not what I want in someone making life and death decisions over myself, my family, coworkers, colleagues, loved ones, neighbors, community, country. I don't. And the fact that this Trump crap is enabled by MAGA Republicans and a propaganda network, it is sickening. I want to show you this, you know, you know before, we jump onto, before we jump onto that, first of all, two things. Only Donald, only Donald should be receiving today's two-finger fucking salute <laughs> for the stupidity and the shit that's coming out of his mouth. Rest assured, the shit that's coming out of his mouth is making his ass jealous because this is by far the dumbest move that this guy can. and could you imagine the idiots that are around him? so maybe to them too a good fuck you could you imagine the idiots that are sitting around him yeah donald this is a great idea this is a great idea yeah go after joe biden let me tell you one other thing that joe biden did in the month of august while diaper donald is sitting there shitting on himself you know what he did i'm gonna read this he signed two bills into law that give the Department of Justice and other federal agencies more time to investigate and prosecute Paycheck Protection Program, that's the PPP, and COVID-19 Economic Injury Disaster Loan, the EIDL. All right, he's going after all of the money that was improperly taken by people, um, you know, simply thinking that, oh, the government's giving out free money. And this all occurred under the Trump administration. You know, it's when somebody like Kushner gets, what, 13, 20 million dollars, whatever the amount was, in PPP money, all right? There's a real problem with that, especially considering we already know that Kushner and Ivanka pulled down over 640 million during that time in the White House. They don't need the PPP money. And good for Biden and the DOJ for turning around and whatever other law enforcement agencies will come and hold these people accountable for the lies and the false filings that they did in order to take money. The part of this part that really pisses me the fuck off, really pisses me off, is when the Republicans turn around and they start to attack Joe Biden for wanting to, as an example, uh, get rid of student loans. That's not okay, right? That's not okay. And that's a de minimis amount of money compared to the amount of money that was stolen from PPP. But look to see who the people are that took the PPP money. All right. These are these are so many of the insiders. We know so many members on the Republican side in Congress took real money from PPP. This is absolutely absurd. Instead, instead of providing, again, a benefit to, you know, to all Americans, all students uh, that, you know, that have these outstanding loans. Instead, that's not good. But the PPP money, which was basically handed out willy nilly because Trump and his team didn't really prepare properly for the dissemination of this money and the tracking of it. Um, I mean, from what I understand, there's still like a half a trillion dollars or something missing. I mean, it's crazy numbers yeah. that, that are missing right now. So as far as I'm concerned, once again, ding, ding, ding for Joe Biden eh, 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 for Donald.
And as you think about things like inflation um, and now President Biden getting it under control and you think about the types of money being printed indiscriminately with a mismanaged PPP program. And that's the key thing, I think, to mention mismanaged, because if it was done with intelligence and it was targeted in the right areas, but it was so fraught with fraud created a lot of problems like in all of Donald Trump's life where he borrows, 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 and then doesn't want there to be repercussions and then leaves his businesses or his shareholders or other people bankrupt. And I think the important part that you point out there too is is the hypocrisy. Like, look, I don't hold it against someone. If you needed the PPP loan and you used it the right way, you know, okay. But then if you got it, now you're going to attack people who are getting far less money than you got in a way that they needed in a very kind of targeted and sophisticated way. That hypocrisy and cruelty to me is one of the key things that need to be called out. Now, the two-finger salute that you gave, I'm not going to say that it was truly premature because I think Trump absolutely deserves it, but I'm going to show you quite possibly the most cringe video of the year because this is what the MAGA Republicans are talking about right now. As Democrats are talking about infrastructure and jobs and health care and education and equality and a woman's right to control her body and veterans. This is the issue right now that's on Fox and Newsmax and that MAGA Republicans in the House of Representatives and the Senate are talking about. This is their new green M&M, Disney's Too Woke, Target This, uh, Dr. Seuss, Mr. Potato, you know, all that crap. This is the gas stoves, bathrooms. This is the new one. This is Ted Cruz coming up with a deranged conspiracy. And then he has these like people behind him, like drinking a beer. Just watch it. And then we'll talk about it. Play this clip. State has now done that for new construction. They're trying to go after and regulate ceiling fans. I got to tell you, it's hot in Texas. We don't want to get rid of our ceiling fans. And now these idiots have come out and said, drink two beers a week. That's their guideline. Well, I got to tell you, if they want us to drink two beers a week, frankly, they can kiss my ass. No, okay. Um, Senator, I uh, I brought a beer to drink with you. I'll drink this non-alcoholic beer with you because I'm not allowed to drink on camera, but I'll have, I'll have a sip. Well, in the meantime, look, but, I, I got to say, so what, have you ever seen a brand do more damage to itself than Bud Light, which which single-handedly seemed to destroy themselves? So I'm glad you're not drinking a Bud Light. Personally, I'm fond of Shiner Bach, which is a good uh, tech Texas brand. I've been to the Shiner Brewery in Shiner, Texas, and I recommend it. And I promise you, this is not alcohol-free beer down here. No, and by the way, the one I have uh, right after the show won't be alcohol-free either. And it may just be a... Are they synchronizing their drinking of the... Oh, you guys are tough guys. And I just want to address this thing because MAGA Republicans like to talk about masculinity all the time. And, oh, I'm a real man. You know what, though? What I think actually makes somebody you know, quote unquote, if you want to go there, masculine, actually being a decent human being, not bullying people, treating people with respect. I'm sick and tired of this macho act by the, look at me, chug a freaking beer. No, you look like a freaking. Hey, if they, run, they, okay. they, they can kiss my ass. I mean, look, by the way, 
The last thing that that fat ass should be drinking is a fucking beer. Let me be very clear about that. Listen, maybe I still have no choice but to continue with the two fingers salute for today's episode going to Donald because Ted Cruz doesn't mean anything. And this is exactly why we keep talking about my destruction network and staying uh, locked in with us, whether it's political beatdown, whether it's going to be uh, Maya Culpa or any of the other Midas Touch Network programs, building the community. Why? Because we'll build that community so big that fucking putzes like Ted Cruz will get his ass handed to him during the upcoming election. And when you get rid of people like Ted Cruz, vote blue, the blue tsunami, when you get rid of people like Ted Cruz, the stupidity, the stupidity that he brings to the people's house, that will ultimately cause the end of Trumpism. See, this is all performative shit. Let's not forget when Donald Trump called his wife ugly, when he turned around and Ted Cruz is sitting there saying, Donald is a swine. Donald is a snake. Donald is a fraud. He's a con man. I mean, what happened to the Ted Cruz 30 pounds ago, right? He's not there anymore. This is all performative acting. All for who? All for their Fuhrer, the monarch, the dictator wannabe, because they believe that they will be able to ride Donald's coattails into, right, autocracy. That's what they're really looking to do. And shame on him. Shame on all of them that will ultimately put, you know, uh, autocracy above our democracy and constitution. You know, when I think about the beatdown brigade, the Midas Mighty community, the legal AF community, all the community, the, the, the one community, the Midas Mighty here on the Midas Touch Network, what is so incredible that you all created and cohen and i are just honored to be a part of this organic community that you created is you have so many communities out there that focus on bad crap and just bad behavior whether it's being you know celebrating being misogynistic or celebrating toxic masculinity or hate or lies or deranged conspiracies you you see that so much so when you have a community that actually is compassionate and that focuses on the facts and truth and supporting people and just trying to be a good person every day, we'll all make mistakes. There's none of us are perfect. I'm not perfect. Cohen's perfect. If you're looking for two perfect people, guess what? We're going to make mistakes in the future. But when I make a mistake, I'm going to do all of my best to always try to be better and that's all we can that's all we can control is what we can control and the empathy compassion that actually is contagious and so we have where this is like the number one show on youtube in the world right it's definitely number one in news but it's like n- number one or two in the entire world right now and so if we all spread this message just a little bit each day of pro democracy of compassion, of facts, of data, of being understanding, of trying to help other individuals, that is something that is 
so special and then the community can keep on growing and we could all set a positive a positive image for this country and not the image of hate that large media networks want to do and how local news which is owned by big media conglomerates want everyone so angry and angry and angry and don't get me wrong we there's things we should be angry about absolutely and call it out but as a community i want to support my neighbor. I want to support this community. I want everybody to be better. I want to, for us all to empower each other and come up with tangible solutions. Salty right now is confirming we're number three in the world, number one in news in the world right now. Well, let, let's not forget when the going uh, got tough in Texas, Ted Cruz went to Cancun. I mean, if that in and of itself doesn't say something to you about the character of the 